You've seen those movies where they say, make my day, or I'm your worst nightmare. Well, listen to this one. Rubber baby buggy bumpers. Ha! You didn't know I'm gonna say that, did you? Your move, creep. And welcome to another episode of the Film Feast podcast. Uh, this week, we're celebrating some March Madness uh, because we are talking about the Coen brothers and all 18 of their movies in a March Madness style bracket and trying to determine which one is the most Coen brothers movie. Uh, <laughs> to help me out, I'm joined by the two biggest Coen brothers fans that I know uh, and two returning guests of this show. Uh, first up is Mark Warner. Mark, how you doing? Doing good, man. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm good. I'm very excited about this. Uh, we've been playing it for a long time, uh, so I'm excited to get into it. But before we start, I also have to introduce my other guest, uh, Hayden Gilbert. Hayden, how are you doing? Wait a second. We're not doing the Joe Wright bracket. <laughs> oh, that's no. the one. I've been, that's the one I've been preparing for. Oh, oh my boy. god. Well, this. Oh is, my god. This is unfortunate. Uh, so <laughs> this no, is work on the drain. <laughs> I'm doing. I'm, I'm living the dream, baby. <laughs> I think we all were because watching Coen Brothers movies and we're going to talk mm-hmm. about the Coen Brothers. Uh, oh, yeah. yeah, we've been kicking this around for a very long time. I know all three of us are very excited about it. It's like mm-hmm. Christmas I can't morning. believe it's here already. I know. Christmas morning has finally come. Uh, so we should do this every year, guys. We should. I was just walking up the stairs uh, and uh, was thinking, we should do like Bond movies or something. And I was like, that'd be really hard. Maybe we should do that. <laughs> I don't oh. know. Well, the James Bonding podcast actually did a Bond God bracket. <laughs> and uh, so you would have just been ripping them off. Oh, I feel like I would yeah. just be getting shit on that the whole bracket. <laughs> <laughs> y'all, y'all would be making fun of me the whole time. I don't, I don't know. I think everyone has... <laughs> I have They're all the unique. wrong Bond opinions, apparently. <laughs> oh well, maybe one day we'll we'll see. But for now, we've got the Cohen Brothers bracket. Uh, it's March Madness. I don't know how big of college basketball fans you guys are. Zero. Uh, this is not. You know, we're just doing a bracket. So, um, so yes, eighteen movies. We determined these um, based on ones that they wrote and directed together. Uh, there's a anthology film from like 2006 called something in French I can't pronounce that we didn't count Thank you. And there's another (laughs) one. There's another one that was like a sequel to that that they also did a short. Oh, okay. New York, I love you. No, not that one. (laughs) I thought that was it. Sorry, Chris Uh, Cooper. Oh, so yeah, not doing that. Not doing the recent tragedy of Macbeth because that was only Joel Cohen, correct? Yes. Not Ethan. Uh, So yes, just things they wrote. They have a lot of things where Joel's no one credited. We know that Ethan worked on it too. So um, yeah. We had the 18 of the brackets. Uh, let me see. So I determined these. We're going to talk a lot about the Coen brothers, obviously, throughout this whole thing. Um, and before I explain the rules, actually, Mark, I'll start with you. Uh, kind of your very quick kind of general thoughts on the Coen brothers, uh, you know, why you like them, things like that. 
Uh, okay. Well, I mean, they're pretty much my uh, favorite directors. Like when I went to film school, I, you know, part of your identity as a film student, you have to know your favorite directors. So I like flat out decide, all right, Coen brothers, they're my guys. They're my favorites. And um, they've kind of settled like at the top with Quentin Tarantino and Christopher Nolan. Whenever I'm asked who my favorite directors are, it's usually one of those three, but I just really dig their style, uh, like the way their movies look, the way they feel, their writing in particular is a big part of it. Like they just, the some of the best dialogue writers out there, uh, they're, I love the way the, um, the, they juggle tone like no, like it's nobody's business, better than literally anyone out there. They're really incredible at that. Um, yeah, that's that's why I love them. They're they're just the best, man. Good stuff. Good stuff. Hayden, uh, your thoughts on the Coen Brothers? Well, unlike Mark, uh, I would say that they're like one of my favorite directors. You know, I know Mark. No, I'm joking. <laughs> no, I I, uh, I agree. I agree. And it was similarly like my love for them. Similarly, was founded probably around you know whenever I was in college. Uh, but like ever since they have comfortably sat right there alongside like Peter Jackson and like Tim Burton, it's always like one of the three. Well, I guess one of the four, two of the, whatever it <laughs> I'm, I'm going to name one of those options. is like my favorite director at any time. Uh, the, the here, here's where it gets tricky though, because uh, well, well, I won't go into that. We okay. will get into that <laughs> whenever we start talking about all the movies, but I, I don't know what it is about them. Something about them is like uniquely American to me. Um, the stories they tell, the way they tell them, their interests. Um, and then I remember Fargo being described as like a sort of a, a story in a newspaper that you see on like page 11 and like the margins. And like most of their movies are like that to me finding the extraordinary in like the most mundane kind of settings. And I, I really love that about them. And um, yeah, sort of what Mark was saying, like their, their use of language is great. Um, they can get the most uh, spectacular like performances out of actors that I usually kind of could go either way on uh, like, I know it's kind of blasphemy. Like I, I don't really care about George Clooney outside of a Coen Brothers movie. But anytime I see him in a Coen Brother movie, I'm like, that is the fun one of the funniest actors. <laughs> uh, That's a good point. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they're like their use of tone is great, or their rather their mastery of tone. Um, yeah, I I don't know. We, we will get into more specifics <laughs> as we go on, but yeah. Yes, I, <laughs> I love them. We, we, I, yes, and this is why I have you both here because I feel like I'm like the Coen Brothers kind of rookie, as I said. <laughs> like, and I'm not. I, I've lived with the movies for a long time, but they were never my guys. Mm-hmm. And but I'm, I'm watching these movies again, and I'm rewatched so many for this podcast, and I'm like, holy shit, are these guys some of my favorite directors? Because they, they hit almost every time. They've only got a couple times where I thought they kind of whiffed, but uh, and we'll talk about <laughs> it. But uh, but they were. They're so good. And it's not even, it's like mastery of tone and they have like distinct sides, almost distinct angles. It's like, this is our wacky kind of comedy movie. This is our noir. This is our serious drama. Like and they can just pivot 
each time and do something completely different, but they have control over each one for the most part. I feel like I know people probably have preferences like, oh, I like Cohen comedies more, I like Cohen dramas more, but you know. Um, but yeah, I up till this doing this bracket, it was like, oh, I like the Cohen brothers, but now I'm like, I think I love the Cohen brothers. Uh-huh. So uh yeah, I mean, we'll we'll talk way more about it because we could talk every single one of their movies. So uh so what I feel like craziest- that means this. Well, I, I just want to say before we start, one of my favorite things about them is that because uh, I noticed this a few years ago, whenever I watched all the movies in in like chronological order, one of my favorite things about them is just the whiplash from movie to movie. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I guess some, some people have described it as like a one for them, one for me sort of thing that some directors do, but they never really do one for them like or or, or, you know a one for the other guys it's always like one for the coen brothers but it is just so movie to movie is just so different yes i I love yeah and i mean that's a good point i was thinking watching all these uh very close together that i'm like it doesn't to me it only it almost always feel they're doing it for them it rarely Mm, ever feels like these are guys that are bowing to studio notes or <laughs> anything like that They're, and i'm amazed i've gotten away with it for so long i guess you know when you have a lot of success especially early on you get to kind of ride that for a while um there's a really interesting stretch in the 2000s where talk about whiplash they do <laughs> well we'll talk about more but i don't want to say what it is but there's just it, they pivot so hard and um and i think it's almost there's a couple times in a row where they kind of almost like they kind of bombed or the movies didn't do that well or weren't critically received but then they bounce back so hard and uh, I'm just amazed. Their career is fascinating. So, um, but yes, we have a lot to talk about. So I'm going to stop talking and we're just going to get into it. So I'm I do want to clarify yes. uh, one thing. Today, <laughs> we are talking about um, Ethan Cohen and Joel Cohen. We're not talking about Ethan Cohen, the writer <laughs> of Tropic Thunder and uh, Get Hard, or Joel Cohen, the writer of Toy Story, Garfield, and Cheaper by the Dozen. Uh, I just yeah, want to clarify that for people who... Uh, Thank you. Mark. Are, might be excited <laughs> and then don't hear those movies covered. Those two guys were excited and now they're really bummed. Those two guys were listening in. Um, anyway, speaking of whiplash, welcome back to the Damien Chazelle. Dr- I'm kidding. <laughs> I don't want to pull Bill Murray and think I'm working, you know, talking about the Coen brothers and I end up in Garfield. <laughs> my favorite stories, if it's true. Um, but, I don't uh, believe it. I it's hard to believe. Said, but I think he said that to cover his ass. I know, but I do love that story so much. <laughs> great story um uh okay so i will explain the rules to people i i basically i'm gonna start off by saying i'm kind of ripping off daniel epler uh it's like you know why not because he does things very well over on cobwebs and uh he did a bracket just kind of recently a few months ago for best 2021 um where they had three guys was him mitch chris Hurtado, uh and they did a bracket and whittled down to their favorite movie of 2021 we're doing the same format there's three of us um i've got a bracket of 18 movies you know anything about brackets? It's got to kind of be in fours. So it's, you know, final four, elite eight, sweet 16. So we have eight teams. So we have two play-in kind of games to start off to even get into the actual tournament, <laughs> um, which we'll do, which are, so basically I determined the seeding of this by going to Letterboxd and looking up the average user ratings on all the Coen Brothers movies and going from highest to lowest rated. So the number one seed had the highest average rating on Letterboxd the bottom seed, the lowest uh, average on letterboxd. And that's well, that seems seeded. unfair. <laughs> uh, I mean, that's I the way it looks, shakes out, I guess. That's I feel like the most fair, you know, way to do it. Um, and then of course, higher seeds face lower seeds to start off. So the one will be versus the 16 or whatever lowest seed makes it in. Uh, we do have a 17 and an 18 seed. Um, 
but then yeah so let me see here i'm just making sure i got all the rules so basically we're going to go through each matchup talk about the two movies facing each other we'll have a vote <laughs> mm-hmm. uh between the three of us uh two out of three or three out of three it moves on uh it wins the the vote and goes on to the next matchup um and i think i, t- I told you guys beforehand i was like let's not just yell out an answer before we even talk about it because listen some matchups may be kind of obvious i don't know uh where you're like well this is a slam dunk win for the number one seed but who knows but we'll talk about the matchup we'll vote after we talk about it i'll call for a vote and we'll move it on to the next round of the tournament um and i think that makes sense for the rules and then we'll just keep going we'll keep eliminating till we get down to the final matchup and we'll determine number one and the the number one is objectively the best con brother movie i mean it's, that's just the way this happens unfortunately you know? <laughs> can't all be winners you the know? final authority on what's the best con brothers movie yeah, whichever one gets to second is also the first loser is the way it, is, it works out so. the only way to determine it yeah i if hope you that ain't first yeah. you're last exactly yes. uh so i hope that it's, that made sense i feel like it kind of ran through it but uh it'll make sense if we go if it didn't make sense right there so um do you guys feel like you're ready to start going through matchups here i don't think i'll ever be ready for this but this is about the most ready i'll ever be okay so i won't do this for every single uh matchup but i want to ask you guys what do you think are the four lowest rated coen brothers movies on letterboxd well (laughs) intolerable cruelty okay yeah lady killers Uh uh-huh hail caesar i would say hudsucker is probably and fargo Well, Fargo was wrong. Uh, Hudsucker actually <laughs> is wrong. Hudsucker made it out of the bottom four. Really? Yeah. Okay. So, so wait. We still got oh, one. So that doesn't... three out of four. You got Tobble Cruelty, okay. Lady Killers, Hail Caesar. Um, Hail Caesar Man, wasn't low. there. Okay. No, Man wasn't there. Is not in the bottom four. Oh. Okay. Right. So, so here's the here's the thing. <laughs> here's the uh, mistake I made. So I'm guessing it doesn't take into account like the popularity of it. It's just. Just the star Negative. average star rating on Reddit. So, uh, oh, is it burn, burn after, after reading? reading? Yep, <laughs> you both got the same time. So, <laughs> yeah, I think the hot, the number one seed, I believe, has like a four point three or something. Like that's Fargo. You're close. <laughs> I won't spoil that's it yet. Good. I mean, they'll come up soon, but uh, okay. um, those are so. Yeah, so these bottom four movies kind of have to fight each other to get even into the actual tournaments. Uh, okay, so. Which one they really do in the NCAA tournament. So, uh, okay. First matchup. <laughs> All right. Um, the 15th seed. Well, hold Bern- on. I yes. have a question. I have yes. a question. If all the ensemble casts from each of these movies, uh-huh. out of all of those, who would make the best basketball team? <laughs> <laughs> it's a good question. Uh, let me, I don't know. Hail Caesar's got a pretty big cast. Uh, can... <laughs> I'm going to Brother Warth, though. <laughs> they all look scrappy. They do. They do. Um, okay. First matchup. The 15th seed, which is Burn After Reading. So the highest rated of the four. <laughs> and then the lowest rated Coen Brothers movie, The Lady Killers, is the 18th seed. That's the matchup. Burn After Reading versus The Lady Killers. So... What a first round. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh who wants to start? Hayden, you want to start your thoughts on uh, uh one of these? Yeah, I'll start. Um, okay, and you said don't just shout out which one you prefer. <laughs> as okay. tempting as it may be, yes. 
<laughs> All right. Uh, I, then I, I will not just shout it out. Okay. So <laughs> I um, have no idea what he's going to pick, by the way. <laughs> Interesting. All right. Uh, okay. So I'll. Okay. So Lady Killers um, is one. Oh boy. Okay. I, <laughs> it, I I did tell myself I need to make some notes because I realized on our last episode we all did together, I was just saying the same thing over and over again for I was just like, I had a blast. It was fun. The cast was good. So I actually did make a few notes. And the lady killers uh was the one I couldn't really <laughs> say. Okay. Um I would say uh this movie is not as bad as its reputation, I, I would say. Like, I, I think this movie is fine. It belongs to a kind of movie that I don't particularly like, which is 2000s comedy. And it does kind of... Uh, I mean, it is still a Coen brother movie. Like, it, it, it does not kind of disappear into that for lack of a better word, uh, categorization. You know, uh, the uh, Mark, help me out here. Tom Hanks' character's name. Goldflate Higginson Doa, PhD. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. I, a great character who alone makes the movie stand out from the pack. Uh, and, and the rest of the ensemble is very funny as well. Um, I, it gets a lot of uh, crap for being... Quote, or for quote unquote feeling like a self parody of a Coen brother movie. Uh, I would say that I guess the Tom Hanks character does feel like a self parody of a Coen brothers kind of written character, but I, that doesn't bother me. I kind of like that about the movie. Um, but I, that's really all I have to say about the lady killers <laughs> uh, burn after reading, I think is totally underrated. Um, I think it's probably their darkest movie. Maybe. Okay. I will say maybe their darkest movie. <laughs> Got some pretty dark um, ones. Yeah. <laughs> it makes total sense that it came out right after that. They, they wrote it or made it right after no country for old men. Cause it's, I feel like it takes place almost in the same universe, except, uh, <laughs> you know, on the funny side, but right. <laughs> it is so cr unbelievably cruel, but also, again masters of tone like normally i uh i can be pretty off put by some black comedies that are just so mean uh but burn after reading is hysterical i i i laugh so hard that i kind of like get hurt in the sides and the <laughs> when i'm watching it um i i do, do I say which one I prefer? Or do we save that? For we'll the... save that. I'll, I'll call for the votes. I'll go. Okay. I'm going to jump to Mark. Uh, if you I'm going to completely forget that rule. I feel like in all of these, I'm going to say which one I prefer, like right at the get go. But um, <laughs> right. Um, not right now, because we just had that conversation. Okay. Yeah. So, I, yeah. I mean, I've I've said my piece on the first round. I um, I I think uh, Burn After Reading is one of their most underrated movies. Okay. Mark, your thoughts on these movies. <laughs> I think this is where my credibility is going to be shot to shit. Oh, boy. Because um, <laughs> right away, this might be the <laughs> toughest matchup of the night. For me. Really, immediately. <laughs> it's partially because, look, I 
Look, I have a history with the lady killers. I oh that was you uh, dated in high school. No, I'm just kidding. Uh, <laughs> I wish. <laughs> I wish I dated this film. Uh, <laughs> uh, I saw it in theaters when it originally came out and loved it. And uh, this was kind of a big watch in my house through like middle and high school. My dad and I watched this one quite a bit. We definitely quoted it back and forth a lot. Waffles. We must have waffles. Waffles forthwith. <laughs> There's a. There's a line, oh God, Marlon Wayans utters like Be four careful. times in a row, the line, you brought your bitch to the Waffle Hut. That, okay, that did keep making me laugh because it kept going. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it's one of their flat out silliest movies and I recognize the flaws and I see how it doesn't stack up against some of their other ones. But in terms of just, pure comedy i think it's hilarious and that's where the conflict kind of comes because i do think burn after reading is a better movie overall but i think i laugh a little bit more with lady killers i think that one might just be simply funnier and so i'm gonna have to talk myself into i'm gonna have, this is gonna be one where i actually talk myself into voting for one of them the aesthetics are so funny comparing these two because like <laughs> So the like I mean the lady killers has that sheen of like the the sheen was a bad word but it, it, I mean it it just looks like one of those uh 2000s comedies and then like the we here's a, here's a better place for sheen the weird sheen to like burn after reading like the the uh, font and everything for the credits is so str- so strange. Whenever you're like zooming out and in through oh, the satellites yeah, and yeah. stuff, it feels uh, so weird to be in a Coen Brothers movie. But um, not to mention the score; it's got this like heavy percussion, like you're about to watch an action movie kind of right. score. <laughs> right. But oh, I mean, yeah, yeah technically. It's weird that Burn After Reading kind of feels more like a Coen Brothers movie because it's set in Washington, D.C. That is not a setting you think of when you think of Coens. The American South is definitely what you think of when you think of the Coens. Sure. Yeah, much more than, yeah, Washington, D.C. I don't think of them in like a modern city. You know, it's like them in like modern D.C. just feels kind of weird. But Mm -hmm. um, yeah, I I mean, listen, you can't, if you think, lady killer is objectively funny there's something we can say it's like if you think it's funny it's funny you know that's just a comedy is very right. subjective thing so um but i don't want it to sound yeah. like i don't think burn after reading so right, i do right. think that one's hilarious and i agree with hayden it might be their darkest movie that is a mean fucking movie <laughs> yeah it is yeah. Yeah. just completely bleak outlook on the world poor yeah, jenkins pretty much uh yeah oh i know <laughs> uh Okay, uh, Mark. Anything else? I'm going to say my my piece here on these movies. Uh, no, nothing that I can think of. Okay. Uh, so the Lady Killers being ranked last. I think I helped do that because I did not like this movie. <laughs> I saw it for the first time watching this. There's long stretches of Lady Killers where I'm actively miserable watching the movie. Mark, I'm so sorry. Uh, <laughs> And but then there's moments that it pops. I'm like, this is really funny. Like the Marlon Wayans thing you mentioned, like you are you bitch of the Waffle Hut and JK Simmons stuff is hilarious, I thought. Um yes. 
basically potty humor, but it's very funny to me. And it's like, uh, I, there's moments I like Tom Hanks, there's moments I'm repulsed by Tom Hanks. I'm not usually repulsed by Tom Hanks. He's, you know, America's dad. So well, but he's playing considering what he has to do in the movie, it kind of makes sense that you're repulsed by him. <laughs> right. I mean, it's, yeah, it's not an easy movie to like. I think it's funny that you say it looks like 2000 comedies, Hayden, because it's, again, shot by um, Roger Deakins, which will come up a lot. Uh, he's their cinematographer guy. It's yeah. a Deakins movie. <laughs> it's this, like, kind of dumb 2000s comedy. <laughs> and I'm like, what? I, you know, he thinks, I think we think it was, like, prestige guy, and he's doing this. Uh, Irma P. Hall's really good in Lady Killers. Oh, she's incredible. I forgot to yeah, mention yeah. her when I was talking about like it. J.K. Simmons, I liked him. But there's just... I, I think the Coen brothers did this movie for one reason, which I think is the like running gag that takes up the last 15, 20 minutes of the movie. Cause that feels very Coen brothers to me. It's that continuous, I won't say what it is for people, but it's like basically a running gag of what happens to all the characters. Yeah. <laughs> and it's yeah. kind of hilarious because they just, I, it's so ridiculous where it goes and where it keeps going. <laughs> the fate but, of the fate of the Tom Hanks character is so good. Like, Every now and then it'll just pop into my head and I'll be like, oh yeah, that's worth it. <laughs> kind of amazing. So for that, I was like, okay, now I get kind of why they would do this. At first, like, why didn't do this movie? But um, I didn't really love it. Burn After Reading, I didn't even really love the first time I watched it. But rewatching it through this, it kind of clicked more with me. Uh, again, it is very dark, but uh it somehow works i don't know how they make it work i did i just find it funny like i mean it's just so absurd yeah so absurd like when george clooney reveals he's been working on in the basement i like laughed out <laughs> i almost fell on my chair because i had forgotten yeah. from the first viewing what it was exactly and then when he, <laughs> he just pulls this thing up and i'm just like this is so ridiculous brad pitt is amazing in burn after reading like yes. i know he'll it's like an old this is like boring to say now but it's like oh brad pitt's a a-list looking celebrity in a character or wait i think i said that wrong character actor in a celebrity's body you know it's like he's this like goofy guy um and he's so funny as i think the line reading was just like oh that's cool like one <laughs> <laughs> of my every line is gold like he's uh god he's good in burnt to read and the whole cast is pretty good but he's great um so yeah i mean i don't know it clicked more of me at time it's it's a kind of a weird one from them but it's it you know still feels like them the dark comedy um mm. so i don't know we'll we'll talk about one of these more uh soon so <laughs> i'm gonna call for the vote uh i don't think we determined an order if we should just mix it up every time because i mean we'll, we'll, we'll go, go in the order whoever, we talked in yeah we'll go in the order we talked in so i'll go first okay. uh <laughs> burn burn after reading i'm okay. sorry mark mark look i honestly they're kind of tied for me like I recently made my official Cohen ranking list and I couldn't decide which one of these I would put above the other, but I know where this is going. So just to be, just to say, I tried to pull for it. I'm yeah, going to sure. go for lady killers. Okay. Uh, Mark, I, I love, love that. I one, love that you're on this podcast. One more thing I'll say <laughs> is that we're talking about like the end. I think the very ending of lady killers is fucking delightful. I don't know if oh, anyone remembers uh, exactly what I happened, remember but it the involves, very ending. It involves yeah. a cat. Yeah. I need to rewatch it. Luckily, I just it's, watched it like two days ago. So it's the only reason I remember. Oh, God. It's this cat with this uh, little gospel song, this old timey gospel song playing on the soundtrack as this cat's just running through the streets of the small Mississippi town. And it's, it's kind of beautiful. I also feel like look, faith is kind of a big theme in their movies. Uh, Huge. Yeah. It, yeah. um, 
Yeah, they kind of have a different outlook on it with each movie. And I feel like this is their most positive outlook on faith because there's a, uh, the main, the movie, this is one of the few movies where like they love their main character and she, uh, she kind of, again, I, I guess, why am I worried about spoiling Lady Killers? No one's going to watch the fucking Lady Killers. <laughs> She kind of comes through unscathed and she's like, the movie genuinely loves her. And I just feel like there's a running gag where her, uh, like she's got her dead husband's portrait on above the fireplace and his expression is always changing. It's almost like this, uh, (laughs) I don't know, stand in for uh, an angel or someone, someone's looking out for her in the afterlife. And at the end of the day, she kind of comes out on top. And that is not how th- that is not how it always ends up for their characters. Yeah. yeah. That's Even very, though there's rarely. a uh, rarely. running <laughs> gag where she's uh, she's donate she's donating money to a university that has like a really bad racist history. That's kind of a. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah. I forgot about that. See, I'm forgetting jokes. <laughs> it's a very it's a very Cohen-esque beat. It's like it's. I, d- I don't know how I'm trying to put in the words what I'm trying to say. That's why I shouldn't be on podcast because I can't talk to save my life. The point being, I think Lady Killers is, for as dark as it is, a very, I don't know, that movie makes me feel warm and fuzzy when it's all done. And it's also just funny and I'm pulling for it. But it's Well, and for it. a lot of people looking for silver linings, I mean, something that the Coens were knocked on for a long time and still kind of are was like, they're always kind of pointed at with Wes Anderson as being like auteurs who do not work with diverse casts for the most part. And so, and lady killers was the first one with a more diverse cast, a soundtrack and whatnot. So I don't really, I'm sorry. I don't really like the movie, but if you're looking for silver linings, that could be one. Yeah. And to Mark's point about like uh, the main character, R.P. Hall, like, yeah, she's like a, a nice character who, I mean, yeah, spoilers kind of, she makes it out unscathed. It is almost like she has like some divine protection on her. I can't remember exactly right. what happens. Like someone's like about to kill her. Everything, it's like that they just can't do it. Like, and it seems uh, completely like, oh, an angel must have like knocked them out of the way if you want to imagine that way. But it's this very, uh, I'm doing like Italian hands. I'm doing like the, <laughs> like, hey. Uh, That's the like, hand of God is the yeah, Italian when the, hand. Ju- when the ju- first off, I lo- one thing I love about this movie and how it's over. God damn, I'm this podcast going to go on forever. But I knew I was <laughs> going to go to, longer. We already talked about that. I yeah. knew I was going to have to defend the lady killers because I knew right. it wasn't going to have any lovers yeah. on here. But like the the supporting cast, like the just they're all broad caricatures, and I think each one of them is hilarious. Like especially the general played, but I don't know how to say his name. Uh, Tzima. Sounds like I'm saying Zima, but he played Consul Han in Rush Hour. He's just oh, like, yeah, when he's trying yeah. to kill her, the yes. way that scene plays out is, I fucking kills me. <laughs> That's what I was time. thinking of. Where it's like, how could this happen? And yeah, uh, I listen, Mark, you're making a great case for Lady Killers. I have no, not, not changed my vote. I, I changed my vote. No, I'm joking. <laughs> <laughs> You really are. I, I, no one else. I don't think would defend me this hard. So I appreciate it. Uh, All I've, I've said my piece on Lady Killers, but I'll like. There are so many quotes from movies that I've kind of incorporated into my daily lingo, and I'm pretty sure there are a couple that if I could think of them off the top of my head, I'm like, oh, that came from. Lady I remember Killers. whenever I, I li- whenever I lived with you, you were always every morning. I it was like it, instead of like a, hearing a rooster every morning from your room, I heard 
Waffles. I must have waffles forthwith. That's the only line Beautiful. that I remember from that movie. <laughs> um, okay, well, I'm, I'm going to vote Mark to reading. Uh, Mark, yeah. really, I, I know you think we're kidding, but you really make a case for any killers. Like, I think I like it a, a tad more now than I did two days I ago. actually want to rewatch, and I don't mean the bullshit like, oh, I need to get around to that again. Right. I, I actually want to rewatch it just because of your passion. I consider this victory. That- I think, yeah. And don't worry, the, this Burnt or Reading is moving into a very tough matchup. So I don't even know if this is like, this is a small victory for Burnt or Reading. So. Before we move on, uh, yes. you, you were talking about Tom Hanks being repulsive. And <laughs> I, I just, I could not shake the image of him, him in the Elvis trailer going, we are two lonely children reaching <laughs> for eternity. And I don't care. I don't care what anybody says. I cannot fucking wait for that movie. I am <laughs> oh, it looks so incredible. Excited. It looks, I cry whenever he says that. Reaching, <laughs> reaching for eternity. I'm like, oh. <laughs> it's Boz Lerman, right? Oh, yeah. Well, oh, yeah. I, he's not one of my guys. <laughs> so I'll say, hey, I, this time next year, maybe uh, you'll change your mind and we'll have to do a bracket. Well, that's, <laughs> I don't know. We'll see. Um, Okay, so Burnfield Reading advances into the actual tournament uh, yes. against the number two seed. Uh, so this, okay, next matchup is Hugo's against the number one seed. Oh boy. Uh, so um, the 16th ranked movie, Hail Caesar, versus the 17th ranked movie, Intolerable Cruelty, which I will tell people is playing on the background in Mar- on Mark's TV right now. <laughs> um, so Already halfway through it. Huh. Yeah. Um... <laughs> Uh, who wants to go first? Mark, you want to go first on uh, these two movies? Sure, we can switch it up. Um, <laughs> I'll go back and forth, yeah. yeah. Intolerable Cruelty, it actually took me a while to watch it in its entirety. I remember I uh, I was kind of an early Coen Brothers fan because my dad had turned me on to them when he showed me uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And uh, he always, yeah, after that in Fargo, I was like, all right, I'm on board with these guys. So when a new Coen Brothers movie came out, I'm like, Dad, we got to watch this new Coen Brothers movie. Uh, we didn't see it in theaters, uh, but th- we bought it the second it came out on DVD and we tried watching it and my dad didn't like it. Uh, we stopped it like two thirds of the way through and I didn't come back to it for a while. And I look, I don't just, dis- I actually think it's a funny movie. I think it's a solid kind of throwback Hollywood rom-com. It gets a bad rep. I think it works as a decent comedy, but it, uh, it does have problems when standing up compared as compared to the rest of their filmography. Um, the like a lot a complaint a big complaint I hear is the chemistry between Clooney and uh, Catherine Zeta Jones is a little lacking. It's not it doesn't spark the way it does in the movies that it's kind of trying to pay homage to. But they still they look great. And sometimes that's all you need from a movie, just two really good looking people falling in love with each other. It, uh, they're really, yeah, the movie's playing right now, and there's really not that much to say about it. I will <laughs> this say, was the early, first, this was uh, their first movie that they made, uh, for someone else, basically, right? It's like a, they're yes. all, like one of their only four hire jobs, right? This yes. is like, I actually, I, I've been reading this, uh, Coen Brothers book by Ian Nathan while preparing for this. And I just read, I didn't finish it, but I read a little bit of Intolerable Cruelty before, uh, we started recording here. And apparently they had another project that they wanted to shoot, like, uh, World War II set, uh, 
adaptation of a novel and they couldn't get the right budget from Fox and that ended up falling through. So they kind of needed something to follow up. <laughs> that was the movie. That was the movie. That's like their big unmade movie where Brad Pitt says nothing. He's like behind enemy lines. He's like shot down behind enemy uh-huh. lines. He says nothing in the movie and just kills everybody. He comes across and it's just, it's just <laughs> a world war II drama. <laughs> I have no Damn idea. It. <laughs> oh, I'm really curious about that. A Coen Brothers movie with no dialogue. Because that's one of my favorite things about their movies. Right. So, yeah. Intolerable cruelty. Great. I will say earlier, Hayden said that they make him like actors that they're normally put off by, like George Clooney. George Clooney has gone on to become one of my favorite actors. And that's actually in no small part due to his work with the Coens. Like, seeing the goofy work that he does here and how he is like the modern day Cary Grant he just is a complete doofus but he is so confident in himself that he thinks he's the smartest person in it's the a world great, it's and a great like, comparison yeah. and yeah. the way they um the way those two personalities clash in him like not a, we don't have a lot of movie stars like that anymore who can pull off that kind of old school screwball nature and he's just incredible whenever he works with him. He's great well, in Intolerable Cruelty. Aaron Taylor Johnson kind of pulls it off. Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. <laughs> oh. um, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Yeah, where, where am I going? For? Oh, yeah. Hail Caesar. <laughs> Jesus Christ, he threw me off. Uh, yeah. Hail Caesar. So this is the movie. Um, I remember Hayden and I were actually going. We were jo- going to watch Doctor Sleep. We were in the car with our roommate. And I was saying, like, Hail Caesar, I, I think that there's a lot lacking in that movie. And he's like, hey, you know, there's just a lot in this movie. That movie's operating on levels you don't understand. I'm like, oh, really? <laughs> and because of that condescending the remark for the longest time, I claimed it was my least favorite Cohen movie. Just <laughs> you to know what? I am understandable. I'm very, I would I'm the very same vindictive thing. that way. <laughs> I, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I even there's a letterbox review where I go out of my way to say. Um, God, Hail Caesar, it's just the worst Coen Brothers movie. Uh, but it's it's not. I've I've watched that. I f- it's a very easy watch. I find myself throwing that one on a lot. There's something I find comforting about movies set in like 30s and 40s Hollywood that I don't know why. I'm just fascinated by that uh by that period. And it um I feel like it perfectly captures like this love that they have for the movies that were made in that system. And the uh, kind of they kind of contrast it with this very oppressive system that made those movies. Like the protagonist is uh, Eddie Mannix, who basically goes around kind of, just kind of like he does everything from. Like, uh, why can't I speak this morning? Uh, basically, bullies people into uh, bowing to his will, bowing to the studio's will. Uh, whether that means like stopping someone interloping in actors private lives or uh you know spinning stories for the press uh and it kind of i think part of what it is is that what i don't know why that one might not work so well for people is it's kind of it feels very unfocused because it's about hollywood it's not just about eddie manix so it's got you've got the uh Hobie Doyle character Alden Ehrenreich and how he's kind of being uh, molded by the system, how he's not really in control of what he does. You've got the movie star, movie store, geez, movie star. Uh, that was like a Boston thing, a movie staff. Movie star. What, was, what was George Clooney's name in that again? Uh, Baird Whitlock. Baird Whitlock. <laughs> That's a great name. Baird Whitlock being uh, 
kidnapped by communist <laughs> communist right. Whole communist subplot yeah, yeah you've got the communist which i think that's another problem people had with the movie they didn't get what they were uh, doing with that um and you've got all these like little side plots like the um by the way favorite tilda swinton performance in this movie as the uh twin reporters uh thora oh, yeah. and thessaly thacker one yep. of them's uh quote unquote serious reporter the other is a gossip columnist and he's always trying to spin stories for them i think one of my fate like one of the biggest laughs i've ever gotten in their filmography is he's like josh brolin just finished talking with uh one of them he goes to do something else comes back out and is intercepted by the other talking exactly like her sister <laughs> it's um oh god it's it's good stuff um i think i've i I th- I'm, I'm going on too long. We're, we we might be talking about this one in the future or might not. I don't know, but I've said my piece on uh, both of them. I think they're both better than their reputations. Yeah. Uh, give them credit for. Okay. I'll, I'll go. I'll yeah. go next. Um, <laughs> Intolerable Cruelty <laughs> is the one movie out of all 18 that I, I get absolutely nothing out of. I, I like Mark said as a movie, as a little romantic comedy it might work i i have never been able to i say have never i've only seen it once but like i am not able to view it in that context because it is a coen brothers movie and i just can't divorce it from that in my head it it, whenever i watched it it was like it felt like the fake movie playing in the background of a real coen brothers movie (laughs) Or mm. or weirder, the fake movie playing in the background of an episode of The Office or something like that. <laughs> um, I, I do like Jeffrey Rush in the movie. I do think he's funny. Um, outside of that, I, I have nothing to say. Like, I just have nothing on Intolerable Cruelty. Yeah. So I, I hate to make my vote so obvious. Um, <laughs> that being said, I Hail Caesar is not a movie that I love by them. Uh, I like it. I, I've grown to really like it. Even it's a lot of fun stuff that just does not come together uh, super satisfactorily to me. Um, I, I love all the stuff with Hobie Doyle. I, I think every, all of his little lassoing is really charming. His date with uh, the the starlet that they're trying to you know make a thing out of in the gossip columns. That's very cute. Um, I like all the movies within the movie that we see, but I am the person that Mark was referring to. That's like, I, I don't get how most of this adds up to itself. I did read a take that said, this is the movie. Cause as you said earlier, Mark, religion always, or not always, but more often than not plays a very big thematic role in their movies. And I don't know why it didn't click with me the, the first few times I saw the movie, but I read a take yesterday where someone explicitly said, oh, this is their movie where they're directly co- comparing like movies to religion. Like movies are are the religion in Hell Caesar to the Coens. And I was like, okay, that, I, I can kind of vibe with that. that that's pretty cool. Um, so I, I enjoy Hail Caesar, but it, it doesn't really um totally work for me so i i think its reputation is fine because everybody i've talked to about it seems to be like lovers of old hollywood and so they really they really get a kick out of all the inside jokes and everything so i i think it's 
its rating is perfectly cromulent, you know? <laughs> All right. Uh, actually, you said a lot of the same things I was thinking, Hayden. So I, <laughs> I, I'm fine with intolerable cruelty. I just think it's, there's not much to say about it. I think it feels to me the least like a Coen Brothers movie. Right. For good reason, I think. I mean, they, they, you know, they're kind of a for higher job. Um, but it's perfectly watchable. I remember kind of outside of all the ones I'm watching lately, I watched that one back in like November. I was like house sitting for a friend and was on some streaming service. And I was like, oh, a Coen Brothers movie I haven't seen. I should watch this. And I, it, it went by and I was like, that was fine. Uh, it's like, it's just like yeah. attractive movie stars. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton, I think it's pretty funny in that movie. Jeffrey Rush is funny. Um, but it just doesn't feel like a Coen Brothers movie. Hail Caesar feels very much like a Coen Brothers movie. I feel like that one is really for them because it's like all these old insider Hollywood references that I feel like most people wouldn't get. Like, I think we're all pretty well-versed on like movies and uh, Hollywood history, but I, I had to look stuff up and I was like, I didn't know there's even a reference they were making. You know, it's all these things right. where I'm like, I don't know there's even a reference. <laughs> like apparently there was a real uh, Hollywood fixer, they called him they base the character off of um hey, i will say um i'm a big fan of the podcast you must remember this i was kind oh, of yeah. listening to a lot of that when the movie came out they actually uh she actually has an episode on the character that josh brolin is based on and um i feel like maybe that's part of why i am i don't know so forgiving of that movie because <laughs> i i don't know i was listening to that podcast a lot got a lot of knowledge that yeah, as you say, people might not have, and that could uh, make it harder to appreciate. I will say, I miss unforgiving Mark on Hail Caesar. It was always so much fun <laughs> listening to you talk shit on Hail Caesar around Bryce. I mean, again, when I'm comparing it to other Coen Brothers movies, yeah. I will absolutely dump on it to build them up. And some of those movies, he's not happy that I'm building up over that. <laughs> Matt, do you like Intolerable Cruelty more than Lady Killers? I would watch it again for Lady Killers, but I think really? Lady Killers is okay. more of a Coen Brothers movie. I will say that. Hey, just I, just say it. Just say you <laughs> like it more. You're tap you're tap dancing around. That. No, no, there were. I was like, Atomic Cruelty was like, oh, I, I can tell you my Letterbox ratings. It was like a two and a half for Atomic Cruelty, a two yeah. for Lady Killers. There was that. There was parts of Lady Killers that I found like that were actively like I did not like what was happening. <laughs> like I was really mad. And then they threw me back with a funny joke and I'm like, okay, I've calmed down. Um, I just, I don't know something about it. It's just like, oh, this is not good. You're more of a pancake guy, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm definitely a waffle guy. You need the pockets <laughs> uh, to catch the syrup. Um, Fun fact, uh, J.K. Simmons' last name in that movie is Pancake, Garth Pancake. <laughs> oh, which is uh, such a ridiculous name that just makes me like the movie even more. It's ridiculous. You know what? Can I change my vote from earlier? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> We've already, it's locked. Let's see we're on. Uh, Hail Caesar surprised me because I'd heard it talked about amongst the bottom of the Coen Brothers movies. And it's not my favorite, but mm -hmm. I thought it was very funny. Like the scene, one of my favorite scenes, I think in their whole filmography of like a comedy scene between Alden, I can hear Aaron Reich, I can, yeah. him. That's what I say. And Ray Fiennes and him trying to yes. get Alden Ehrenreich say that line. Would that it twist? Would that it twist? Would it? Would that it twist? Would that it twist? Simple. And then the the payoff to that when he finally they show the scene, and he's just like, it's complicated. Yeah. <laughs> I was in which like is actually convulsion. great. Like I, like I was laughing so hard at this back and forth. Oh, and don't forget Lazy Old Moon. That I would, oh. I would, I want to watch that movie now. With I that would, old yeah. coot just like, oh, you crazy old moon. He jumps in the little uh, trough. That shit oh. is. And what's the what's the line? Uh, like Clooney has to look at uh, 
Jesus on the cross and it's like the, he's giving him dire- he's getting direction it's like admire admire the grandeur it's like you stare at the grandeur or something I can't you know what I'm talking about there's a uh, <laughs> I remember the line he's supposed to say he's uh, he wants him to look at him a certain way he's like Behold, oh, right. behold the grandeur. And he should, he can, I think I totally botched it. <laughs> I love the little gag. I love the little gag where he's watching the dailies and it, and it's it's the whole scene uh, leading up to like seeing, uh, you know, the Christ figure. And then it cuts to the reverse shot and it just says divine presence to be shot. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's so many yeah, good little jokes like that. that I feel like uh, let's gags. not forget um, yeah, for them. Uh, yeah. Francis McDormand playing the editor whose scarf gets caught in the moviola oh, and starts yeah. choking her. <laughs> it's amazing. Uh, I, there's a lot of fun stuff, but I feel like it's for like real like Hollywood and movie nerds like it's absolutely it's the mank of their filmography yeah but i would watch this a hundred times don't, over don't mank. say anything about mank don't you I didn't dare. finish mank. Late. I, I already can't, I can't say anything about it uh, oh man um yeah i do feel like it's kind of a lot of subplots that don't necessarily connect or go anywhere it's like it's kind of a meandering movie but i like you know the the kind of journey we're on right. like i don't it's just yeah it's just kind of lesser I like the vignettes. Yeah. I, I like yes. them as scenes. I just don't know how Cohesive. they come together as a whole movie. Yes. Yeah. Yes, exactly. It's not. And listen, we're going to say this a lot. The Coen brothers have a lot of great movies. So right. this being near the bottom is not really even an indictment on Hail Caesar. It's we don't how, even know. We don't we don't know yet if it's going to. Oh, be but I'm, the ranking, the ranking of yeah, it's 15 right. out of 18 yeah. on Letterboxd. I'm saying. Oh, know. gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it being that low in the filmography is like, well, they just have so many other great movies. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, we can do the vote now. I feel like we know it's going to go. But Mark. Uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm voting for Hail Caesar on this one. Hate him. <laughs> I'm going to surprise everybody. <laughs> Going Hail Caesar, baby. <laughs> uh, let's make it a clean sweep. Three for three, Hail Caesar. So, all right. Hail Caesar. I do gonna... have a question. Yes. Of... Do you think the Coen brothers talk about Baird Whitlock like he's a real person? Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I know what he's getting at. I actually oh. had this thought because there are there's a lot of connective tissue between the Coen movies. Like uh, in Raising Arizona, I believe Nick Cage works at a uh, Hudsucker Industries. That's the name of the oh. factory. Uh-huh. Uh, Barton Fink's writing a movie for Capital Pictures, which is the name of the company, the production company in a... Uh, Hail Caesar. So obviously a lot of little connections between their films. They don't make a big deal out of their fictional universe the way that the gentleman who Hayden is referring to does. <laughs> the biggest loser on the face of the planet. Oh my god. <laughs> oh boy. Um, the Coen Brothers shared universe. Uh, <laughs> okay, so Hail Caesar is going to move on. The 16 seed is going to go against the one seed uh it's gonna be tough but uh so okay that was just to get into the real tournament so now we're in like the the actual tournament i will i will i will do the one versus 16 and the two versus 15 last because we just talked about a couple of this movie so we'll come back around so i'll start with the closest matchup in the whole bracket the eight seed versus the nine seed and oh this i don't know if i told people up front hayden and mark do not know these matchups i know the matchups this is (laughs) i've never seen any of these movies Right. <laughs> Aiden's doing a great job for guys who've ever seen these movies. Um, yeah. I just looked up the Wikipedias and read them as 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 Matt said the names. That's the best way to watch any film. He just yes. watched the trailers. He's ranking. Yeah. The, he's 
bracketing the trailers yeah <laughs> hail caesar um, had a great trailer by the way it did oh yeah yeah oh mark since intolerable cruelty is now gone what was we talked about this before the show what movie did come out the same weekend as you were, you were hinting at this oh earlier. uh intolerable cruelty i said that uh two of my favorite directors released movies on the same weekend unprecedented uh kill bill volume one opened the same day as intolerable cruelty <laughs> wait who directed kill bill <laughs> Oh boy, Judd uh, Apatow. <laughs> yeah, it's a comedy. Uh, that's what I saw. I was telling them my mom and Stephanie. I knew it. Cruelty, and we're like, that was okay. Like they, it wasn't. Even, and they're like, you know, the most casual movie watchers on the planet. And they were just like, eh. And then I saw Kill Bill Volume One down the in the same theater. Oh, look at me! I was old enough to go watch Kill Bill Volume One in the theaters. Not I didn't have to, to be beg my parents guys. unsuccessfully <laughs> oh. to let me go watch it. I mean, I didn't 70s, see those. Uh, <laughs> I didn't see the Kill Bills until just a few years ago. Uh, the, and I got to see them on film in Austin, and oh, man, pretty good. <laughs> it's pretty good. They're they're pretty good. They're great on theaters. I on I think theaters. I actually had to sneak in to kill by volume one because I don't think I was seventeen yet. I don't think I turned seventeen till volume two. Y'all prefer? Let's do our own mini bracket. <laughs> oh my god, uh, uh, Kill Bill volume one or two? I volume two. Moving on. I can't even yes, separate so. them anymore. To me, they're one piece. They shouldn't uh, gotta go Michael Madsen, dude. Gotta do volume. <laughs> oh, yeah. I know it's tough. Well, one I, of these I, days we'll yeah. uh, we'll get to see the whole bloody affair. <laughs> I'm kidding, we're never gonna see that. <laughs> no, 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 I own no, a, no. I own a bootleg cut of the whole bloody affair. What? Just, yeah. just like all of those you might edit, scenes from you might Django, we'll never out, see man. any of that. They don't know where I got it from. I could have found it in the trash. That's not my problem. I didn't make it. <laughs> I didn't Don't worry, he got it from the other film feast podcast. Matt's yeah, oh, definitely geez. not going to suggest to me a way to watch. I'm in the ten thousand dollar Patreon going. tier. That's why I got it. Uh, <laughs> 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 oh God. Okay. All right, um, Hayden. We're on a schedule. What are we doing? We're holding. I don't know. Hold, we really don't have time for other brackets inside of. <laughs> yes. Okay. So this is going to be a tough one. I think this is the eight versus a nine seed. So the closest matchup in the bracket. The eight seed is Blood Simple. The nine seed is a serious man. Okay, for me this is already tough. But I'll, uh, Mark, why you don't you start on this one? You all Hayden start. Okay, Hayden and I oh, already Jesus. went first. Okay, so I know Blood Simple was one I saw a while ago before I'd seen a lot of Coen Brothers movies, and I think I'd, I'd seen I'd seen Big Lebowski, I'd seen Fargo. Don't know what else. So I was kind of surprised at Blood Simple. Going back to Blood Simple, it's this darker neo noir. The camera work is way. Uh, crazier than I was used to for them. It's very Raimi inspired. I feel like I know mean, they're friends with Sam Raimi, obviously. Um, but I, man, I I love Blood Simple. I may I probably like it more than the majority of people. <laughs> I know it's well liked, but I really love Blood Simple. Um, Francis McDormand is McDormand is great. Emma Mitt Walsh is so slimy in this <laughs> like uh god what is the line that's, he has that's a performance that, like, oh, that's yeah. that is it's, inhabiting another character my god. i was gonna say it's the first it's the first uh really cohen brother character and then i was like wait it was their first movie but <laughs> i mean like <laughs> it is yeah. it is a cohen character in like a in like a a good neo-noir you know yeah i mean it's it feels it's obviously low budget but it it has this cool grimy feel they still have a lot of style uh emmett walsh has that great line about like somebody you cut his head off he'll still keep crawling or so i had just he's so let like, me know when I cut off my head <laughs> i know always crawling without it <laughs> there you go so uh, it's i don't know i really like it uh like the lo-fi kind of nature of the whole thing compared to 
it's almost like Blood Simple and Raising Arizona feel set apart for me from the things that everything comes after it. They feel yeah, very I kind of I kind of understand that. Um, the one those I are know, those are the proof. Those are the hungry. We got to prove ourselves. Right, movies. right. Yeah. They have a different energy, uh, which I appreciate. Uh, the one I think I, part of that can be attributed to uh, Sonnenfeld because the first three movies yeah. were shot with Sonnenfeld, and then mm-hmm. once they moved to Deacons, the camera work kind of mellowed out. So I'm wondering if he had as much of an influence on that as they well did. and and miller's crossing is very much trying to be like a formalist more, yeah. more so a formalist movie than the other two yeah, yeah. and that's still sonnenfeld right yeah. yes okay yeah uh the one weak spot about blood simple that i always wish somebody else john gets is ray like i think he's fine yeah. but he's amongst all these other people giving great performances i feel like dan hedaya francis mcdormand and Emmett walsh and then he's just kind of a guy which i guess is kind of the thing yeah. he's just like a normal guy but it's like part of me always wishes that was somebody else as the, it's so, not a deal breaker but you are kind of like this could have been yeah it's someone. yeah you think of all the actors that could have been that time it went on to be bigger actors I, I don't know it's not a deal breaker it's just like ah it's like i wish you were somebody else um yeah. an amazing debut like it's crazy as their first movie like now looking back i think it feels very much like a first movie the energy is different but still such a confident like uh, it's one of the great first movies oh it is yeah yeah it's it's so good um along with pride and prejudice by joe wright (laughs) was that his first movie yeah his first feature jesus i'm (laughs) sorry (laughs) sorry. (laughs) it's okay i uh they, I'm trying to come up things with uh, Blood Simple. Um, the ending, some they have some super tense sequences. The ending is amazing. Oh my god! I can't god. believe they made it the same old song, kind of a scary, tense song because an old, like standard oldie, and then it's like they use it in this incredible way. Can I say something yeah. about that quickly? Yeah. So <laughs> the first time I saw Blood Simple was on VHS. Now, for those who don't know, I don't know the reasoning behind this but they actually couldn't use same old song on the home, vi- uh, home video release. So they replaced it with a random cover of I'm a believer. Oh, <laughs> and so that's what plays every time same old song plays. And for the longest, when I first saw it, I had no frame of reference. I'm like, I, that's a, that's a fun cover of I'm a believer. I like that. And then when I got it on DVD and was stuck with same old song, I'm like, man, I missed that. I'm a believer cover. But I've seen it so many times now that I'm like, I don't even remember that I'm a believer cover anymore. I love this Shrek. Series. I mean, Shrek just erased it from your memory. <laughs> All right. Shrek took it and what ran. You, like, it's <laughs> post Shrek. After that, it's over. So, yeah, Blood Simple's great. Uh, a Serious Man uh, just saw it for the first time within the past two weeks. Um, one of those Coen Brothers movies that I feel like on the first viewing, kind of hard to even wrap your head around exactly yeah. what they're doing. <laughs> uh it feels it, man i was watching serious man and thinking is there a more uh, like niche or esoteric coen brothers movie like and i don't know how they even got this thing made like it's so weird and specific to them it's in minnesota i think it's, there is one movie more okay. esoteric but well, oh. but saying like <laughs> but saying like I, I mean saying that it's like they're both miles above our heads you know i mean serious man uh yeah i mean i luckily kind of knew what they were going for even going in like the story of job i believe i'm not a biblical guy but like just i feel like i'd heard that when i went to see it and like hearing that just 
helps you unlock the movie yeah. on a first viewing, yeah. even if you yeah. don't fully get everything. A man who has to like suffer constantly and just, uh, I mean, I didn't know what to expect because I, I thought it'd be kind of weird and it was, but it was funnier than I expected it to be. Like, um, I did laugh quite a bit. It's all pretty dark comedy. <laughs> the ending is one of the darkest things I've ever done, I think. Oh my God. <laughs> Jesus, the ending just leaves you like, what? and I have a friend, uh, you know, who watches a bunch of movies and I saw his letterbox rating was like, a star and a half for serious man. I asked him about it and he's like, Oh, I hated that movie. Worst ending ever. And I was like, Oh, I had a very opposite reaction. Like I really liked it. I kind of, not like I expected the ending, but it felt fitting for, for where it was going. So I was right. fine with it. It's uh, oh, man. I don't know. It's tough. They're both really good. They're both uh, serious. Man's very Coen brothers. I feel like the whole being in Minnesota thing too. And right. like, it's very being, autobiographical being a Jewish family in Minnesota and like not a lot of Jewish families around, I believe, uh, uh, you know, or that, that the community, I can't remember, I heard the backstory, but um, very autobiographical. Um, I don't know. I, I like, this is gonna be tough. I'm still, <laughs> I like both, but I'll let uh, Hayden, let you speak on these. Yeah, I'll go next. Cause I, I have a sneaking suspicion how this one will shake out. So <laughs> I, I'll say blood simple. There's not much more I can add. It is an incredibly confident and self-assured like debut. It's, like Mark said, one of the great first movies. Um, I've seen it a handful of times and it's yet to really blow me away. But whenever I watch it, I'm like, damn, this, this, is, a, this is a good movie and like a great sign of things to come. Uh, here's kind of something that's tricky. Um, I, I was going to say it earlier, but I didn't want to give it away. Uh, Mark knows this about me. With the Coen brothers it's like a very unique thing with their filmography for me because um, I have seven favorite movies of theirs and <laughs> any day, <laughs> any moment, any one of the seven could be my favorite movie by them. And so this, this, uh, this is not def a tough pairing for me because I'll just say a serious man is my favorite Coen brothers movie. Uh, one of seven. Um <laughs> I, I personally think it's, I think it's like they've dabbled in horror, even Blunt Simple has, has oh, yeah. horror elements. Uh, another movie we'll talk about in a little bit definitely has horror elements. I think A Serious Man is their scariest movie. While it's funny and thought provoking, the implications of the ending that in action, just, just simply doing nothing is as bad as like, your worst sin, you know, and, right. and deserving of like old Testament retribution, <laughs> like <laughs> literally not doing anything in your life is worth uh, death upon you and your son. <laughs> Spoilers, <laughs> but, but uh, possibly like, no, <laughs> right, 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 right. It is like the implication of that is horrifying. I think yeah, yeah. aesthetically such a like, uh, I, 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 you know, we said the the uh, Blood Simple was confident movie. This is just like effortless. Like, I mean, oh yeah, yeah. It, <laughs> it it's like beautiful. Um, uh, it's like ha like haunting. I think back to the scene with uh, Larry Gopnik and his brother at the pool at the motel. I think about that scene all the time, where the brother's just like crying into his arms. It's just. Uh, ew, and like, I 
I think about this movie all the time. I already said that. And, uh, and there's just so much to mull on with the movie. Uh, you know, there, there's two movies specifically that I love a lot and I kind of get embarrassed when I talk about them. This is one of them. And so because there's just so much you have to grapple with spiritually on your own that like to try and talk about it seems makes me feel stupid, <laughs> but um, yeah, I, uh, and another thing that I love by them, they're, they're great at making serious movies about serious things, but not taking them too seriously. Mm-hmm. I, I still think this movie is darkly, very funny. Yes, uh, it, it definitely. <laughs> yeah. Mark, Mark, what Mark, uh, yeah, I don't know how Mark feels about these. This is interesting. Okay. <laughs> I mean, these these are both. Like, the fact that these are the middle seeds just shows what we have to look forward to, because these are both incredible movies. Yeah, yeah. I <laughs> love both of them. Uh, a Serious Man, I, uh, I kind of saw that right after, like, right when I was going into college, around that time, I had decided the Coen brothers are my guys. They're my favorite directors. And there's a new Coen brothers movie coming out. Oh, my God. And if I remember correctly, a serious man actually didn't go to theaters in that many places. And it's kind of a miracle. I lived in a place where I got to see it in theaters because it went to Corpus or no, I was, I was in San Antonio at the time. And uh, we had an art house theater in San Antonio, which I hadn't gone to the draft house yet. So at the time it was my only experience of the place that served you food while you eat. And I'm like, this is incredible. I'm seeing the new Coen Brothers movie. I'm getting a pizza while I watch this. And I had heard that it was like mod, like a retelling of the Book of Job. And that was kind of a key to sort of unlock the movie. And yeah. that was just, I had such a blast watching that. Even the ending, which is gut-wrenching, it is horrifying. It's still like, I don't know, invigorates you just seeing an ending that powerful that sticks with that ending stayed with me for days. Absolutely. It didn't make me want to shower. I was just like, wow, <laughs> like that, that is a fucking way to end a movie. You know? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. A very bold and, choice. Uh- <laughs> and it's still very funny in that very Cohen way. And it's like, it's a movie that only they could have made. Only they could capture those specific voices in that specific community. And yeah, a serious man is just a, Oh, that's such, such a good movie. That's actually one yeah. I wanted to rewatch before doing this project, but I uh, didn't get around to it. But I'll have to save that one for a rewatch this year because, yeah, it's definitely about time. Um, and Blood Simple is uh, God, one of the reasons that I love movies is like, obviously, some people love movies because it's an art form they can connect to on a deep level. And I love that about it. But at the end of the day, I come for entertainment and like I get that entertainment that through genre more than like most other elements like, you know, action, horror, suspense, stuff like that. And like few people can do genre in such a unique way better than the Coen brothers, like the way they do noir, like noir filtered through them is just one of my favorite things. And for a while the blood blood simple was actually my favorite movie of theirs. Hell, I, it was just one of my like top 10 favorite movies. I've kind of reshuffled my rankings over the years, but I still love blood simple. And I think it's just such first off great setting for a thriller. Uh, just, 
isolated rural Texas is just mm. such a great place to set a story. And uh, it's such a cinematic place. You've got these like just like just planes far as the eye can see, just like kind of desolate planes. And it's like you can get some great shots out there. I have a question because uh, I've, I've read a little bit of that book by Ian Nathan, but I, I don't remember. Did the Coen brothers ever spend much time in Texas? Because like, it's so funny that these two Jewish guys from Minnesota, like their first, they've, they've gone to Texas several times. To my knowledge, from what I remember, Joel spent a semester at UT, I think. Okay. And uh, so he spent like his share of time in uh, Texas. And yeah, I forget exactly how he landed on setting his whole movie in Texas, but it's obviously been like a, it's obviously worked out great for them. Cause like, not only have they set a lot of movies here, they shot a lot of movies here. Mm -hmm. Like it's, yeah, they love Texas and good. Like few people capture Texas on film better than them. Sorry, Richard Linklater. (laughs) Um, So yeah, I, Oh God, they're, they're just so good. But is, is it time to vote? I mean, if you guys are good, I think, I think, I think it I'm is. Done, I think I'm done speaking my piece. You know what? I did say one thing about how they make a serious man. Wasn't it their direct follow-up to No Country for Old Men? No, uh, followed no, up Burn After Burn After. Reading. Oh, okay, okay. Because I was like, well, that's how you get to make <laughs> the serious. Yeah. It's like your your payoff movie for making. But a, Burn After Reading was still a pretty big hit. Like, yeah, it might I was not shocked. be well liked, but a lot of people went to see that. I, I saw think. the box office and I was like, holy shit, this made like I think 150 million dollars. I mean, Dude, people world... love John Malkovich. <laughs> I, I'm okay. sure people that's okay. We talked about this a little bit. We sort of talked about it, but that movie, I feel like you ask a lot of people about Burn After Reading, they say, Oh, I hate that movie. I hate it. Probably because yes. a lot of people got sucked in because it's a very all star cast with Clooney and Brad Pitt. And, it was all, and they probably were like, This will be a fun romp. And then it's like, Oh my God, this is very dark. There <laughs> like, are not a lot of shrugs when it comes to Coen Brothers movies. There's a, no, that's true. There's, there are, they're very divisive, we'll say. Yeah. All right. We can vote now. I, this is actually, in, before we did this, I thought this will be an easy vote for me. Oh, this is hard. This is a tough one because yeah. I have. This is your Lady Killers versus uh, <laughs> Burn After Reading. It's going to be a lot of tough choices. Um, this uh, is Serious Man. I kept, I've been thinking about it since I watched it. Like it hasn't left my mind. Um, but uh, yeah, Blood Simple, not only one of my favorite Coen Brothers movies, I think just one of just a favorite movie of mine. So I'm going to, it hurts, but I'm going to vote for Blood Simple. So uh, yeah, this is this is my I, I mean I mean like I kind of figured I knew where this is going. Mark could still surprise me, but yeah. <laughs> I I have a feeling I know. So I'm I'm gonna proudly say a serious man. Okay, I'm, Mark I'm gets going to break serious the, man. Get to break the tie here, Mark. <laughs> I I wish it's times like this. I told you that Hayden and I kind of know each other's views on a lot of these movies. <laughs> it's times like this I wish we didn't maybe add a little more suspense. At least for us, because everyone, no, no one else knows where we're going. But uh, <laughs> yeah, both great movies. But I gotta, I gotta go with Blood Simple. Like, it's okay, I, I'm glad I was able to say my piece, and y'all didn't like uh, duct tape my mouth like the Riddler or something like that. <laughs> no, I got no, to no. say Let's what I want to say about Serious Man. Matt still hasn't seen the Batman. Yeah. Let's not make too He's many. Seen the Batman gift references. that I've sent in the group chat. Oh yeah, <laughs> I, I'm actually seeing the Batman tonight after we record this. So. Finally. Oh, congratulations. Yeah, it's finally happening, everybody. Um, okay, so the eighth seed, Blood Simple, moves on to the next round, next matchup, because I feel like we've taken so much time on like 
six movies. How, how do we think we could do this in one sitting? I have no idea. Uh, <laughs> okay, I'm going to move us along to the next matchup. This is a little wider gap here. The four seed. The four, uh, four seed is inside Lewin Davis versus the 13th seed, which is the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, boy. Um, damn. Okay, another tough one for me. But, um, Mark, why don't you go first on this one? I feel... Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, these are both... Uh, so, Buster Scruggs... <laughs> what? I just know... I mean, I know how you talk... Uh, regardless of how you feel about it, I know how you talk about one of these movies. So, okay. it's just making me I, laugh. Look, they, these are both great movies. Again, we're going to be talking about great movies. People are going to be telling us to shut the fuck up. Like, we know they're all great movies. Stop saying that. Uh, but these are two great movies. Inside Lewin Davis is one I've, uh, I've had, I don't want to say I've had a complicated relationship, but it's definitely one where my relationship has changed over the three times I've seen it. Uh, first time I saw it, uh, they actually showed it at the Austin Film Festival and they had a Q&A with uh, T-Bone Burnett and Oscar Isaac. I remember nothing about that night because I was just like flummoxed by the movie I'd just seen and I didn't know what to think of it. But at the time I was still like, the Coen brothers are my favorite directors. I have to see their new movie. I'm going to like it no matter what. And I had no fucking idea what that movie was saying when I first saw it. I'll admit I was a dummy. And hearing people like over the years, I've heard people talk more about it, kind of got more a handle on what they're trying to say with it. And I've watched it more times. And I it's a very good movie. I don't quite have the level of adoration that other people seem to have for like that. That's one of those movies where like with Fargo and No Country where people are like it's a stone cold masterpiece. It's just one of the best things ever. And I just, I don't get that out of it. I feel like I'm a little too distanced from the movie to feel that way. But like every, like the movie itself, just, it looks great. You know, it's, it's a Coen brothers movie. Of course, it's going to look great. It's their first collaboration with the uh, Bruno Del Bunnell, who turns out was not going to be the last time he worked with them. Um, it's Oscar Isaac turns in great work. It's a movie. I think one of the problems is like, I'm not, you know, music is not a big art form for me. Like I love me. Everyone loves music. Who doesn't love music, but I don't connect with it on a deeper level that everyone else does. And so movies about music don't always connect with me the way they do to other people. So that uh, that's part of the problem with this, but it's, uh, I mean, it's a, like every other horror movie made these days, it's a meditation on grief. And uh, stop it. It's the Babadook of uh, Coen oh, Brothers movies. The Babadook <laughs> of Coen Brothers movies. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's, uh, it's, I mean, he's Oscarized. See, this is what I dread. I can't talk about Inside Lewin Davis to save my life. I can't. Very few I, people should. I mean, I, I'll, I'll say right now, I can't really talk about ears. I'm planning on letting Hayden have the floor on Inside yeah, Lewin Davis. Hayden is going to definitely carry us through whenever we talk about Inside you'll be Lewin disa- Davis. You'll be disappointed. But look, it's a very good movie about grief. Um, I do. One thing that annoys me about it is I look, I, I went to film school and like, I love movies, but there's something about really artistic types that irritates me that Lewin Davis kind of captures perfectly. That yeah, whole like yeah. uh, 
art is more important. My art is more important to me than anything And it has else. to be I, painful. I have to be in pain. The world yeah. has to experience <laughs> this thing I have to say. Yeah. Um, other, uh, there's another Coen Brothers movie that kind of tackles that theme far less successfully. But um, yeah, that's just, it's, the movie captures it perfectly. And I feel like my, my qualm isn't so much with the Coens that it is with like, a lot of people who adore this movie and kind of take that theme because they relate to Lewin on that level. And it's just like, I don't know if that's a good thing, <laughs> but um, I've talked enough about Lewin Davis. I'm not making any points. Uh, <laughs> what, what's it going up against? I oh, already it's, forgot. <laughs> it's against the, uh, the Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Okay. So this was, uh, one of the last Coen Brothers movies I saw. I mean, I guess that makes sense because it's one of the last right. ones that came out. I was going to say, out, wait a minute, it came out in 2018, It took right? me a couple of years to see it. I wasn't oh, okay. watching a lot of new movies in uh, 2018 for various reasons. So I came to this one just last year, actually. And I really liked it when I first saw it, but I definitely kind of felt that distance that I felt with uh, Lewin Davis and some of their other films, not quite on that level. But I had the privilege of watching it again while gearing up for this podcast. And God, just uh, that movie is so delightful and engages me on all the levels that the Coens uh, always engage me on. It's got great comedy. It's very thought provoking. It's very sad. Uh, it's very kind of uh, it engages with religion and the afterlife that feel that might be that might be the most coen brothers movie because it tackles yeah. all of their themes and um part of the reason i think that i didn't i i was kind of um oh god how do i say this uh so obviously i guess i gotta talk about different stories with this one and when it opened on that incredible ballad of buster scruggs segment with tim blake nelson mm -hmm. which is just such an absurd it's just so absurd <laughs> yes <laughs> like the way he rolls into it just singing on his horse he finds a cantina literally in the middle of nowhere and he like kills clancy brown by just like oh my god slamming a table it's... into his gun hand one of it's my so... favorite sorry to interrupt but that's one of my favorite gags in like any movie <laughs> like when he kicks that boarding that table up and his face just makes him shoot himself in the face it's literally like a bugs bunny daffy duck gag <laughs> extremely <laughs> violent looney tunes gag that is amazing like uh sorry i had to i had to jump in <laughs> no no you're good you're good Feel, jump in whenever you want i'm not making any sense and then like we get that and then we get to the james franco segment which might actually be my favorite segment just because of how like like just the progression of events in that, how he again bank set seemingly out in the middle of nowhere for some reason. Uh, Stephen Roots running at him with like pans for body armor. He's about <laughs> to be hung by uh, nothing like waking up from your uh, being unconscious. And Ralph Innocent is standing there, and he's already like sentenced you to death. And he's like, "There's a fair trial, as we tend to do here in New Mexico." <laughs> It's a fair trial while he's completely unconscious. Yeah. And then he's saved uh, briefly only to be sentenced to death again quickly. For a crime he actually was innocent of. <laughs> so it's that perfect Cohen absurdity. Yeah. And um, once you, after those, then you get to the Liam Neeson segment, which is one of the darkest things they've ever done. 180. Oh my God. And so unbelievably dark. that's when you're like, 
sometimes you're like you don't know how to process a movie that takes a complete <laughs> shift like that mm-hmm. and then you get to the tom Waits segment which, which like, is the other another 180 because you go um, from like yeah. completely nihilistic to <laughs> the one story out of the whole thing that isn't about death and you think yeah. it's gonna be like it's this close yeah. to being yes. one of those but then at the last minute it's just like this feels like it doesn't fit in here properly right right but and, in a, and it's the one that's an adaptation it's it's not based on a story of their own because uh, all the other stories are based on stories that they've written over the past 20 years that oh, is really? based on yeah that's a jack london story oh okay. oh my god i didn't even know that yeah well that might partially explain that yeah. <laughs> that also explained i love the love i love the touch i always love movies about like you know such a pretentious thing but like man's invasive relationship with nature mm-hmm. that's kind of like i see your funniest. jurassic park shirt so yeah <laughs> <laughs> i think that's the funniest portrayal of that how the second you hear tom waits voice in the distance every living creature in that area just flees. yeah and the second yeah. he's gotten what he needs out of that land and he walks away they all just come back like Great, we can relax again. Yeah. <laughs> they didn't want to the grind your bone set. machine. I don't get it. Uh, oh God, <laughs> this this is what's this is going to be the longest one because you got to talk about each individual story. The next one is the one I kind of had like a more complicated relationship really? when I first saw because Me I too, had heard uh, I had wow. heard uh, this. I watched it after listening to a podcast on the Cohen Brothers, and I'd heard it described as their like sweetest segment. And for some reason, when I first watched the uh, the gal who got rattled, I didn't really get that serious emotion about out of it. It felt really? more to me like a, uh, I don't know, like this kind of uh, commentary on the more transactional nature of relationships back then. Because like yeah. it does, like their love doesn't seem to come out of just like I love you. It comes more out of like necessity in this kind right. of unforgiving environment in which they live. And I wasn't sure. Am I supposed to like be really feeling these emotions? Are they like kind of looking down on and mocking these characters? And it's kind of that's well, a complaint. That's every Cohen. That's every Cohen. <laughs> well, yeah, but that's like that's a complaint people have a lot of a lot of their movies that they they mock their characters, and that's like one of the few times where I really felt that and wasn't sure how really? to feel. But oh, then yeah. on the second viewing, I completely got hooked on that, and I'm like, oh, I see what they're doing. No, they're there are genuine emotions flowing out of this like need they have in this environment. And it's actually a beautiful. The interaction is all in the language because that's, that was just the moray of the time, but like you can, you can tell from underneath that. I mean, all you needed was the one interaction where she says, I was so nervous to meet this guy. I was supposed to marry, but with you, I can, you know, just talking to you is so easy. And I definitely picked up on that more in the second week. I also I watched a couple uh, westerns recently, and uh, I know like I it got me thinking more of like I know I've seen other portrayals of relationships in that time and how they're all like there's really no nothing genuine to them. They are all just transactional. And compared to those, like there is real genuine emotion and connection, which makes that ending more of a gut punch, especially in that second yeah. viewing. So <laughs> that story I think is, it, it is incredible. And then I think maybe it's just because of how much dialogue is there compared to the other segments. I always tune out during the, uh, the mortal remains. I think that's the name of the last segment. Mm-hmm. And 
I like what they're doing. I get what they're doing. I like what they're doing in that one, but I always kind of uh, tune out even on this last viewing. Um, so I literally just described my thoughts on every story in Ballad of Buster Scruggs. I don't know what else I can say. Well, it's a great movie. <laughs> yeah. If you don't mind, hey, I'm going to let you go last. I know you have a lot to say about Inside Lewin Davis. and I don't have much, so I'll let you just kind of I'm, I look forward to disappointing both of you. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'll go second. So Inside Lewin Davis, uh, luckily I saw it twice. This was the rewatch for this one. I'm glad I saw it twice because I got more out of it the second time. The first time it ended and I was like, what just happened? Because it, it ends in a way that's like, I I felt so stupid. I was like, did we do a did we do a thing where it's like we showed the beginning or the end of the beginning of the movie and came back, or was is this been a whole week in time where nothing has changed? Um, I'll let Hayden talk about that. But the second, like, it's the second. Okay, okay, that's what I thought. Uh, I had <laughs> yeah. to read about that. I had to. I was like, I'm a dummy. I have to read about that in this movie. Yeah. And I think Oscar Isaac's really good in that movie. Like, I can't think of a performance I like better from him. Uh, Here's, I was really worried about this, and I'm really going to probably make people angry, and I'm sorry. I really, really don't like folk music. You <laughs> like, fucking hate folk music! <laughs> oh, okay, good. Uh, I hate Bob Dylan. I'm sorry. I can't stand... <laughs> my favorite thing about Bob Dylan is the parody in Walk Hard. That's my favorite thing. Royal <laughs> Jelly. Yeah. <laughs> the, the mice were wearing sunglasses or whatever he was. It's like, I just can't... I can't take Bob Dylan. I don't like folk music. Um, but that luckily did not stop me from liking the movie a lot uh i actually really like that president kennedy the outer space song with adam driver doing his little the one the one outer? that i skip nice. <laughs> the, the one the oh, one song the one i, I like. skip outer space i mean it's weird i don't know like um oscar isaac i was watching it the second time really thinking like man this is our, our main character uh kind of a shithead <laughs> <laughs> like, the definition uh, of a shit. Okay, yeah, I'm sorry. Know. I'm gonna keep. I'm gonna quit butting it. I'm it's gonna okay, quit it's okay. butting it. Uh, I I just, but I am not somebody. This is. I feel it's come up on Twitter so much. Hey, I know you're on Twitter, but it's like the whole like people kind of don't like movies with unlikable protagonists. You know, yeah. it's like that doesn't really matter to me if the story is interesting or they're interesting. Um, no, he's not very likable. He has like a fucking doctor on call for abortions. Like he's just like the kind of guy who's like <laughs> he he and he acts like. He, he uses people, he crashes people's couches, like he talks down to people, you know. I know way too many of these. <laughs> I, I, I know ways, I know so many like, Lewins, dude. It's just, oh man. So yeah, I, but it, I find it very interesting where it goes, takes a lot of little side routes and you, you just a, a week in his life with him and um, it feel, feels like a very sad movie, but it does have like these moments of comedy peppered in that work. Uh, it's weird. I mean, I like it. It's again, one of those movies like serious man where it just takes a while to get your arms around it. It's just kind of a weird right. movie. Um, and I will say about Ballad of Buster Scruggs, that is the perfect Coen Brothers movie to watch after you watch like 12 Coen Brothers movies in a row, because it's like literally everything they do piled into one movie. It's absurdist comedy. It's kind of wacky, but it gets super dark. I think meal ticket that Liam Neeson one is like one of the darkest things they've ever done. And the is it girl or gal who got rattled? I thought it was the girl the gal. Who got rattled. The gal got rattled. One of the cruelest endings they've ever done. Like it, that's what made, I think so, it was so mad yeah. the first time because it was yeah. like, oh, I was like, why? I think it's the longest story in the movie. I think it's it the is. longest story, and they, I'm like, what was the point of any of that? I think the point is there is no point almost, or it just 
I don't know. It that ending killed me the first time. I was like, no. But the second time, it still hurt. I was like, God. I damn do want to say one thing oh, uh, before yeah. I forget. In the uh, Ian Nathan book, I think it's Barry Sonnenfeld. He recounts the story that he heard about them when they were young, where uh, they had a dog that was like on its last legs, like mm-hmm. it was close to death. It was just dragging itself around the house. And at one point, their father decided, okay, it's, I guess it's time. We got we to gotta take him in and have him put down. And so they're trying to get the dog out to the car. And at that, at that moment, the dog springs to life and like runs like it hasn't run in a long time, runs out into the street and gets hit by a car. Wow. Well, that makes so much sense. Like, so much I really <laughs> hope that story is true because it would explain so much about Yeah, them. that would explain everything, I think. Uh, so yeah, Girl Got Rattle kind of bothered me because I felt like I spent so much time with the story and the payoff was so depressing. <laughs> like It, it hurts. Uh, it, it, it hurts. It really hurts. Uh, the end story, like Mark said, it kind of loses me too. I think it's a, I think it, what they're going for makes sense to end on that story. But I do feel like I've kind of almost checked out at that point. I don't it's know if it goes like on. It's like 25 minutes of dialogue after yeah. so many stories where you have like kind of like periods of dialogue interspersed with periods of quiet or action. It's just nonstop dialogue. And for me, it's kind of it takes a little adjusting. Yeah, it's I mean, yeah, it doesn't tank it for me, but it does kind of bring me down a little bit. I'm like, OK, well, I, you know, I like that one a lot. It's it's like a greatest hits album. I mean, it's like, but I really like it. And uh, I was really excited for that one, weirdly, because I wasn't huge in the Coen Brothers 2018, I believe. But it was one of those I think Netflix just started doing the thing where it's like, oh, let's give renowned directors money to make their movies they'll come straight to netflix and it was one of the first like oh what they let the coen brothers do for all this money and uh you know that was exciting and so but I, netflix I, is still killing cinema apparently right <laughs> yeah. of course of course so i you know i this is honestly of the ones we talked about so far this is by far the toughest matchup i have not made up my mind yet i want to vote, vote for so hey i'm gonna let you speak about these okay uh, i'm actually gonna start I'm going to keep y'all waited with bated breath. I'm going to start with Ballad Buster Scruggs because uh, Mark definitely knows this about me. Matt, I think you know this about me. I'm a big Western guy. I yeah. love Westerns. Grew up watching them with my dad, my grandpa. Um, so like, I, I don't know. I get the warm fuzzies from Westerns and I, and I love what the Coens bring to Westerns. They've done, they've done straight up Westerns. They've touched on them a lot in so many of their movies uh, and Ballad Buster Scruggs to me is just like a gift that keeps on giving. I think the first time I saw it, I thought it was a little slight and I don't know why. I think that in years to come, everybody will look back on it and be like, Oh no, that's like a masterpiece. Cause like y'all are saying, not only does it show like the variety of what you can do with the Western as a genre, it's like the variety of their entire filmography thrown into one movie. Yeah. <laughs> um, let me see. So like the first two stories kind of are taking the piss out of like some of uh, like, like your standard Western tropes and everything, like definitely breaking down the myth making like uh, Buster Scruggs is your typical, like yodeling, singing, like out a uh, uh, gunslinging hero, but he's just a, vicious murderer like a sadistic killer <laughs> great joke he's like this like classic like white hat singing cowboy who's like straight out murdering people <laughs> just like ho- like horrifically and, and the whole time he's just like 
oh, you know, we're all going to laugh about this when we get to heaven. You know, all this meanness in the world. It's like, bro, you have just been <laughs> murdering everyone in their family. Um, <laughs> the second one, as Mark said, is uh, is that great, like, Cohen absurdity, you know, totally ironic in their brand of irony. Um, meal ticket hurts. <laughs> meal <laughs> ticket is... Rough just by virtue of like it being so nihilistic i'd say it's my least favorite but i mean yeah yeah <laughs> that's by degrees because they're all so great like and and that that one is a great segment it's just like oh my god like it, it's so <laughs> miserable um yeah. and so much sorry so much said in that one without dialogue there's somebody just looks yes. and just little things happening the way liam neeson keeps looking at it's is it the kid who played neville longbottom Yes, yeah. <laughs> that's Dudley all I want Dursley. to call him. Uh, yeah, Dudley. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, Dudley. Okay. Yeah. He's looking at him, and it just how the thing evolves, and you're like, you mm. know where it's going, but it's so much unsaid. It's like, it's and outside good, of the yeah. last one, it's the most metaphoric because it's. I mean, it's clearly about how entertainment has just become a chicken pecking at numbers. <laughs> like, uh, like people yeah. ask so little for their right. of their entertainment, now, but. Um, the next one's got Tom Waits in it, dude. And I it's know, like yeah. <laughs> one of the sweetest, like most like, yes, like fist bumping things they've done. Gal Who Got Rattled, I think is a masterpiece. Like it's really sad, but it's sad in a very literary way. And I don't think it's not like, haha, Richard Jenkins was trying to do something for the girl he has a crush on and he got <laughs> fucking murdered in the street. It's like you watch it and you go, oh my God, no. Right. Uh, and yeah like the Gal 20 minutes got... of build up is worth it it makes you care about the ending that's why it's a gut punch yes. is you build up so much you think oh it's gonna go this way and then and it doesn't out, go that way <laughs> and out of nowhere right. mr arthur is just like the greatest superhero of all time you're like <laughs> holy shit right this guy the is guy the, who's just the most mumbling the whole movie he's just like oh. go for hole <laughs> and he's just yep. like oh dude i want mr yeah. arthur to have my back in any situation. <laughs> now, the mortal remains. I actually like a lot more than y'all. It is very dialogue heavy. Um, it's basically just a stage play, like right. it, it just like you know, four people sitting around talking for a long time. But it's 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 like the perfect way to end the movie because it's all these people being ushered into like the you know the afterlife. Yeah, the, the whole movie, with the exception of the Tom Waits one, so it does stick out a little bit, but the whole movie is just about how ch cheap life was in the West, and it's just like the perfect way to end it is like the this overt ghost story that uh, the Coens are doing, like that and the, uh, the Golem opening that they did to A Serious Man are like the most... God, I forgot about that. Yeah, that yeah, it's, it's like the most overt horror yeah. things that they've done, supernaturally speaking. And it's, uh, oh man, so good. Um, okay, Inside Loon Davis, I'm not going to talk a lot about because uh, just like a serious man, it, this is the other movie where it's like, it's a, it feels embarrassing to talk about it. The most <laughs> insufferable thing about the movie is that people who love it always do the leo thing they snap and point <laughs> the screen they go that's me mark you and i know someone who uh, literally says that oh, but no. i really hope he never listens to this podcast but I, but I i'm one like i will admit i have been one of those people when when i watched this when it first came out 
I was in college. I was mm-hmm. uh, pursuing, <laughs> you know, a career in the arts. Actually, so I, let me say one thing quickly, because <laughs> I was very condescending ahead. and talking down to like people who relate to that. But yeah, like you, I went to college pursuing a career in the arts and I definitely see myself in that too. So I don't want to act like I'm above these people. It just, it annoys me and it's something that annoys me about myself too. So it's uh, very much like self-reflection. You didn't stoop to, you weren't as bad as me. (laughs) Listen to this. I... I love, I fuck, I still fucking love folk music. I love Bob Dylan. Like I was the guy who saw the movie or I was one of the people who saw the movie. And just at the end, when the little curly headed guy got up on the stage, I was like, I recognized, I was like, that's the night Bob Dylan plays the gaslight and just blows everyone away. And so Lewin Davis never gets anywhere. Like right. <laughs> it's the last performance Lewin Davis gave and was like, I'm going to bear my heart and soul. And then Bob Dylan just gets up there and the rest <laughs> is history. Yeah. And, uh, and so I'm just like, oh, I'm like, oh, I'm taking it all in. I, I was, the, I was the idiot who pretended to read Albert Camus. <laughs> so I was definitely <laughs> into the existentialism. Oh God. <laughs> and so like, it, I mean, like I saw the movie and I was just like, this is, this is, you know, it, it, it spoke to me on such a, you know, profound level or however I interpreted as a profound level at the time. And so like, to this day, I do love that movie. It it is about grief. It is an incredibly darkly comic movie about suicide, but it is like, uh, you know, I have to watch it every year at Christmas with a glass of whiskey in my hand. Uh, no, I'm joking. <laughs> but, uh, but but no, I I do really enjoy watching that movie every winter. Um, because it's not exactly, um, it's not as miserable as it sounds. Like it right. is not, <laughs> again, these guys make serious movies about serious issues, but they don't take them too seriously. And so. Neil Ticket is much sadder than Lewin Davis. Oh, absolutely. Oh, Lewin Davis is still entertaining. Uh, Lewin Davis still has moments that hit. Whenever, whenever uh, uh, he goes see F. Murray Abraham and he's like, uh, whatever happened to your partner you should get back together with her he's just telling him to kill himself and so like there are moments in that movie where you're just like jesus christ and right <laughs> it does hit hard but i don't know man it's again it's it's one of those movies that kind of leaves me without words i it's it, it's too embarrassing to try and talk too much about and and you know you know kind of work through your feelings of i i confession I was on a podcast years ago with some people I worked with at Draft House. Thank God it has been erased off the face of the planet because <laughs> we did an episode about Inside Lewin Davis, an entire like two and a half hour oh, wow. thing where we all <laughs> talked about it. And I was like, I hope no one listens to this. I hope it gets <laughs> nuked from orbit. And it did. Uh, there, are, I, I don't think there's any way you can listen to was it. Was that a God. space podacy? It was that yeah. podcast I see linked on several old reviews that I can't <laughs> find anymore. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I think how Mark's I trying to give up the, the goods here. Like, is it no, space? Podacy? No, it's gone. It's gone. <laughs> can't find um, it. I've tried. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I, oh. I just think it's 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 so well put together, so well written, but just vague enough to where you can pour so much of yourself into it and get so much out of it. So 
I, I mean, you know, uh, Lewin Davis is one of my seven favorites. So, <laughs> and <laughs> one of the seven more, favorites, yeah. <laughs> uh, on, on many days, I will say, like, out of the seven, on many days, this will be my number one. But. Okay. Wow. This is going to be tough. Uh, so who, I don't it's even okay. know. That, I, again, I told Mark, y'all, y'all can't hurt my feelings on this. As, but, as long as we get to talk about them, it's not. Yeah. I really don't know which way I'm going to go. I kind of want to vote last on this one. Um, <laughs> uh, Mark, uh, do you want to vote first? Between uh, Sure. I'll vote first. I mean, I uh, like, these are pretty close in my personal ranking of uh, Cohen movies. Uh, this one doesn't hurt too much though so because the, they're, they're both great movies like they're again great. nothing but great movies i gotta go buster scruggs because at the end of the day it delivers a little more of what i want out of movies like those uh genre elements and it's also just funnier and i def i give it points you get everything that. you could want out of watching a movie <laughs> from watching that one movie. right right <laughs> one more thing i forgot to point out just uh stupid moment that cracks me up i think it's part of why i like the james franco segment the best but he uh when they're about to hang him he, ralph innocent is like a part in there he'd, want, he'd like your horse want to give it to him and he's just like i don't want any of them to have it. <laughs> <laughs> those are like those are his last words he, those are what he thinks are going to be his last words <laughs> and it gave us one of the like, great i mean oh, i'd have to think about it is it the greatest meme from a from a coen brothers movie the first time like yeah first time with the noose around his neck i mean yeah, yeah that's a good i was thinking about that oh, God, i'm trying means... to think of any other memes from a coen brothers movie oh, I'm sure mean, the big are. lebowski is like big lebowski has quite a few at this time but i mean right. aside from that yeah, my meme game is bit, pretty bad so <laughs> I, I wouldn't know <laughs> Okay, so Mark voted Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Uh, Hayden, I don't know if I, I have to yeah, ask Louis you. Davis okay, yeah, Davis. <laughs> Oh, wow, I really am a tiebreaker. Okay. Um, it's not an easy, this is the first one that hasn't been an easy pick. Like, I mean, uh, you know, yeah, I, I mean. Oh, good for you. <laughs> and how was it? <laughs> I mean, oh boy. Okay, because I'm like, oh, I'm so torn. Because Ballad of Buster Why Scruggs did you want to go last, Matt? <laughs> I don't know, because I wanted more time to think and maybe someone okay. sway me. Gotcha. Um, because Ballad of Buster, they're so different. Ballad of Buster Scruggs is like this greatest hits album from the Coen Brothers. And it's like, yeah, what more could I want? But right. I feel like just rewatching it this time, and I would watch it again because it's a fun movie. I think there's more for me to still kind of mine out of Inside Lou and Davis, like to get out of that. Like, because the mm -hmm. second viewing, I feel like I got more. Oh, God. <laughs> it's really good. I, you know what? Don't I'm make gonna... me talk. Don't make me talk about it. I... I'm do I gotta vote for inside Lou and Davis. I'm going. Well shit. I, it it hurts, but <laughs> it hurts to get rid of Honestly, Ballad of Buster It just Scruggs. hurts me because I don't want to talk about Lou and Davis again because I did <laughs> such a poor job the well, first it time. It could be very quick the next time. Uh, at some point we have to move quickly on this. Yeah. Podcast. Remind me to ask you uh, guys, save this for next time because we gotta move on. But remind me to ask, we can talk about the soundtrack. What are your favorite songs on the soundtrack? That'll be my question. About that round next two. Time. Yeah. yeah, if I even remember the songs of the soundtrack for some of these, I'll be like, I don't know. Uh, well, we know yours, please, Mr. Kennedy. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. Uh oh. Uh, okay. I so like to think that's what acting alongside Adam Driver's like. He's just doing all these like... ridiculous vocal exercises before a scene starts. <laughs> uh, okay, number four seed inside Lou and Davis moves on to the next round, uh, where we'll face one of these two movies. Uh, number five seed is Barton Fink. The number 12 seed is True Grit. 
which I believe is their I'll only remake. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So Westerns again. Well, and... now, accor- uh, Matt, okay. let me just rephrase. According to Ian Nathan's book, he wants to specify it's not a remake. It's a separate adaptation. adaptation of the novel. Of the book, yeah. Well, fair. Okay. <laughs> fair like enough. Pet Cemetery. <laughs> Oh, just like Pet Cemetery. Just like Pet Cemetery. Okay, Haney, you want to go first? He yeah, jumped, uh, he jumped in yeah, there. I'll, I'll go first. Uh, Barton Fink. Let me get to it in my notes. Uh, Barton Fink is one of these movies that I find very impressive. And I'll go even further. I'll say it's fascinating. Uh, much like Inside Lewin Davis. When you watch it, you're like, there's a lot to think about here. They're really, they're really, uh, they're really painting quite a unique and disturbing picture. And I want to mull on this and kind of see what they're getting at. Cause it, it is very like, it's not an easy movie to read for me. Right. There's (laughs) how many different ways can I say there's a lot going on, but (laughs) however, unlike Inside Lewin Davis, I have seen uh, Barton Fink a few times and I I don't feel anything when I'm watching it. I'm just like, this stimulates my mind and like nothing else. Like uh, I, I do think it's a really pretty movie. I do think it's very funny. Um, I love John Goodman. John Goodman's like my MVP of anything that John Goodman is ever in. And he's, he's great as like, I don't know the devil like <laughs> like I'm gonna ask you know, yeah that's how I, I, I don't know what he's standing in for in this movie but um I love the hotel um I used to whenever I had just knew the poster and nothing else about this movie I always thought that I was gonna get Eraserhead vibes from it and I don't know why um it's not quite that surreal but it is very esoteric and. So, like, again, I am impressed by this movie. I admire it, but I don't love it. That being said, True Grit, my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I mean, of the, one of the seven. One, one of the, the seven. <laughs> I mean, uh, when, I, when I saw True Grit in, uh, when did it come out, 2010? Yeah. 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 I, it was like, I look back on that now. I'm like, oh, there were some good Best Picture nominees. But even then, I was like, no contest dude it is true grit i i um i growing up i was a huge fan of the john wayne movie uh apparently i would like run around with like a, a broom between my legs pretend it was a horse and i'd just be like i would just scream fill your hands you son of a bitch and pretend <laughs> to shoot people wow and uh and my my mom like my parents just thought it was so funny they, they didn't even try and uh wrangle me in but but like uh later in life i i read the charles portis novel the uh coen brothers adaptation is much more faithful but there's enough like of their care characteristics in it that makes it a distinctly like coen version of it um but dude i think it is i don't know i'd really have to think about it i think it might be the last great straightforward traditional old-fashioned western um and it really works as like a goodbye to that kind of genre uh i think all the performances are amazing even whenever i saw it i was like what is josh brolin doing now i'm like (laughs) i'm like 
he's doing something amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I, 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 I love him in the movie. Jeff Bridges like reinvents like I mean Rooster Cogburn John Wayne as Rooster Cogburn is like a monumental performance. I, I think it was like the only Oscar he ever won, oh. and <laughs> like you watch. I mean, you don't think about him once when you're watching Jeff Bridges play Rooster in True Grit. Uh, Haley Steinfeld is is it Steinfeld? Yes. Yes. Yep. Uh, What's the deal with Haley? Uh, she. <laughs> Uh, she's amazing. I, 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 how many times can I say each actor in it is amazing? Um, it. You I haven't said the, it about Matt Damon yet. Matt Damon is fantastic. I mean, sorry, he's amazing. Labeef. Dakeen Matthews, the guy who plays the guy who's bartering with uh, Haley Steinfeld. Uh, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. Might be the MVP of the movie. <laughs> that scene is so funny. I. To me, the most uh, interesting thing about the movie in the in their canon is to me, I, I'd be interested to hear y'all's thoughts, but to me, it's their least ironic movie. That yeah. being said, the score is based, the theme of the movie is based around leaning on the everlasting arms. Given the ending, that oh. in itself is a joke, <laughs> uh-huh. but... <laughs> the rest of the movie is so sincere and like poignant and beautiful. I, I just, I love true grit. It, you know, when I saw it, I, I, I did love it, but you know, if you would have asked me if it would be like one of my seven favorite Coen brothers movie, I, I don't know if I would have been able to tell you that, but over time, my appreciation for it has only grown more and more each time I watch it. So yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on true grit and Barton Fink. Uh, I'll start with Barton Fink because I just that's the last one I rewatched before we recorded I for the longest time that was the one where I was giving it the benefit of the doubt where everyone said it's such a masterpiece and every time I watch it I just I get nothing out of it I'm invested enough for the first half but once John Goodman steps into the hallway and it just sets everything on fire just by being there I'm just like I have no fucking idea what's going on here anymore. <laughs> this is frustrating. Because like even their other kind of more elusive, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Jeez, uh, they're more movies that are like more surreal that mm-hmm. aren't like kind of straightforward. Yeah, cerebral. As, as Mustafa Akkad would say. I've been saying <laughs> that word all week to describe these movies. And for some reason it eluded me there. Yes, there are other more cerebral movies like, say, Lewin Davis or uh, A Serious Man. I can at least uh, attach to those on certain levels that I just wasn't able to uh, get on board with Barton Fink. And I like it more now after this last viewing. Um, I find, I don't know, again, part of it's just like I've become more fascinated with old Hollywood. I like that element of it. I like that it's flat out more so than Lewin Davis. It is calling the artist on their bullshit. Barton Fink is a self-obsessed, pretentious piece of shit. Like he's at this <laughs> USO dance where all these uh, Navy sailors and uh, army uh, and these soldiers are all uh, dancing. And one of them wants to cut in with the lady he's dancing with. And he's like, I'm a writer. Don't you understand how important I am? And punched <laughs> uh, by the na- by the Navy guy, and it's just like, yes, that's so wonderful because like 
people who create like again artistic types people who feel the need to put something out in the world they feel the world the world has to experience this thing that i have to create and it's right. just like no no they don't you're, you're <laughs> out there buddy right. yeah and i love that that outlook that barton fink has well and he's he's a champion of the common man but he will not listen to doesn't, any common man doesn't want to talk to the common man at all yeah. exactly yeah, it's kind of amazing uh but i love i love the setting i don't know i i've kind of the more the movie went on especially that scene that always loses me when John Goodman steps into the hallway. I fucking love that scene now, partially because of like how slowly it plays out. They really let the suspense build, but also just, I don't know, just watching that hallway just slowly catch on fire. It's, it's fucking incredible. Um, also, I like, um, I don't know, I kind of, there's a subplot involving uh, John Mahoney, which by the way, I, since I uh, recently started watching Frasier and I have more of an appreciation of that actor now, when we first meet him, we don't actually meet him. We just hear him in the background shouting, where my honey? <laughs> See, I loved Frasier growing up. So like what the first time I saw Barton Fink, I was like, Martin? <laughs> <laughs> so there's a subplot uh. involving him and uh, Judy Davis, who's kind of his muse and who's apparently done most of his writing for him. I actually just finished re, uh, listening to You Must Remember This miniseries on Polly Platt, who was uh, Peter Bogdanovich's ex-wife and was a major creative force in his first couple movies, the ones that really like put him on the map. And she kind of gets overlooked in that. And I think that really helped me connect to this, this woman who's like really the major creative force in this guy's life. But she like doesn't Deborah get Hill. Any, the Deborah. Exactly. Uh, she's, uh, she doesn't get any credit, but she's just content in the, because that's the world back then. That's where, uh, that's like, that's what, how people expected women to be. And she's complacent, just act, she's content being that. And it's such a sad, like, it's such a sad portrayal, especially given what eventually happens to her. Uh, yeah. Barton Fink, I, it's not my favorite of theirs, but I have a bigger appreciation of it now than I, uh, than I used to. True Grit um like since i've become friends with hayden there are a handful of movies that he has kind of like increased i've gotten a greater appreciation for them since hanging out with them and true grit (laughs) is one of those movies i always i really liked it but i it was never one of my favorites of theirs i always thought it's kind of slider cohen it's still a really good western but like Hayden would always quote it. My roommate would always uh, quote it and they would always consider it one of their favorites. And I haven't rewatched it since uh, uh, in any part, Jesus Christ, at any point during that time. But that's, that's another one I really wanted to rewatch before this. I never got around to it, but True Grit is incredible. He's right. It's really the last like old fashioned Western that's kind of like, a loving portrayal of that genre. Every Western nowadays has to be like, you know, kind of revisionist or... uh, Every Western nowadays has to make Sam Elliott mad. (laughs) (laughs) And True Grit is just like, it's content with being a Western and it's an incredible Western. All of those, all of three, four of the main performers are incredible. Movie practically made a star out of Haley Steinfeld uh josh Rowland, another one of my favorite actors i uh love from the get-go what he was doing with that character it's not what you would expect anyone else to be doing and it's just such 
an insanely quotable movie. Like, it's part partially the dialogue itself. It's partially... Oh, shit. I got an amber alert. I got an amber uh, alert, too. Oh. <laughs> must, well, be state, should... must be statewide, I guess. Everything's always statewide here in Texas. It's a big state um, to be statewide. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> it's like, they could be um, anywhere. Um, yeah, yeah the, it's, it's also the actors that are delivering them. Like, they all... The Coens, like, they write such specific dialogue and they know the actors that they want or need to deliver those specific lines in the specific way they want. Who's and that this, little guy again? Wait, which guy? The, the guy she barters with? Oh, Dakeen Matthews? I do not entertain hypotheticals. The world as is is vexing enough. <laughs> I will pay $150. Uh, just... Oh God, it's so incredible. And you mentioned how it's uh like it's an adaptation. I feel like from what I hear about their adaptations, they're very faithful to the source material. So there's this and there's no country for old men, and both of them feel one hundred percent like Cohen brothers. That's movies. crazy. That's yeah. crazy to me because P- Portis and Cormac McCarthy are very different. And yet and and I know their movies are like you know, the Cohen movies are very different and diverse, but like they still feel so Cohen-y, you know? Yes. It is, it is crazy. And they're both very faithful adaptations. And they're both, they're both very faithful adaptations. And it's like they, resp- the only work they seem to adapt is work that like specifically captures their sensibilities. And yeah. I think True Grit was a perfect vehicle for that. And True Grit, even though I haven't seen it in a while, I'm ready to consider that another one of my favorites of theirs. I'm sure that one will move up next time I actually rewatch it. But yeah, they're... Uh... Yeah, I've said my piece. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so, okay. This is interesting, because, again, movies that are very different. And I do feel... I don't keep saying this, but we've had three in a row. I, to me, the three kind of weirdest <laughs> Coen Brothers movies are Barton Fink, Inside Lewin Davis, Serious Man, or the maybe the the mm. hardest to grasp right off right. the bat, especially. Um, and I just saw Barton Fink for the first time. Uh, it's like a lot of these were first time watches for me. This was one of the first time watches. Didn't know what to expect. Um, knew it had a good reputation. I think it won the Palm Door Con, right? Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, their first collaboration with um, Roger Deakins, the big deal. They work with him a lot. Uh, it was weird. I don't know. <laughs> like, I'm like, it's funny. I get very darkly funny. I, I, it's like this hotel is hell and John Goodman's the devil is what I, you know, I'm getting all these weird <laughs> well, You know, things. let me, let me say yeah. one more thing before I forget it. Sorry. We're always just kind of cutting in on each other, but Hayden really hates this in movies. I don't, sometimes I like it. Sometimes I don't, but Barton Fink is one of those movies where it's like, is this really happening or is this all going on in his mind? Oh, yeah, I don't, really care I don't like a lot of times I don't mind that if it's done well, but in Barton Fink, I'm like, if this is all happening in his mind, then I don't fucking like this movie because everything I'm watching he deserves it. Kind, there's a, the idea of this hotel being hell as a literal idea is so cool that if it's, yeah. if yeah. this is just some extension of like this prison he's finding himself in in his mind, I'm just like, no. That's boring, and this is probably my least favorite Coen Brothers movie, if that's the case. 
<laughs> that's the uh, beauty about movies though you can you can just say whatever the hell you want about them well yeah. and the good thing about the coen brothers is they don't illuminate their work for you they're like david lynch in that way right. except they're much more cheek they're cheekier about, cheekier it. about they're it. Like, it yeah yeah what yeah. do you think of the ending of a serious man oh well we just wanted to do an homage to the wizard of oz <laughs> <laughs> yeah we've never read oh. the odyssey we should probably do that one of these days i yeah. love them i i love that they don't take this shit seriously right but it's right. funny because i remember oh, when i was in films i'm sorry man i realized i cut you off <laughs> but when i was in film school uh one of the first questions i was asked at the first day at one class was um all right who are like what's to who are who's one person you think should have won an oscar and someone you think shouldn't have won an urban nominated for and one person said she didn't think the coens should have been nominated for true grit because they're uh they're too pretentious and i'm like what? I, I i feel like we they're, get completely they're very, different things oh, out of them. They're yeah they're very, very unpretentious right yeah I, it's funny barton fink a movie that it, we talked about Hail Caesar, which makes me think, oh, they love old Hollywood, even to recognize. But Barton Banks make, makes me think they hate old Hollywood. It's well, like, no, what the, a the weird, what of, a weird movie to call out for being pretentious. To, true Grit. Yeah, like that's well, the, he, I think she was no, she they was were pretentious about, in general. Is what she was saying. She was talking about them in general, in not general. True Grit, the movie. Okay. But the thing about Hail Caesar is that it's very like they love the movies that old Hollywood made, but. Much like Barton Fink, the system that produced them is not portrayed in a very right, loving that's true. manner. That's so true. they're they're kind of similar in that and way. Oh, that old system was pretty shitty. So and that Barton oh, Fink yeah. shows that 100. Uh, I love John Goodman and Barton Fink. Like I kind of felt like I, I I was. It's funny because I think I gave it a pretty high rating on Letterbox. But I remember thinking like this movie feels like it wants me to dislike it for parts and then but like john goodman comes in and like not like he saves the movie but i feel like the movie comes alive when he comes into it i think he's amazing in this and that ending i think is great like the hallway on fire the visual i'll show you the life of the mind yes amazing and like you know they had to that had to be used real fire there wasn't cgi fire in 1991 right so it was like um amazing and i think there's a thing with this where the Combers mentions a few times I saw in their filmography where they're writing one thing and they hit a block and they start writing another thing. So I think they were working on Miller's Crossing and then no, they were working it? on this they and then they this. wrote Miller's Crossing. Then, okay, it's amazing that they write these other movies in the middle of working Wait, on no, other they, great no, movies. No, they were writing. Okay. They were I, writing this. They got writer's block. They, I thought that they, they wrote write- all of Miller's Crossing. And then they <laughs> I did thought they this. got okay. writer's block while they were writing Miller's Crossing. And that's what caused them to write Barton Fink. The last time I read the book, I thought it was the opposite. But I, I could be wrong. I'm not sure. Maybe, they, maybe they've just said both. Maybe that's just part of their mystique. <laughs> well, I remember being very... Yeah. Yeah, actually, now, now I'm second guessing myself. Okay, sorry. I'm second it's guessing okay. myself. Either, we don't know. Either Look way, they've done yourselves, this thing people. where they're working on one great movie and then write another great movie in the middle of it. Like they I know, stop. as like a writer's block movie. <laughs> right. Like, like, like I think eh, let me just throw reading, some out there. Yeah. <laughs> no Country for Old Men and Burp to Reading have that relationship, I think, where they're working on No Country for Old Men and then wrote Burp to Reading in the middle and did it after. I think uh, mm-hmm. I just find that funny. So yeah, Barton Fink comes out. And this is, this is to me, feels like the beginning of like, weird esoteric spiritual cone brothers because before this it's blood simple it's raising arizona it's miller's crossing um this is when it gets i think in that weirder territory like yeah. more spiritual you know whatever you want to call it um 
I mean, I find it very interesting. I don't think it's a really enjoyable movie. Like for me, it wasn't like, this was a fun romp. Like um, (laughs) Michael Lerner's great. I think that's all he got nominated for supporting. uh, He's incredible. Um, He's great. Second best performance behind Godzilla. (laughs) There you go. (laughs) And and True Grit. True Grit was the one that this year, I think I kind of started off this Coen Brothers kick with. I was like, I'll go to True Grit first, whatever. I didn't go in any kind of order. And uh, it blew me away. It was like, I'd seen it in theaters in 2010 with like my friends. I don't know why we don't, they all went to see a Western. I'm surprised they all went with me, but uh, we went. And uh, also I saw 90B, big hit. I didn't realize they made a ton of money, like $250 million worldwide, which is kind of Isn't incredible. Isn't it their like most successful movie? I think, I think it, it might is. be if it made that much money. <laughs> like $250 million is uh, pretty damn good. So, Well, other than Spider-Man No Way Home. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. It's so stupid. It's okay. Um, so yeah, I mean, watching that was a, a treat to watch True Grit again because I didn't know what mm. I would think of it. I was like, oh, it was fun. Like, no, this is a great movie. This is a really great movie. Coen Brothers movie. Haley Steinfeld's amazing. Like, she comes in like in the first couple scenes and like takes the movie over me. Like, she's like a star instantly. And everybody. Yeah, nothing is- against uh, <laughs> yeah. what's her, what's her name? Darby. She was in Halloween Six. Oh, Kim Darby. Yeah, nothing against Kim Darby. I like her in the original, but I mean, Haley Steinfeld is Maddie Ross. Like she, she just is. Right. I you mean, could make an argument between Jeff Bridges and 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 John Wayne. It's whatever flavor you want. But yeah. but Haley Steinfeld is amazing. Yeah. I mean, she just comes in like she's been doing this forever and like owns the movie instantly. It's kind of it's kind of incredible. Uh, I mean, Matt Damon is great. I love Jeff Bridges as Rooster Cogburn. Like. Uh, it's still it's still so funny like it's again like everything you can watch my Coen Brothers movie it's like it's emotional it's funny uh it's, it's got this exciting part it's a great it's a straight western like it's just it's mm-hmm. really good and I was I think it almost gets like disrespected because it was such a big hit and got critical claim and is a sorry remake or adaptation whatever you want to call it like because people tend to look down on things that are like oh well it's just a remake or whatever like which is stupid uh i think it gets i i think it does get unfairly like kind of categorized as minor or mid cohen just because it is like yeah you know it's it's so straightforward like like i said it's to me it's their least ironic movie and so i think a lot of people are like yeah it's good it's a grandpa (laughs) movie yeah, that's how I kind of came back into it. And I was like, oh, this is just great. There's no, yeah, this is not like mid or minor Cohen or like, uh, and it is the 12 seed versus a five seed. So clearly other people think less of it too amongst their movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, I don't know. Oh, is I, this number 12? True this is the 12 seed. Yeah, this is oh, okay. versus the five seed. Of yeah, I'm Fink. not surprised. Again, for some, Barton Fink is one that like, yeah, I don't. Everyone <laughs> loves. I feel like, I feel like we're kind of showing our. Sorry, hands I'm not quote. supposed to. I'm not supposed to hide, or I'm supposed to hide my feeling. But that's I, okay. I don't, I don't understand. Uh, that. I mean, that's really all I have to say about both of them. So we can just vote. I, people I kinda, like movies about people making movies. I, I, I don't know why. I like, like, like usually. Yeah, I mean, but Barton Fink's oh. not like. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Barton Fink is like. It feels like and like it's barely about that, but it's not like he's on a set really. He's just right. writing, you know. He's just writing and um, kind of isolated is the whole point. It's yeah. yeah I, look, I love movies about old Hollywood, but I don't really get that feeling too much from Barton. Fink yeah, I don't because get that. so much yeah. of it is just in the hotel. Yeah, yeah. I don't know. It's uh, yeah. We can just vote now. Uh, we can just. I think I have a feeling. Uh, Mark, do you want to vote first? True Grit or uh, Barton Fink? No, yeah, no question. I'm going True Grit. Okay, hate him. 
This is so, this is such a beautiful moment. As much as it pains me to vote against a movie with John Goodman, yeah, uh, yeah, I gotta, I gotta go. True Grit. We'll, we'll see much more John Goodman. I'm already movie. writing it down, so I'm gonna go just three for three. It's a moot point, but yeah, True Grit for me too. I this might have sets of people because we just bounced out the five. Suck seeds. it, Barton Fink lovers. <laughs> Your time's over, Look, baby. We, we knew we were gonna <laughs> upset some people here. Yeah, True Grit's just a really enjoyable movie. Uh, go back and the watch Finkers. it, people. Barton Finkers, <laughs> those Barton Finkers <laughs> out there. Um, okay, I think we're about halfway through the first part of the. Wait, game. does this just... make? Hold on, does this make us Barton Stinkers? I think it. Oh man, I think it does. Oh, I should just call the episode Barton Stinkers. Uh, <laughs> I just want to apologize to Hayden. I suggested an 11 a.m. start time, and I figured we'd have enough time uh, between this and our other recording for the day. Uh, that's not gonna happen uh, gonna listen it, it should go faster once we get through the first track. i yeah i yeah. keep saying that okay um okay true grit 12 seed moves on um okay next matchup i'll skip over i'm gonna come back to this one because it's two versus 15 we're talking about 15 uh i'm gonna go the seven seed versus the 10 seed this is very interesting to me the seven seed is oh brother where art thou versus uh-huh. the 10th seed which is raising arizona <laughs> this <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm last. This... I'm going last. Oh my god! I'll go first if you guys want me to. Um, go ahead. Okay. Um, Wait, can I choose to not go? <laughs> I'll call somebody in for the vote if we need a tiebreaker. Um, okay. Okay, this is tough. Yeah. So, okay, where to start? So <laughs> I'll start with a brother where art thou? Um, as I told you, and I think I posted about somewhere, had a rough time watching this because my stupid ass chose to watch it on like Roku TV or something. <laughs> Which the Roku had like, channel. The Roku channel had like 10 commercial breaks so poorly placed in this movie throughout the like 95 like minute mid song. Like, like mid song. Like mid dialogue cut off commercial for like Geico. <laughs> like, God damn it. And um, Hi, I like I'm this Pepe field. Odenia. Yeah. <laughs> and I'd like for you to uh, advertise on behalf of the good folks at Geico. Oh, Brother Rother, another movie kind of like Inside the Wind Davis I thought I might not like just because I don't like this kind of music which i guess you could call is bluegrass not folk right i oh, mean baby it's bluegrass baby okay it, there's some folk in it there's some it's, uh hymn, hymnals and stuff but yeah yeah i just was like i don't know uh music of the people matt come on <laughs> i know i know um so i watched it even with all those distractions i still really like i wanted to watch it again like just on a blu-ray or something without commercials but didn't get a chance did really like it definitely would want to want to revisit because and there's a lot more to get out of it than I even got the first time. It's like a fun adventure, like not the road, road. Yeah, it's like a road road movie. movie. Yeah, like it's like, there's an opening with them in a barn and a tractor or a truck or something. That's pretty amazing. Am I remembering oh, this right? God. I've you watched are. like you got are you in an OFT? <laughs> I mean, it's it's fun. There's a crazy flood near the end. I mean, it's wild. There's I felt there's biblical stuff going on in this too, like the brothers to put in. Um, Again, there's more to pull out of this I didn't get, but I really enjoyed it. Um, Raising Arizona. Uh, had seen this one a couple times for this podcast. Rewatched it again for the podcast. Uh, I love this movie. Uh, it's it's To me, it's like uh, the sweetest thing the Coen brothers have ever done. Uh, if they, like, and it just, it's this very zany comedy. It's very much on the side of like zany comedy Coen. More of that like, Ramy camera work, which I kind of really like in the early stuff. The camera's flying around and zooming in and all this stuff. Um, Nicholas Cage is great. I mean, 
<laughs> first hate to make a face. No, no, I'm I, okay, but yeah, I'm trying to hold it in here. Okay. Yeah, I know you. This went is through, not one, one of the movies dark. where Hayden's going to complain about Nicholas. No, this is God. This is God mode. Cage. Okay, like, good. Yeah, I mean, yeah. God, Holly Hunter. I love them as a couple. Marry um, me. Oink yeah. oink. <laughs> oh, the. I mean, it's funny. Also, fun fact: my mom's here at Converse, but by default, because for years she go. She These years, are the she, Holly Hunter movies. That's right. This is the Holly Hunter double. She's bona fide. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> My mom would go, here was a movie I loved years ago that we rented from the video store with uh, Nicolas Cage. All I remember, he was stealing diapers. He had to get that. <laughs> and like, we didn't know what it was for years. We were like, what are you talking about? And I was like, oh my God, it's Raising Arizona. Um, yeah, it's, uh, I don't know. It's a, a very fun comedy. It's very sweet, which I appreciate. Kind of wacky, zany, again, great Goodman performance. Uh, it's like really fun supporting cast. Um, <laughs> I feel like I just drank a very tall glass of OJ with like PCP in it. Like, <laughs> um, I mean, yeah, I don't know. I, this will be another tough vote for me. Cause I do like both. Um, I'm gonna let you guys talk way more. Cause I don't know what else to say, but I, uh, yeah. Hayden, you're bursting over there. I think you need to go second. <laughs> I, well, do I go, do I go third? Because, I, okay. Look, out of all know, the ones, Hayden, out of uh, all the ones are... that have come before, this is the one that I'm like, this is going to hurt. Like, okay. this is... Okay. Mark, do okay. you want to go there? <laughs> I'll yeah. go. I'll go. Okay. Uh, it's kind of perfect, these are matchups, because I'm pretty sure these are the first two Coen Brothers movies I ever saw. Mm. I know perfect. Oh Brother was the first one I ever saw, and I only watched it because I was grounded at the time, so I was only <laughs> allowed to watch whatever my parents were watching. And my dad rented this movie, which he had apparently seen already and didn't care for. But for some reason, he decided to give it another shot. This is now like my dad's favorite movie. Oh, brother, where art thou? And it's one of my favorite movies, too. I think it is hilarious. It is one of the funniest movies ever made. Um, just he said Hayden said God tier. I'm stealing that God tier for all three of the main performers. Like, yes. Oh, my, my favorite, favorite Clooney hands down. Yeah, might be uh, My favorite yeah, yeah. Clooney. He is just, this is like the perfect, like screwball Clooney performance. Like this performance would be right at home in a Howard Hawks film. I'm the goddamn pedophilias. <laughs> From the, at the, op the, one of the first things we see are them uh, chasing after a train, hopping into a box car. Clooney makes it onto the box car. He's looking at these drifters in there and he's like, Hey, any of you boys, Smithies, or if not Smithies per se, where they always train in the metallurgic arts. He's basically asking them, to take the handcuffs off but before he can get an answer the other two have fallen over and they and but because of this he trips and is pulled out of the train it, it's just there's no block there's no pause he is talking and then immediately mid-sentence or, or like right as the sentence is over he is pulled down and out of the train wonderful it slapstick dynamic. it is this slapstick <laughs> dynamic for the next hundred minutes complete with an incredible soundtrack of folk music, bluegrass, old school gospel that like, it like perfectly complements this uh, depression era setting. How like that's, uh, that was like what people turned to, to kind of take their mind off their woes was music. And it's this wonderful story of how they like un unexpectedly become the biggest music sensation in the country or in the area by accident they just happen to record a song for some money and then at the climax all of a sudden everyone knows who they are 
And like the way that we get from point A to point, God, I, I can't talk about this movie without gushing. I love it so much. Um, just everyone is a grade A in it. It's God, it's just one of the funniest things ever. Raising Arizona, another one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. I don't, yep. I'm trying to like kind of bury the lead until we vote, but I feel like that's kind of like hampering how I talk about them. So I might as well just give it away. I don't like it quite as much as I like Oh Brother. Oh boy. But okay. <laughs> it's still like it's still a perfect comedy. Like it's they're they're basically the same movie. They've got the same sensibilities. Uh one of them's a little zanier than the others. Like one of them's got a character who has a uh, Woody Woodpecker tattoo, so that kind of shows you where that movie's heads at. And I think it was really the first signal that these guys are not going to do the same thing twice. They followed up like their incredible neo-noir debut with a fucking Looney Tunes movie. (laughs) And it is perfect in every way. It is Nick Cage is perfect. Holly Hunter is perfect. John Goodman, William Forsyth are perfect. Uh, Tex Cobb is perfect. And Trey Wilson, RIP is perfect. Like he's, talking to the press about his uh abducted son and at the end of this uh briefing he's like dad don't forget still business as usual over down in unpainted arizona if you can can find Uh, a better deal my name ain't nathan arizona what's the line he says whenever the reporter's like sir there any is there any truth to the reports that your baby was snatched by a ufo and he goes oh don't print that my my wife she couldn't take it (laughs) oh oh, if, if my wife read that she'd lose all hope (laughs) <laughs> and also it's another it's like the first movie where you see there's really a heart to them there's not a heart to every movie like obviously burn after reading has a heart it's just fucking black as the <laughs> black yeah it's black as hell but um oh god what was i saying like the, the, end- the heart is the saving grace for from you just being like they are just mocking these characters like by the oh, end of absolutely. it you're like they they are laughing at them but they love them at the same time. they love them yeah it's like the ending of this movie is so beautiful where you're not sure if it's just a like a wishful dream or a premonition like that's mm-hmm. oh god it's just it's so fucking perfect and it's like that final line where it's like Maybe it's Utah. And it's like there, I feel like this is kind of like, you know, it's got a lot in common with a serious man. That's kind of like the accept the mystery of this movie, that line where you that would don't. would be a great, I mean, so many of these would make great double features, but mm-hmm. that would be a great double feature. It'd be an incredible <laughs> double feature, but start with the serious man because. You right. Know. You don't want to end on that note. <laughs> yeah. Or, uh, just, just... or just take maybe it was Utah and put it over the tornado. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, I um, I don't know what else to say about these. I feel there are so many people out there. That's why I'm not great to be. I love the Cohen brothers. I can't talk about them to save my life because I just say the same thing over and over. Yeah, about why'd them. you invite us on here, Matt? <laughs> I was say, you've done a pretty good job so far, guys. It's been these two hours already. Just, done. <laughs> all right, yeah, we gotta hurry up. These are both incredible comedies. I'm gonna pass it on over to Hayden. In, okay. Can I say one thing that I was gonna forgot to mention for East Arizona? I love the score to this movie, and it's yes. Carter Bur- uh, Burwell's the. Carter Burwell's the composer and he works with them almost as much as Roger Deakins I, and I think he's really important to their I think an I, underrated element of their film yeah is the score. and yeah. Matt I don't know if you've noticed this you cannot find the theme anywhere I bought the soundtrack and it's this weird electronic like 
muted kind of Muzak <laughs> version of it. Uh-huh. It is off. I hate it so much. And like you I can only this. find the theme on YouTube, like the yodeling and the banjo, the the like the the Pete Seeger kind of stuff. Yeah, you can yeah. only find it on YouTube, and it's just like infuriating because <laughs> oh God, that music that plays over that final kind of dream montage that's though, it's so what reminded beautiful. me yeah when you said the montage like, oh the music too and i want to mention the music so yeah uh yeah yeah i've inadvertently <laughs> put myself in an awful position where i know i'm going to have to be the tiebreaker yeah and it's so difficult because okay i know i know i'm doing that stupid thing where i'm saying i have seven favorite movies and and, and like honestly there are seven movies out of their filmography where whenever I'm watching them, I'm like, this is my favorite. Yeah. I, that's but, understandable with the Coen brothers. Like it's not like out of the realm of possibility. I think a lot of people right. are like, how do you pick a favorite with the Coen brothers? They've got right. like multiple great movies. <laughs> but if I am picking out of my children here, you know, <laughs> yeah, it is raising Arizona and it is. Oh, brother. Thou. Those are my, those are my favorites. They're my comfort watches. Oh, wow. Okay. Oh, Brother, Where Art Thou was the first Coen Brothers movie I ever saw. Um, like, I remember watching on VHS and just, like, howling. It, it, and beyond beyond just, like, thinking it was funny, I was like, this is, this is like, I, I don't know. This is like watching something transcendental, you know? And, and like, it, um. Um, <laughs> I, can't, I can't even talk about it. So I, I guess I'll go. Oh, brother, first. So, okay. <laughs> oh, brother. Um, like, weirdly, I, I know it has a good reputation, and I know I have a habit of like uh, trying to whatever I like, I try and like downplay how much other people like it. I know I have a bad habit of doing that. I do. Y'all can correct me on this. I do feel like this is kind of overlooked whenever people talk about the best Coen Brothers movies. And I think possibly because most people just see it as like a very popular soundtrack because when it came out, I country was country was, I mean, country's always been big, but in the early two thousands, I feel like this kind of sparked like a new movement in like, bluegrass because yes I it, remember brought this. Allison, yeah. <laughs> it brought up Alison Krauss uh Nickel Creek and the Punch Brothers and all that they all came out of that eventually we got like you know a new folk movement later but like I really feel like this jump started a whole new kind of wave of you know this kind of like CMT music <laughs> you no, know you're, like uh, you're right I'd for- I actually forgot about that because this album the soundtrack was huge and like one this- I think couple yes. grammys and like yeah and like i started and people were like oh bluegrass is hot again because of this soundtrack like, <laughs> right this it had such it a yeah. like the the soundtrack made a bigger cultural like imprint than the than the movie not saying that everybody hated the movie yeah. or anything but <laughs> it kind of like was overshadowed by the music from it but like i mean i, I can't blame it because the soundtrack <laughs> to this is fantastic uh what what y'all have both said about this movie, I completely agree with. Like career best work from nearly everyone in it. Um, I like. I mean, everybody always says like it, it's based on the Odyssey, and you know the the Coen brothers play coy with that, where they're like, you know, we we've never even read the Odyssey, but sure, <laughs> you know. But like even beyond that, it's a great movie about American myth making. Like 
it's got the roots music it's about religion it's a it's like an ode to like vaudeville humor like it's just a three stooges movie it's got the wizard of oz references in there like there's so much americana like on display and above all it's one of the most quotable movies i've ever seen in my life like the coen brothers are so talented they have made several of those you know (laughs) several of the most quotable movies of all time for me personally this is the one i always go back to and okay so that's oh brother warthel raising arizona i actually didn't see when i was younger i didn't see that until uh, 2017 maybe i'd have to check letterbox the first time i rated it but my uh, good friend of mine it's his favorite movie like period bar none just his favorite movie in general and he had talked about it a long time i was like i like the coen brothers and whenever i finally watched all their movies in order it was the first time i watched it and it was just like so invigorating watching it i know it 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 has a reputation for being a lot of young filmmakers favorite movie because it shows you so much uh of what you can do with the camera it's like it's got so much zany energy to it it's a blast and a half and like absolutely i i can't i can't speak against any of that i do think it's a perfect movie and a complete comfort watch there that year the first year that i watched it i would just throw it on every night i watched this movie probably 50 times just like by going to sleep to it like nearly every night because it was I don't even think I was really going through that rough of a period. It was just so, it was just such a (laughs) pleasant movie to watch. Yeah. It was, uh, uh, so what else do I have to say? Do I have to say about it? Um, it is funny because as much as they're, you know, and y'all spoke to this as well, as much as blood simple is like an out of the gate, like we, you know, we're here to prove ourselves this is like a second first movie in a way because it's so different and it's just like, Oh yeah. And we can also do all this. (laughs) (laughs) And I, I have put myself in an awful position here because I think I know where this is going to come down to. I you're voting last, by the way, (laughs) you have to vote. last. Yeah. (laughs) I'm glad. I'm glad we're getting this out of the way now because I foresee this as being the hardest decision I have to make this whole time. Yeah. That, I could I was, be wrong. I could be wrong. <laughs> I could eat my words, but I mean, I love both these movies to death. So a couple um, things I was going to say, you reminded me of that about whole, this is a lot of like young filmmakers favorite movie. Isn't this like one of Edgar Wright's like top five favorite movies? Yes. I feel like, and it makes sense for Edgar Wright in the stuff he's made. I thought it was funny. If you said that. Cause that I think I saw, his list of favorite movies and it was in like his top five and i was at the time i wasn't as in love with the raising arizona and i was like really raising arizona and now i completely get it i don't know what i was thinking at the time but i was like oh that makes sense um and you're so right this the, the first two movies they make i feel like lay the blueprint almost for the rest of their career of like we can do hard edge noir or we can do kind of wacky absurd comedy right. and they do other things but i'm saying like those two movies right off the bat are like these are two things we can do really well. <laughs> like, mm-hmm. and they continue to do both and add them throughout their career. But it's just so funny they come out the gate with those two movies. And then Miller's Crossing is completely different than the mm-hmm. first of these two movies. It's it's amazing. Uh so um, I guess we should vote. <laughs> this is gonna be so tough. Mark, do you want to vote first? Uh sure, I've already given it away, but yeah, both great movies, but I gotta go with Oh Brother. Like it is genuinely one of my favorite movies of all time. I, I got to say Raising Arizona, 
because it I love how much heart it has because it's like it's it's a different experience any other Coen Brothers movie for me and it's becoming like one of my favorite movies of all time the more I watch it I'm like yeah okay I love this movie and it it hits it again it's really unfair for me because I've only seen a brother Arthur one time and I liked it but I've lived with raising Arizona longer and it hit me in such more an emotional way than a brother brother Arthur was fun but it's like Raising Arizona hits me like in an emotional way, like unlike any Coen Brothers movie. Raising so, Arizona has a very emotional ending. <laughs> so I got to yeah. I got to go Raising Arizona. So, hey, I'm sorry. It does come down to you. <laughs> I, I will say. There's another on this movie or there's a what? There's another movie <laughs> on this list that could prove me wrong. But I will say Raising Arizona is the funniest movie, in my opinion, just that I've ever seen. I laugh so hard every time i watch it there are so many scenes that will live in my brain long after it's deteriorated (laughs) from from old age like i mean i will i will remember the the huggies diapers uh uh robbery long after i've forgotten my grandchildren like no (laughs) i'm sorry but but like uh there is such a deadpan quality to Nicholas Nicholas Cage's face in this movie is the funniest thing I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> I I just think whenever like he's calling out for Holly Hunter and then he hears a gunshot and he just turns around and looks at the at the window <laughs> where the the uh, salesperson's shooting at him. His face, whatever the the other grocery store guy is shooting at him with the shotgun, and he just looks like a sad puppy dog, like. <laughs> The uh, the entire scene where his boss comes to visit and they're in the uh and they're they're in his kitchen and his kids are like uh writing fart and crayon on his wall, destroying oh, yeah. everything. The one kid's like spraying his groin with like uh with water. He's like, <laughs> hey, <laughs> keep away from Mr. McDonough's car. Just, oh, and, and then it just hard cuts to <laughs> they're just like destroying his car. Daddy, uh, daddy, Mr. McDonough wet himself, daddy. Uh, I do want to say one more uh, thing about the like the the Huggies robbery. <laughs> the stroke of genius in that whole scene is the like the bunch of dogs that are just chasing. <laughs> oh yeah, because we leave. Just... We they, he runs through the house. The cops chase him through the house, and then we like see them him and the co- <laughs> the cops chasing him for a few more seconds, and then we randomly cut back to the house, and the fucking dogs are just running through the house. There's a scene in there's a scene in the Dario Argento uh, Tenebrae movie that is sort of like this, where like it's a chase scene with a dog that just gets crazier and crazier. But like I had I hadn't seen Raising Arizona yet, so whenever I saw Raising Arizona, it is just so funny how things pile on top of each other uh, (laughs) throughout that scene. That all of that being said, I kind of I, I I'm going to take what you said, Matt, because personally while i do think raising arizona is the funniest movie i have ever seen in my life and it does get me in the feels by the end of it i feel so much watching oh brother art though like i mean not only do i think that movie gives greater face than any other movie like everyone <laughs> in that movie is mugging that, yeah and it's so <laughs> funny not only do i think oh brother art though is so funny i just love it so much as I love it on so many different levels. So it it really pains me to say it, but I have to vote Oh Brother Warthow. I do not feel good about it at all. 
but like oh boy uh-huh. i mean i guess i feel a little good about it because i love my <laughs> brother Barthel, but like uh-huh. that was i i feel comfortable saying it's the most difficult decision i'm gonna make all day okay <laughs> maybe in my entire life fair life. <laughs> fair enough i kind of why did you make that a round one what, I didn't why that did was, you make that around that was letterbox that's how the seeds fell i didn't uh i didn't do it i wouldn't have put it together because i was looking at that thinking oh no i think raising arizona trouble in the first round like it should not be in trouble in the first round it's going to be um <laughs> okay well that's okay i knew there'd be some i'm sorry i'm sorry matt because <laughs> jesus i love that movie so much i knew there'd be some some heartbreaking moments and it's okay it's all right so the number I mean, seven on the seed, bright side it's yeah. gonna be easier from here on out that's true you you think i mean <laughs> So you think oh, uh, God. <laughs> it might get harder. I don't know. Um, okay. Oh, brothers moving forward. We're almost through the first round of this bracket. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is gonna be interesting. Cause I know Mark really likes one of these movies. Um, especially I, know which, both these I know which one you're talking about. Number three seed is the big Lebowski. The number 14 seed is the Hudsucker proxy. Oh, fuck you. <laughs> yeah. This is a hard one for Mark. This is Mark's. So this is Mark's there. raising Arizona. Oh, brother, brother, Mark. brother right there. Oh boy. Okay, Mark, you can go I last think, on this I don't one. Know. You can go last yes. on this one. No, Hayden, I'll, I'll, I'll go first. You want to go first? Thing. Okay. <laughs> it's not. Here's the thing. It's not hard. It just hurts to okay. have to kick yeah. one of them out, but I know exactly which one it is. Oh, that because makes I can't. Sad. <laughs> I wanted to try and dance around this, but like to like keep the rest of it in suspense. But I don't think there's any way for me to talk about this without revealing it. The Big Lebowski is my favorite Coen Brothers movie. I oh, think okay. it okay. is the best comedy ever made. It's the funniest movie I've ever seen. This it, was the one that that I was like, it might be Lebowski over Arizona, but yeah, it I have close. no idea. Yeah. <laughs> we were recently talking about like I don't know what my favorite movie is, guys. I'm trying to get you guys to help me figure out what my favorite movie is because <laughs> I can't hand pick one. This is a definite contender. I. I have a history with this movie. When I first saw it, my dad rented it because he'd heard a story about like, you know, it's kind of a growing cult classic and he's a big fan of uh, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? And we watched it and neither one of us. <laughs> I just, I hate that you have Hudsucker playing in the background right now. This is the scene with Saberdance playing. And so, <laughs> so... Oh, oh yeah, we'll be talking about that in a moment. Anyways, but for the kids. Uh, yeah. Oh God. No. Oh, um, Big Lebowski. Yet neither one of us really cared for it on my on our first viewing, but I had a friend who watched it and really liked it, and he liked it more and more with each viewing, and he convinced me to watch it again. And I eventually, I just bought it. My my, my dad bought it for me. I don't know why. Maybe because I'd seen it once before. I'd seen little clips of it at my friend's house, and I was like, oh, that movie's actually kind of funny. And I watched it, and I liked it. And I kept watching it and I kept liking it more and more until it became like one of those movies that's just ingrained in my memory. Like a lot of their movies are that, but particularly this one. And just, the, it is such a specific, like it is, the comedy is so, it's broad and yet it's so specific. Like yeah. I genuinely cannot understand or explain why I think this movie is as good as it is. But I think it's just fucking perfect. Oh, God. What was I about to say for it? Um, one thing that didn't help that first viewing is like, I already felt like it was interminable. The back of the DVD said it was like 90 minutes. I'm like, okay, we don't have that much more time. 
Uh, turns out, I think this is a little bit of cheeky Cohen humor. The movie's an hour and 55 minutes, and the back of the case only says 90. And I think they're just playing tricks on those of us who check the time on the back of the box. <laughs> uh, so yeah, if, you, if, that's, if you're the person who does that like me, you are in, I think everyone at this point checks the length of movies they watch at home. Yeah. I don't know if yeah. like anytime it's streaming, I don't know if they list the fake length or the real length. I was going to say, uh, I wish they could do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, I just, there is something so Cohen-esque about taking like a Raymond Chandler-esque uh, detective story. I say that like I'm a Chandler expert. I've never read or seen any <laughs> uh, Chandler stories or adaptations, but that's what everyone always says. The said. Cohen the brothers Chan- may not have either. <laughs> yeah. Listen to, listen to them. But it's basically like this Chandler-esque uh, mystery filtered through the hazy view of this stoner who's like just lives on the outskirts, has no interest in partaking in society. It's just happy coasting through life, uh, you know, getting high, drinking white Russians and bowling with his uh, uh, obnoxious Vietnam vet buddy. And I think it's the... It's the ultimate hangout movie. I love oh, these characters so much. <laughs> and it's just like the, the interactions between these characters are so brilliant. They're so specific. But like the way that uh, just everyone, everyone has their own unique voice. Like Donnie just occasionally chimes in with like something that's not completely related to what they're talking about or something that they've like move past and walter's just like shut the fuck up donnie (laughs) because and walter's like on his own like usually angry path of like trying to bully his way through a conversation and like taking over and he like convinces himself that uh bunny has kidnapped herself and he is so steadfast that he agrees that he like decides to put her life in his hands and like throw out a ringer and oh my god i can't again it's one of those i can't talk when he, about when he bails and the gun just shoots his own car and blows oh, out yeah. the tire <laughs> one of the funniest things i've ever seen in my life. there are so many random lines in this movie i i have a feeling i know which way this one's gonna go so i don't want to say everything now but like in like the, when they're interrogating Larry Sellers, son of Arthur Digby Sellers, the fictional writer of a real TV show, <laughs> he's just like they've got such different methods of interrogation. Walter's just asking him, "Is this your homework, Larry?" And the dude's trying to ask him like different questions. And after the final, it's "Is this your homework, Larry?" He's like, "We know it's his fucking homework," <laughs> and he's just like, "They're gonna cut your dick off, Larry." <laughs> It is so funny. It has. I a, need oh. to. I need to rewatch this immediately. After oh, I, I was it thinking was, the same thing. Actually, I, this is one of the. There are a handful of movies that I love so much. I can watch them again. Like the, the second they're over. Long. Yeah. I can. Yeah. Like this is one of those movies I can watch two or three times in a week when I watch right. it. Right. It's funny. It's almost two hours long. It doesn't feel like it should be two hours. It's like a ninety-minute hangout movie, but. Uh, it's oh my god! It's so much let fun. Me, Sorry, let Mark. Let me yeah. talk about Hudsucker quickly. Because oh yeah, um, I don't want to. Obviously, I know you love Hudsucker. <laughs> I know you guys aren't going to have much to say about this one. I adore. This is one of those weird things where, like, I I can't take it away from you. Clearly, you love Lebowski, but in my brain, out of these two, Hudsucker is the Mark movie, right? Well, that's because we did I, a podcast on it with Lindsay. That might we've be- <laughs> talked about this before. My favorite movies I have talked about and thought about so much in my life that 
they just kind of like they fade into the back of my head until I'm like in a mood to talk about them or watch them. Hudsucker is a movie that's slowly grown on me. So when I first saw it, I was very much like you guys. Like, it's a good movie. I admire it. There's really nothing special. I uh, I can see why it's kind of uh, one of their less popular movies. I did have the privilege of um, they've had a couple of Coen Brothers marathons here at the Draft House, and I've gone to both of them. In both cases, I actually showed up late and had to miss the first movie. I wonder if that's some like coincidence or some Coen-esque like fate. I don't know. Anyway, uh, at the second marathon, one of the movies they showed was Hudsucker. And I think it's the comment. One of the things we're talking about Carter Burwell, hearing his score at the opening as it like crescendos over the credits on those speakers. It was almost like a religious experience. I'm like, oh my God, this movie is wonderful. And then it just proceeded to play like gangbusters. And I think this is one of the one of the common criticisms of Coen's are that they like they make fun of old movies and their tropes. And there's an element of that, but I cannot watch this movie and think that they don't love the movies that they're riffing on. Like this is clearly the product of people who genuinely love old Hollywood screwball comedies and want to replicate that feeling in a mo- with some modern sensibilities. And it's um, the way they capture that feeling, I think is perfect. Like the rapid fire dialogue between uh, Jennifer Jason Lee, probably my biggest crush in a Coen Brothers movie, honestly, is her uh, character whose name I'm having a little trouble remembering, but she's the way that she captures that Catherine Hepburn, Rosalind Russell energy is like so perfect to me. And the way she plays off of Tim Robbins kind of like uh, idiot character who is who speaks like half the speed of everyone else in the room. It's just perfect. I love the um, oh, it's the kind of Copra-esque. It's like it's kind of riffing on Hawks. It's riffing on Copra and like it's got a very kind of like happy, I, I say Capra like I'm an expert on the guy. I've only seen It's a Wonderful Life, but like the oh, like the feeling of joy Capricorn. you get at the end of uh, It's a Wonderful Life, like that's close, that's like close to the feeling I get at the end of the Hudsucker Proxy. I am just so happy for these characters. And, oh God, it's just, it's a wonderful movie. That's all I can say. I, um, I'm sad we're not going to be talking about it. I wish it was going up against intolerable cruelty. But uh, who made these pairings? <laughs> letterbox, not my fault. <laughs> I have to um, insist it's not my fault. Blame Letterbox as I always do. Look, these uh, are, <laughs> we're talking about Hayden's keeps saying he has like seven favorite Coen Brothers movies. Obviously, I just said Big Lebowski is my absolute favorite, but they're like. The reason they're my favorite directors, they have like more five-star movies, I think, than any other director in their filmography. Like up oh, yeah. there, like with my favorite directors, like I think Tarantino has a five-star filmography. Nolan has an almost five-star filmography. And like proportion, like they probably have a proportional number of five-star films in their filmography. And for me, this these are definitely two of them. Right. I Rest in peace, Hudsucker. I wish I wish you well, but this is the last time we'll be talking about you. We've, that's that's all I got. Yeah, we've really I'll buried just, the, the again. I did a, I did a whole <laughs> podcast on the Hudsucker proxy last year. If anyone wants to hear me talk about it more, listen to that. <laughs>
That's the reason I finally second. watched it. So yeah. I'll, Hell I'll yeah. go second. I'll go second. Okay. <laughs> okay. So I'm uh, not going to say much on uh, big uh, on Lebowski at this time. Uh, uh, again, whenever I said, spoke earlier, I said, I think Raising Arizona is the funniest movie I've ever seen. The only other movie I can think of right now that would give it a run for its money is the big Lebowski. I, the perfect hangout movie, the possibly the easiest movie to just throw on and watch of like any movie ever made. Um, uh, I The one thing is like, much like everyone else, the first time I saw it, I was like, what? And, and then just, because it feels like an inside joke that you're not in on. And then yeah. <laughs> one day, like the key to it is just one day it just clicks and you're just sort of like, oh, it can't be explained to you. You just kind of <laughs> vibe with it one day and then you never look back and you're just like, oh, okay. Yeah, I'm in the club now. Um, so that, uh, okay. So this one hurts because not the choice I have to make, but like just admitting there is no movie of their filmography that I want to like more than I do than Hudsucker Foxy. I've only watched it a few times. It is yet to click with me. I I admire it, not in the way of like I I feel about Barton Fink, where I'm just like, oh yes, yes, very, very interesting. <laughs> like, like I admire it on a on a just a craft level. I, I'm just like, wow, this is an incredibly made movie. And unfortunately, I just don't find it funny. Like I I I I enjoy watching it because I love the way it looks and I love the way it moves, but I don't like the way it feels if that makes sense i i i just kind of come to it or come away from it really cold um that being said the the like genuinely i love that it looks like a billion dollars like i love that it looks like the biggest movie ever made i love that this when they had when they were approached by joel silver to make their big studio debut this is the movie that they thought was going to be like, <laughs> this was their, this was the movie they thought this yeah. is our surefire way to the top. This yeah. fifth, this 50 set movie about uh, the invention of the hula hoop. <laughs> also, that, that also features yeah. <laughs> like a literal battle between an angel and a demon at the end in a fucking clock tower. It's wild. I didn't expect that when I first watched it. Uh, it's like, <laughs> they expect to end up where we ended up. Um, yeah, sorry, hey, I don't want to cut you off. I didn't want to. No, I, I'm, I'm. That's, that's really all I have to say. I'm keeping yeah. it short. I hate to like kind of bury the vote, but uh, <laughs> Big Lebowski's, you know, it sounds like it's gonna be fine. But uh, so I, <laughs> I saw Mark was doing an episode of Hudsucker Proxy with Lindsay, and I was like, well, you know, finally watch it. I listen to the episode, and uh, I really liked it. Again, a situation where it's like lesser Cohen Brothers is what I heard, and then I'm like, this is fucking great. If this is lesser, yeah. if this is lesser Cohen. It's like it's like this is like one of your bottom movies, and you're in really good shape. And I get that it's probably everyone's cup of tea. It's a very specific flavor. <laughs> like, um, I really appreciate like the weirdness of it. I love what you said about how it looks like it costs so much money. It looks like this big movie. I love the way that it's shot, and that building is so like what's the word imposing. It just like looks like a. It almost feels like a weird superhero movie in a weird way. Like the, it the, the, looks does, like yeah. it looks like either the Empire State Building or the Chrysler Building. Yeah, it's, it's probably so... not either, but I haven't confirmed because it doesn't have the like 
the spire at the top yeah. that both of those buildings have. It has this just big look and feel to it, but it's so weirdly specific about making the hula hoop. And I feel like it's got some stuff to say about how like stupid corporations are and capitalism, <laughs> which I appreciate. The mail, the mail room is legit horrifying. Like, right. Legit yeah, yeah. Like, they have, they take a moment of silence to honor uh, wearing Hudsucker played by Oh Brothers Charles Durning, by the way. Oh, Incredible yeah. actor. Also from the Stranger Calls movies. <laughs> yeah, stupid shum bitch. <laughs> and, uh, and and after... the, the evil mailman from Dark Knight of the Scarecrow. Oh, boy. Oh, yeah. yeah. That has to be mentioned. <laughs> and after they take their moment of silence, there's an announcement like, this moment has been noted and will be docked from your paycheck. <laughs> <laughs> oh, like, it nails also, it. One, I, one more thing I want to mention yeah. just before I forget it is, um, like, I'm going to be cutting up people off a lot. Let me have Hudsucker. I'll cut no, people no, off this is Hudsucker. Yeah, he, cut me um, off on Hudsucker. <laughs> the, the montage of his rise to the top after he, uh, when Paul Newman's trying to find a, uh, like a dunce to, to promote to the head of the company and he considers him but decides not to and then he almost falls out the window. He does fall out the window. <laughs> it's such a, it's like it's the a family most guy esque part of this movie where he's <laughs> holding him by the pants and he's like, pants! <laughs> and he remembers telling his tailor, like, all I need is one stitch. And the pants start to rip. And then it cuts <laughs> back again. And the tailor's like, for a memory that Paul Newman doesn't even have. He wasn't <laughs> right. present for this. He's like, you know what? He's such a nice customer. I'm well, going to give him a double that, stitch. That's the thing. He's not He's not even like, oh. I'll just have the one stitch. He's like, he's like, huh, trying to trying to weasel in on me, huh? Like, he's like, <laughs> like no, and then you're after not hiding that, anything past me. I, I, I'm just going to get the one stitch. After yeah. that, we see his rise to the top in a montage of people just laughing. The camera yeah. just pans from one person laughing, like <laughs> people laughing and smoking cigars. And we go from him having saved Paul Newman to him in a barbershop to him being uh, suited up to him in the fucking office still laughing. And it is such a specific, it is such a specific bit of comedy that works perfectly for my me. baby takes the morning train <laughs> it's so good i uh i'm glad you have it on the background like we can see it on mark's uh screen he's playing it and that montage played and i was like that's a great montage like as it was happening like a few minutes oh, ago good. um this is i mean god it, it's so crazy to me this again this is a lower rated covers it's such a well-made movie like it's so good and uh and I, Mike Scott told me this. Now you guys might know more. Sam Raimi has a co-writing credit, but Mike says yes. he that he think or oh, if he thinks or he heard that Sam Raimi basically wrote the whole script and the Coen Brothers kind of like punched it up or it wasn't. It, he made it sound like it wasn't all three. Then it was mostly Sam Raimi's script, and they kind of added some things. Or I don't know if you guys know about that. All Maybe, I know is yeah. that all it said in the book was that they wrote it together while they uh, they were while the Coens were visiting L.A. trying to sell Blood Simple. It didn't say anything about who wrote most of it. What okay. I will say is it's it was their first movie with a second unit director, and that second unit director was Sam Raimi. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> I was gonna say it has a Raimi feel again. Like, um, I, I love Jennifer Jason Lee. I think I've seen people criticize her performance in this, but I love Jennifer Jason Lee in this. I love what she's doing. Like that, uh, that Hepburn thing you mentioned. Yeah. I, I mean, will say after yeah. watching movies like his girl Friday and bringing up baby, I only have a deeper appreciation for that performance. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a blast. I think it's a zany fun movie that's super well-made. Um, but 
I mean, I'll just start voting. It's versus Big Lebowski. I'll say more Big Lebowski in next round. Like I got it's it is one of the funniest movies I've ever seen. It gets funnier the more you see it. I feel like because Big Lebowski just has all these little things in it and just. Um, I'll talk more about it in the next round, but goddamn, I'm sorry. In the next round, we have to go by and say our the funniest thing from the movie. Oh, okay. I've got mine locked and loaded. So um, I hope it's not the same thing, but like I I have mine too. <laughs> I have no idea what mine is. So, Mark, are you you're voting Big Lebowski? Obviously, I'm voting Big Lebowski. Yeah, like I, Big like Lebowski. I said, yeah. it's Big Lebowski. Okay, okay. So sorry, Hudsucker Proxy. I feel like we give a lot of respect. So it's like, but uh, the three seed Big Lebowski is moving on. Okay. No, actually, not the last matchup, but almost there. <laughs> the sixth seed is Miller's Crossing versus the eleventh seed, which is the man who wasn't there. So, okay. <laughs> I know y'all just want to y'all just want to keep moving. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even know. This is a tough one for me. I don't know about you. I don't know. Oh, you feel, really? Yeah, I don't know how you guys feel about these movies. I. Uh, uh, I'll. I'll wait. Who went first last? Time? I, don't I went first last. Oh time. yeah. I'll go, I'll go for. I'll go first this time. Uh, because this isn't very difficult for me. Uh, much like Hudsucker, I went into a rewatch for there's I only got a chance to rewatch a few Coen Brothers movies before we did this. And uh, I mainly want to do the ones that I couldn't nail down my feelings for them. One of them was one was Hudsucker, one was Man Who Wasn't There. And unfortunately, in the case of both of them, my my opinion didn't change whenever, oh, okay. whenever I rewatched them. <laughs> I I I appreciate the man who wasn't there a little bit more. The weird thing is, I just don't know how I feel about it. Like I like it. I think it's a very interesting movie. Just something about it doesn't quite click for me. Like I think it's gorgeous. I think it's one of the best looking movies of theirs which is saying a lot because right, so yeah, many of their movies yeah. look amazing <laughs> um it's pretty cool just seeing them do a straightforward like small town noir movie you know uh, that's that's interesting but with enough like you know cerebral stuff they're not, everything with the ufos is very interesting uh really fun to like think about and puzzle over like oh you know are they are they are they talking about the insignificance of man and the vastness of the universe? What, what, what are they saying with this kind of stuff? Um, the biggest problem I have with the movie is that the whole thing, from the title on down, everything in the movie is telling you Billy Bob Thornton is a void. He's a nothing. He's he's just taking up space. Like that's basically <laughs> all he's doing. I love the idea of that, but the cinch, but like the kickoff of the movie is like. He gets him. He gets like taken by a, by like a huckster. Yeah. And why would he ever go into business with this guy? Like, I mean, like Billy Bob Thornton's character has no ambition. Like, he's just fine being a barber in, in the small town. Like, my favorite part of the movie. <laughs> one of my favorite parts of any of their movies is whenever he's having a, an internal monologue, the, the the voiceover in this movie is really good. Like the narration yeah, is really yeah. good. Uh, you know, standard noir stuff, but like they really nail it. Clearly these guys have read some books and most of the books I think they've read in their <laughs> lives are noir because like they're able to do it justice. But like one of my favorite moments of any of their movie is he is uh, 
providing narration about like how he and his wife met. Mm-hmm. And then mid sentence, he gets a phone call. The narration <laughs> stops. He drives across town. He meets James Gandolfini. There's a scuffle. Something crazy happens. He drives all the way back to his house and then picks up back his narration immediately where he left off as yeah. if nothing happened. <laughs> and I, yeah. I love that moment. I love that the guy's a zero, like absolutely no drip, no swag. Like just, a, <laughs> just like literally just less than zero, but the, the central, it, it makes the, it makes the movie sort of like, I, I'm sort of puzzling over why, because I'm like it, the the motivation makes no sense to me uh, maybe it doesn't bother people as much as it bothers me but i i'm just sort of like well you know whatever and we're having to make decisions here right and the other movie was miller's crossing <laughs> yeah i'm sorry i'm gonna be annoying again another favorite <laughs> whenever whenever i'm thinking about miller's crossing whenever i'm watching it i'm like shit man uh raising <laughs> raising arizona what oh brother Arthur, who? no no but i think Miller's Crossing is like a a beautiful movie on every level. I I I mean I think it's aesthetically gorgeous. I, I'm saying the same damn things. Uh, I even took <laughs> notes. I'm saying the same damn things about every movie. Um, I think this is the first movie while while you get the M.M. at Walsh character in Blood Simple, while you get uh, definitely some interesting uh you know a, a very unique and quirky uh language or play on language in raising arizona um this is the movie where it is like language first you know yeah. like Lewis yeah. crossing is all about this this language that they created essentially like there there are so many little um code names for everything but it's you know it's delivered in such a way i Personally, I'm never lost watching it, and I get lost very easily watching movies. I, and even I'm able, able to keep up. Um, and I just think it's like one of the to 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 borrow a description from uh, someone Mark and I know, uh, one of the most beautiful movies about friendship. But I mean it genuinely. <laughs> like, uh, I, fun I think fact the, about that guy: he only says that because I once told him I love movies about friendship, so he just oh, uses okay. that to sell oh, okay. me on things. He tried to sell us with Nail and I with that description, and we were like, "What?" But, it, <laughs> but I, I think Miller's Crossing is one of my favorite movies about friendship, and I think it's like beautifully melancholic, and my favorite collaboration between them and Sam Raimi. I love seeing that little guy get shot up. <laughs> oh interesting okay i think miller's crossing has such a cool atmosphere um it's like in, i get invigorated watching it like it it's it's not in, it's not like an imposing it's a serious movie but it's not right. imposing to me i i think it's pretty fun and the well, because it's a serious a gangster villain. movie with a running gag involving a gangster's fat kid yeah <laughs> i i love whatever he's like he's like Tom, you like kids? And Tom's looking at the kids like, no. <laughs> <He's just> like, <laughs> uh, so oh. I love Miller's Crossing. So y- y'all okay. know where I stand on this. Uh, yeah, it sounds like it. I'm, I'm curious now. Uh, Mark, your thoughts on these two movies? 
I wish I'd had a chance to rewatch The Man Who Wasn't There. I've already seen it a few times, so I kind of know my stance on it. I'm kind of with Hayden. I I really like the movie. It's a yeah. very well crafted uh, noir throwback. They're they're good about these like kind of throwback movies. Um, I know but, I was sounded negative on it, but I I like the movie. I like the movie. Yeah, it's just there's something about being with a nothing character that's fascinating, but it's not always entertaining or necessarily engaging. And that kind of can put you at a distance, mainly when compared to the other films in this filmography. There are so many more engaging and energetic films that you are always on board with that this, it just feels like a strange world, a strange headspace to step into. But it is still... I mean, it's still very Cohen-esque. It's got this really twisty thriller plot, ultimately very tragic when you think about where the story and like where everything leads based on where the reasoning for where it started. It is very sad, very tragic. Mm-hmm. And uh, I love the like weirdness integrated into it, like the uh, the UFO subplot, which I get, right. like, um, <laughs> like Bart, not as much as Barton Fink, but like, is this taking place in his head or is this actually happening? The reading <laughs> I always took from the UFOs is like, this guy just feels this, this. That's just a metaphor for the fact that this guy feels like an alien in the world he inhabits. Yeah. That's how I took and, it. Yeah. Yeah. But like, the more I think about it, like, it'd be kind of cool if there were actual aliens influencing the events in this movie. Uh, but okay. Uh, I don't want to say anything, but you should <laughs> definitely watch a show that, uh, shares a name with one of the Coen Brothers movies. Oh, okay. Uh, I know which season you're talking about of that show because I have watched a couple episodes. Interesting, okay. Because the, the, the first few episodes of, of season two of that show are like, they're, they're very much playing it metaphorically. It is that thing where it's like, oh, you know, where do we stand in the vastness of the universe? Are, are, are we just ants, you know, to, to whatever is out there? And then it... I'm not going to say anything. But I'm definitely more, I mean, I've already been sold on that show because I've seen a handful of episodes really like them, but I Fucking definitely amazing like, show. Yeah. I am pumped to uh, get onto that show now. Um, so yeah, Man Who Wasn't There, I think it's uh, I think it's a very good example of a Coen Brothers movie. And if you watch that without like, if you just casually watch that, you're not watching it as a Coen Brothers movie or comparing it to their other movies, you're going to be like, this is incredible. This is a great movie. Uh, Billy Bob's great. Francis McDormand's great. Just everyone. Tony Shalhoub just walks yes. into this movie halfway through. <laughs> My God, and he's so good in that walks movie. Walks away with it. That was actually one complaint I had about Barton Fink. Great movie, but I feel like Tony Shalhoub in Barton Fink is like he fe- the the kind of like the fast talk, he was kind in of old school character. <laughs> yeah he kind of feels a little more forced than that character type normally does in their movies. So that was a problem with that one. But um, yeah, man who wasn't there. It's a very good movie. Miller's crossing uh, is a much better movie. It's um, I, that was the, I think that's the last Coen brothers movie that I, that was the last one I had to watch that I hadn't seen unless you're counting the short in Parisia tame or anything like that. Um, and God, Miller's Crossing is just wonderful. <laughs> I it's uh I think after a few viewings that could climb into like my top favorites of their filmography because it's just they've got so many great ones. But Hayden said it, it's a beautiful story about friendship. It's a really uh like it's this sad uh, 
God, what's the word I'm looking? Prohibition era gangster film that's also really funny. Mm. <laughs> a, the scene where they attempt to assassinate Albert Finney and he's like a fucking tank just walking <laughs> after these guys, not giving up. <laughs> or when uh, he's just like a tank walking after Gabriel Byrne, it just keeps punching him. Like it is such a funny movie for like such a particular, like for the genre that it's emulating, it is surprisingly funny. Right. And um, if I have one complaint about it, I think because it's the last Coen Brothers movie I saw, I can, um, and I am like so familiar with like how they tell stories. That's the one where I sometimes feel myself being manipulated by the kind of like coincidental nature of the plot. I'm like, Mm. wait a minute, these guys are trying to surprise me, but it's not really (laughs) a complaint because it's still, it works. The story works and it's a great story, but I don't know. I can't get out of, I can't fully get that element out of my head when I watch. And I think that's the one thing that's keeping it from uh, being in that kind of upper echelon. But I only ever really think about that after I watch the movie, like while I'm watching it, I'm like, God, this this is just incredible. Mm. Wow. All right. um, Those are my thoughts. Okay. I feel like uh, this is probably very interesting. I, I is man on the who? Oh, man, it wasn't there. It might be my Hudsucker proxy because really, wow. yes, I watched both of these movies for the first time for this show. I not seen Miller's Crossing or Man Who Wasn't There. I'm going to make a bold claim. I think I think Man Who Wasn't There is the most underrated Coen Brothers movie. I think it's I amazing. Could, I would love. I mean, like <laughs> I, I, I could, I could understand where you're coming from. I well, my, and, my most yeah. underrated is Hudsucker proxy. They, so it's so, yeah, definitely your Hudsucker proxy. And, on the other, this is so interesting. This is the matchup. And so I, I think I'm way overrating or to myself. I'm, I like man. It wasn't there more than most people. Miller's crossing left me kind of cold. I didn't really love Miller's crossing and I expected to, <laughs> to love it. And really? it's, I don't know what the hell happened. Cause I'm like, Oh, this is going to be, I'm See, I love think it. it's such a warm movie. Like I, yeah, I, don't I, I love it. Oh, I'm listen. I'm baffled as you guys. If I was here going, man, it wasn't there. The main protagonist is an empty void. The coldest movie they've made. <laughs> the coldest movie they've ever made. And I, I'm not. It's not a war movie, but I'm fascinated by this movie because it's yeah. so weird and specific. And Fair. Billy Bob Thornton is a empty, yeah, an empty void of a human being who just exists. And yeah, he just wants to open a fucking dry cleaning shop. Like that's like he's a barber who's like, I'm gonna open it's a dry all cleaner. chemicals. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he goes to get that money for. If he gets, it's just all like, you know, things going wrong and, uh, um, you know, just all these bad circumstances happening to him. But it's like he doesn't even react. And it's funny you brought this up as a joke earlier. But I'm thinking of uh, Camus the Stranger. Yeah, no, <laughs> I mean douchebag. When I bring up absolutely. that book, that book I read that book is really short because uh, I'm a moron. So I was like, I'll read this short book that makes me seem smart. But. Uh, about a character who just things happen to him and he doesn't seem to care or react at all like a human being would. And mm-hmm. Billy Bob Thornton, all these horrible things happen to him. Um, where the story ends up is very similar to The Stranger um, in, a, in a way that's like, well, this is really dark and messed. And it's just, I don't know. I was fascinated by this following this guy who's not anything special at all. And like, but it's amazing how good Billy Bob Thornton is at playing an empty shell of a human being. Cause it's like, you think there, it's like, well, what am I going to perform? It's this guy's like a nothing guy. And um, I thought he was just really good. It's, it's hard to describe. Like I was very sucked. It looks beautiful. The black and white cinematography, like a true, like they're another spin on noir. 
um that ufo subplot is so weird it's so subtle you might be able to miss it the first time <laughs> like mm-hmm. well i, like, I think what? one of my favorite yeah. scenes because it comes out of nowhere he's just like it's just the noir and he's visited by uh gandolfini's widow one yeah. night and she just starts talking to him about aliens one and of the creepiest scenes yeah, yeah. it's shot it's like so a creepy. horror movie the way it's so creepy the way it's lit that's almost <laughs> it, a very yeah. lynchian scene yes it, yes it's great yes mark exactly. and it makes it's... so much sense that this movie shared the palm door with uh Mulholland drive oh my god oh my god right, it did wow what yeah. a double uh so i don't know i was completely floored by man it was i was blown away by man it wasn't there i was like this is in a career of like masterpieces this is one i think is up there and one that people don't talk about nearly enough and then miller's crossing thought it was very well made thought it was very good just left me kind of cold and i don't even mm. know what to say about it as we're sitting here talking about it i'm like um because it was one of the ones i watched like probably the longest ago and i'm sitting here like what to say about miller's crossing like you guys said enough well, don't bother go. with the criterion man Okay. I know I kept the old, uh, the old Blu-ray. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's so interesting that you guys are talking about it. I'm like, Oh, I'm completely opposite from these guts on this. So, wow. um, yeah, I don't know. I think man, it wasn't there as like, it was the absolute total surprise of this Cohen brothers rewatch. Cause I'd never seen it. Didn't quite know what to expect and was just like blown away by it. And, um, yeah. And Miller's crossing. I definitely need to watch again. Cause I only watched the once. And I think I, maybe, yeah. maybe they were too high. I think. Cause I thought, I was like, yeah. I'm going to love this. This is going to be, you know, this is going to be right. a slam dunk. Um, it has great scenes. The scene in the woods, the climax is great. Uh, like, I don't know. There's just a lot of good stuff that just for some reason when it was over, I think I expected more. I, I don't know. Mm-hmm. But it sounds like it might be moving on. <laughs> so, right. yeah, I mean, if you guys are good, that's all I had to say. We can vote. Uh, I mean, yeah. I'm going to vote for man who wasn't there. But I, I think that's I, I love that you're voting for man who wasn't there. <laughs> yeah. If I voted uh, for Lady Killers, you should feel right to vote for man who wasn't there. Yeah. I'll vote um, for uh, Miller's Cross. Okay, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Mark. sorry, Matt, but That's I got to okay. vote uh, man. Oh, Jesus Christ. I almost whoa, said whoa, whoa, whoa. <laughs> Lock it in, lock it in. Lock it. <laughs> Didn't say it the whole time. Yeah, I, so I got to go Miller's Cross. Okay, okay. So number six seed, Miller's Crossing advances. Man who wasn't crossing. <laughs> <laughs> You know what? I'm happy I got to talk about Man Who Wasn't There and, and fight for it a little bit. It is fun to kind of like even fight for it. You know it's not going to win. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, you say fight right as um, the angel and the demon on my TV um, are fighting yeah. each other in <laughs> Hudsucker Proxy. Amazing. Uh, um, okay, so the these might go pretty quick because I, I circled back to these because this is the one seed matchup and the two seed versus movies we already talked about. So one seed is no country. What they be? Yeah, they'll put you probably guess the one seed is no country for old men the highest rated co-mers movie on letterbox is no country for old men oh really um, over the number two then yeah it's very close though it's like literally i think 4.3 average versus 4.2 average or something it's okay. like um very close so it's got recency bias probably probably <laughs> uh no country for old men versus number 16 seed which is hail caesar which we wait fought hail caesar <laughs> i wait what are we skipping one no no sorry the, so I, I said we have a one seed matchup and a two seed they're separate matchups oh, the one okay. seed sorry i did say that wrong the one seed is facing the 16 the two seed is facing i thought matt forgot a big movie <laughs> no 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 the two seed is the one you're thinking of it's facing the 15 seed i'll do that one next but um oh, okay yeah, so, yeah yeah no country for old men versus hail caesar <laughs> i mean who wants I to go surprise you guys no, I'm joking. all right no. <laughs> i 
we we all know how this is. Oh wait, um, we all know how this is going to turn <laughs> uh, out. Yeah, I mean, in the words of a, a uh, <laughs> in the words of a character from the movie we're talking about, can't stop what's coming. <laughs> so, No Country for Old Men is a uh, is a monolith of a movie. Just I mean, a yeah. <laughs> massive achievement, like. For my money, the best movie of 2007, which is a crowning year for movies. That's like so many great movies. Great the Assassination of Jesse James is not one of them. But you got uh, There Will Be Blood. You got uh, Atonement, which I haven't seen, but I'll take Hayden's word is great. You got Michael Clayton. You got a Zodiac. 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 You got an yeah. incredible. Alien versus Predator Requiem. <laughs> Jesus. Mar- I thought Mark was going to leave. Incredible lineup of movies in 2007, and so to good. me, none of them are as good as No Country for Old Men, which is like, oh, good. it's just it's so simple. Like the movie is so simple, yet simple. it has so many things. To say. <laughs> what it has to say at the end is so deep and like all encompassing, and just the way that they're able to. All first off, all of this is just coming from the book, which is essentially the movie. Like they. From what I can tell, there really isn't much change. It's a very faithful adaptation. Yeah. And it's kind of amazing that they found this thing that is so perfectly them to adapt yeah. from yeah. another voice. Um, and it is just God, it's such it's a perfect thriller. Like the way it's the way the characters are set up, the way the story is paced, the editing. Uh, I remember once I went I when I took an editing class in college, one of the questions we were asked, like like on our first day, name a movie that you really like the editing in. And this was the one I went to. Like the scene I always go to when I'm like thinking what I love about movies in this is the motel room scene when Llewellyn, Josh Brolin (laughs) is sitting on the bed with his shotgun and he just sees Anton Sugar's shadow and neither of them know, like they're not sure what's on the other side of that door, but they have a pretty good idea. And it's almost like a perfect revisit of what they did so well, like almost an improvement upon what they did so well in their first film. It feels like Blood Simple revisited just with an even bleaker outlook. And um, it's also, I feel like this and Fargo, which we'll be talking about soon, kind of go hand in hand because they kind of explore the same themes in similar manner. It's just like, you know, Uh, like uh no one special just kind of an everyman stumbles upon an opportunity to make some money although the everyman in this one is a lot more likable than the everyman in the uh, in fargo and there's a a law like a law enforcement who's the heart of the story uh chasing after them trying to uh save the day god it's just it's such a good movie. Why am I going on? We're gonna have plenty of opportunities (laughs) we're gonna talk talk about about it i'm sure again it's an incredible movie absolutely deserved uh all the oscars at one uh, yeah and uh, we already talked about <laughs> hail caesar uh yeah let me see if i have any notes on hail caesar <laughs> because this is the last time we're gonna be talking about it <laughs> i now 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 don't get ahead of yourself now yeah, don't be, don't be <laughs> no. um, oh yeah i have said my piece uh okay so hail caesar just get this out of the way i i did want to mention while it doesn't entirely work for me for the reasons i said five hours ago i will say it it is really easy to watch 
like mm-hmm. insanely easy to just throw on and watch it anytime. So I do like that about Hail Caesar. I, I rewatched it last night and had a, had a really fun time watching it. No country folding. <laughs> I'm really glad that they didn't stop making movies after No Country for Old Men because some of my favorite movies they made afterward. However, No Country for Old Men, that would have been such a great like echo of their first movie because yeah. exactly like Mark pointed out, it's a beautiful kind of like sister movie to to uh to Blood Simple. Um yeah, I, I I'm not gonna say too much about it because we'll be talking about it again. So yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know what to say. Like, I'll say basically all my thoughts from No Country for Old Men uh, as it moves on. Sorry, that's everyone. I know one's surprised at home. They're like, of course, of course. Um, what if we were all insane and voted Hail Caesar over No Country for Old Men? Just as a joke. Just as a joke. Now, um, now, Matt, do you do you agree with Mark? Do you put this over like Zodiac or? Yeah, and I, it's I, there will be blood and Zodiac are great movies that I probably would also give five stars to. But like, No Country Old Men gets like an extra. Like it's golden five stars or something. <laughs> it's mm. like a, it gets like an extra boost. And I, I like it better than both. Those movies are great, but I like it better than both those. But 07, great year for movies. Mm. Um, this is not my favorite movie from 07, but out of the best picture movies, I'd put it over. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I know that was the big debate in that year was like, oh, is it going to be There'll Be Blood or it can be No Country for Old Men? That was the big fight, yeah. which was interesting because I think it was one of those years where you genuinely know which one was going to win. Yeah. It was like, it was like two heavyweight champions. Just right. Like and it was a year that it was like, oh, these movies are actually good. You know, it wasn't like, yeah. like you know, I was like, oh, these are great movies. Um, All right. What were the other? So there were those two. There was Atonement. There was Michael Clayton. And there was a fifth nominee that I can't remember. Either of you happen to remember I'm that? I'm going to look it up. Uh, uh, no. That be... poor bastard that no one remembers. <laughs> uh, okay. Um. How many is this? Zodiac a, wasn't yeah. nominated, right? No. Oh, wait. I can't. Oh, is this right? Hang on. Okay. <laughs> Nominees for Best Picture Michael Clayton, Atonement, No Country for Old Men, There Will Be Blood, and Juno. Oh, that's right. Juno okay. got nominated for Best Picture? I'm just surprised. Hey, hey whoa. Oh, yeah, Juno? That was so, no, no. Yeah, I'm just, people, I'm just, it's like, I just people it's loved so... <laughs> Juno when it came out. <laughs> I'm just I surprised. Mean, like, Juno's a really good movie. That actually, you know what? That's it's good company. I mean, yeah, I just was surprised because I didn't think it was like that uh well received honestly i knew it was well, that well was, uh, i think that yeah. was roger ebert's favorite movie of that year wow wow i'm I not have... gonna say my favorite movie from 2007 because <laughs> everyone will just write me off completely what 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 fuck is it Anders Predator Record? <laughs> no it's across the universe i love across the universe oh oh okay yeah well, i'm not gonna judge you for fine. that you're you're a Beatles guy. Of course, that's your No, favorite. I'm not talking about you. I'm talking about the listeners. <laughs> we hey, have listeners. a very judgmental fan base. <laughs> fuck's your problem. No, no. I'm sure we'll be fine. So I'm just, I was surprised. I kind of forgot about Juno being around that same time, actually. But um, that's Wait, fine. Across the Universe wasn't nominated for Best Picture, was it? No, no. <laughs> Sorry. Sorry to burst your bubble. Um, I don't know. I he think it was nominated for yeah. Best Original Score. That would make sense. Okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Something they would do. Sure. Uh, sure. Oh, uh, uh, oh boy. Okay. I don't know. Hail Caesars looks great. Uh, I don't want to say multiple Hail Caesars. Uh, it multiple looks real Caesars. good. Uh, fine. It's a fun little time. It looks great. It's got a great cast. No Control Men is uh, the better movie. I'm sorry. So, yeah, No Control Men is going to move ahead. The number one seed 
uh, you know, being the number one seed, moving on. Okay. Yeah. I um, feel like hard parts over, guys. I feel like we can maybe uh, hustle through now that we've talked coast. about everything. I think we'll coast. We'll coast. We got one more movie to talk about, but come on. Like, and this should be an easy vote. we got to kick out Burn After Reading now. Yeah. Uh, number two seed is Fargo, as everyone probably figured out by now, versus the number 15 seed, which is Burn After Reading. So do we need to again? I went, for, I went first last time. So. I'll, I'll go. For, I'll go first this time. Um, Burn after reading. I think I said everything that I'll ever need to say about Burn after. Reading. I, like <laughs> again, I really like Burn after reading. I yeah, think it's yeah. very funny, um, and I do think it's you know it's sad because I don't know if I have a dark horse movie that I think is like it's the most underrated movie of their canon, and I love it to death because. I think yours would be a uh, ballad of Buster Scruggs. Cause I feel like that's not a high, that's fair enough. It, it's not a it was a 14 seed or 13 seed. It was pretty low in the ranking. So that would okay, be. Then yeah, yeah, sure. Okay. That's mine then. <laughs> cause, cause I do think burn after reading is like in way overrated. I remember I worked at blockbuster when it came out and that may have been the most hated movie of, of, of like <laughs> so that hated. year. Everyone. Yeah. Everyone. So hated burn after reading and now i'm seeing more people come around to it oh yeah it's pretty funny it's pretty funny but i do not love burn after reading yeah fargo dude <laughs> I, what literally what can you say about it? this is one of those movies that's like of course it's in the afi top 100 for a reason like right, right. everything that's been said about it or that can be said about it has been said about it um like this is probably the movie that they will be remembered for. No, right. I don't care what Letterbox has to say. I don't know how this is lower than No Control Men, even if by a point one <laughs> decimal spot. Like, I mean, this is this will go down as like the Coen Brothers. Movie. Yeah, it. I mean, it definitely kind of smashes together those things of like a dark crime movie with still a very funny comedy. I mean, the Francis Mador and the Francis Mador character is like one of the best movie characters ever. I she's think. like, she's like <laughs> Paul Bunyan. She's like the Paul Bunyan of like movie characters. Yeah. She's I just mean, a folk hero. It's you know? just, and it's so them, the setting. It's, I mean, you know, you betcha. Like, I just think when I think like <laughs> that part of the country, it's like that accent and like, uh, you know, the Coen brothers are from there. It's just, I, it's so them. It's, it's just, their whole thing in like know, one movie. It, it's yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah. I mean, it's it's amazing. We'll talk more about it because I think it's gonna make it. Uh, I do want to say, Burn After Reading is gonna be gone. So um, I watched. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, what right, else? Bye. You know, no surprises. But we just read it. Burn it. Burn it. I <laughs> Brad Pitt was great. His I, kind of a spoiler. His death scene like shocked me the first time, and I oh, I do yeah. love how the Coens like will have these like kind of extreme violent moments out of nowhere that punctuate. Like, because uh -huh. Marjorie's like a really violent movie, and it's a very violent moment. Ballad of Buster Scruggs has those vi violent moments that pop out of nowhere. Um, it's just well, and the wood chipper. Everyone talks oh, about the, the wood chipper. chipper. Yeah. My mom. Jesus Christ. My, my mom, one of the first, she was like, whenever I was little, she was like, Have we watched Fargo with you? And I was like, No, I don't think so. And she was like, The wood chipper scene. And she was like, <laughs> Yeah. Like, we got, she was like, that was one of the craziest things I'd ever seen. It's crazy. Yeah. It's like, um, so yeah, I burnt a reading. Uh, I did watch like an interview with them on that Blu-ray. And I love that this, I love their super dry sense of humor. It's yes. the two with Joel and Ethan being interviewed and they deadpan as they can be say, yeah, it's a movie about what happens when the worlds of espionage collide with personal fitness. And they, <laughs> they say it so like matter of fact, 
amazing. And they, I had to mention this because in that same interview, they say, this is our Tony Scott movie, but without the explosions. What? <laughs> I was like, yes, this is their enemy of the state. This is their So I game. guess you and Mark need to do a bonus episode of Unscottable at the end of it. Yeah. <laughs> Sound- Lindsay, double oh. feature, burn after reading enemy of the state. <laughs> Have all three of oh. us on for that one. So I just I just love they mentioned Tony Scott by name. And um, yeah, I mean, Burnt to Reading, again, another movie I think underrated because it is a movie that pe- you ask people, what's a movie you hate? Oh, I hate it, Burnt to Reading. You know, and um, mm. they hate it with a passion, like a fiery passion. Right. <laughs> Probably because they went to go see a fun Clooney pit comedy and then got like this thing. And it was like, this was really fucked up. Um, so yeah, I don't know. But I mean- I'm gonna vote for. We have to. We have to vote. I'm gonna vote for Fargo. I haven't even talked about Fargo oh, yet. Sorry, I thought we were gonna talk more about Fargo in like the next. You could say a little bit about Fargo. Yeah, let's go, let's go ahead and vote. I'll. We got. We got to. We get. We got to cut time. Hayden and I do have somewhere to. We gotta. We gotta hustle. We're probably not gonna make it, but we're gonna try. Uh, yeah, I vote Fargo. Of course, okay. there'll be more chance about Fargo. Right. So, um, okay, let's go back. This is so funny. You brought this up, Hayden, because this matchup's happening now. Uh, no Country for Old Men, number one seed versus the eight seed of Blood Simple. Oh, this is interesting. This is very fascinating, this yeah. matchup. Um, okay, I went first last time. I could go first again. I mean, it's, it's you know. At this point, it's like, eh. Yeah. <laughs> I'm just going to uh, step away. I'm going to grab a Dr. Pepper. I'll be back in 10 seconds. Yeah, right. I, I don't really have anything to add about uh, Blood Simple. I, I kind of said everything I needed to say. I... I respect it. I think it's a great debut. It's yet to really blow me away. No Country for Old Men is no Country for Old Men. Like it is, it is. A, I don't want to say a perfected version of Blood Simple because it is different enough. Yeah. And Blood Simple is amazing for what it is, and you know, and for what it's aspiring to be. But No Country for Old Men is just, you know, it's these same filmmakers so much further in their career they've learned so much and yet they still have the same interests and yet you know how has how have they changed what do they have to say about it now so it's a very interesting watch and personally i i love movies that have this vibe of like the world is going to hell and like every other scene is just old men talking about like kids kids these days (laughs) killing each other and they yeah. don't have any manners and like, they, they have rings there. in their noses and oh, different yeah. colored hair <laughs> yeah and and the whole movie is just like anton sugar is a symbol of this change like anton sugar yeah. is the new world coming to kill everyone and it's it's just with his with a sweet haircut <laughs> it's just, dude it's just such a what a crazy cool movie <laughs> definitely oh, deserved yeah. the oscar for that performance yes. uh yeah. javier bardem by the way nominated for an oscar this year as we're talking about his uh oscar win and for what yeah for, wait for being what? the ricardos oh <laughs> really don't do that don't look <laughs> say what you will about being the ricardos which neither uh-huh. one of you can say shit because you haven't watched it <laughs> Javier Bardem is the best part of that movie and deserves that Oscar nomination. He's like, Lucy, I'm home. And then he like, shoots her in the head with that little heads, heads or tails, Lucy. Uh, <laughs> oh, God. I've told you guys before about that show, Angie Tribeca. They do an episode that like 
specifically spoofs Fargo, but they also bring in an Anton Chigurh character. And oh. he's got the <laughs> tank with him, but instead of an air gun, it's just uh, a little soda fountain gun. And he just like, puts it in people's mouths and drowns them. <laughs> Jesus. Oh, I oh, I mean, uh, wait, Mark, did you speak on, on the uh, No Country for Old Man Blood Simple matchup here? Not yet. I can quickly okay. say it because, I mean, I wish, I wish I could come in here and be like, oh, man, Blood Simple. It's, I mean, Blood Simple is great. It was actually, like, one of the most influential movies for me when I was in film school because, like, that's the kind of stuff I wanted to do, you know, like really twisty thrillers. And I love that stuff. And Blood Simple is one of the best examples of that. No Country for Old Men is an even better example, though. I don't always think of it with that because like, whereas Blood Simple is pure entertainment, it doesn't have much more on its mind. Uh, no Country for Old Men like does not have the like kind of roller coaster ending you expect these things to build to. It ends much more like on a much more quiet and tragic note. And it has a lot more to say than Blood Simple. And I think that kind of, I don't want to say that like elevates it because that doesn't determine whether a movie's better. But I think in this case, it definitely does elevate it. And whereas like Blood Simple's just, they're both incredible thrillers. But at the end of the day, I do think No Country for Old Men is a little more perfect. And it's also like, you, you talked earlier about how John Getz is kind of the, excuse me. John Getz is kind of the weak link in Blood Simple. There is not a weak link in That's No Country for Old Men. A good point. Josh yeah. Brolin, maybe his best performance. Like one of my favorite act. They they've worked with like there are a lot of my favorite uh, hold, actors hold on. here. There's <laughs> a pretty obvious weak link in No Country for Old Men. No, oh, no, I think I know what you're talking about. Wait a minute. What are you out of the Wait very a the main dude? Hold on. Tommy Lee Jones has never been worse. No, I'm joking. I'm joking. Oh, oh, I'm, joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> I, oh am com- I am completely. Who did you think I was talking about? I was hoping I was one of y'all. To- I was hoping one of y'all would be like, ah, and then and then I'd be like, ha ha. One of y'all do think. Oh, I know. Oh, Caleb call- Landry Jones. That's who you're talking about. Who is he? In- oh, he's the kid on the bike. Never mind. Look oh. at that fucking bone. I didn't want to. I didn't want to. I'm not sure if it's even a bad performance or she's just doing. I thought you were going to call out Josh Brolin's wife. I can't remember the actress. No, name. Kelly McDonald's, Kelly McDonald's incredible. Movie. Okay, I thought she's doing a very specific thing. Like it's one like of my doing one of my she, favorite you know. exchanges in movies ever. And she's just like, I was trying to get you to say this one. What? But <laughs> what's in the satchel? It was full of money. That'll be the day. Where'd you get the pistol? At the getting place. <laughs> The line at the getting place the getting is one place. of my favorite lines ever, <laughs> and amazing. I don't know why. Oh yeah, oh it's amazing. Um, it, man, okay, I, it's not like it's tough because it's it's oh I love Blood Simple though, and this hurts to kind of have to. I'm kind of showing my hand here. You want to oh, flip well. a coin? No, I don't. Want to, <laughs> you don't want to flip a coin. You stand to win everything. Now call it. <laughs> put it in your pocket. Oh Wait, don't no! Put, don't put it in your pocket. Put it in no, no. Pocket. It's, 24 years of of growth as like filmmakers and i think it shows in no country for old men like the there's such a fun energy in blood simple and like a real like coming out of the gate hot but there's like a real like control like we are fucking like masters of our craft with no country for old men like yeah um it's crazy like i, I this movie is amazing and i javier bardem I'm glad you mentioned him like i never get like 
jaded his performance, even though it's kind of been parodied a bit. And like, I've seen it a lot. It's just like, he's still so chilling in this. He's and scary. Like, Dude, he's scary in that movie. Scary. And for some reason, him using that fucking like air gun is scarier than him just carrying a pistol or anything. It's like, this is the scariest weapon. Because it's so sadistic. He's just like... Yeah. He's like, yeah, this is a weird little thing. This will be my thing. <laughs> I thing mean, to murder people with, yeah. At least it looks like a quick death. Yeah, like everyone's true. dead. But it, I mean, it's so sick. Whenever he's like holding it up to that guy's head at the beginning, he's like, no, yeah. just, just stay still. Oh, and we haven't even talked about the opening when he strangles that cop to death and like cuts into his carotid. It's yes. like the goriest yeah. moment. Mate, well, okay, <laughs> I say that after having just talked about Fargo. I'm an idiot. Nothing beats the wood chipper, but it's the one of the more shocking moments in their filmography. It's, bru- it's brutal. It yeah. is. Yeah. Because the wood chipper is kind of funny, but like. <laughs> this is just brutal. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah. it's it's an I amazing the, movie. Yeah. Another moment that sticks with me is when he like pulls that one guy over and he's talking to him and then he's like, can you get all these chickens off of here? And then they oh, just yeah. cut to him like hosing off the back and it's like. The implication of that cut is uh, pretty disturbing. Okay, so I know, I know, uh, okay, so I know a lot of, it's always annoying on podcasts when people say, oh, name drop and say they met people. <laughs> I worked on a movie with the chicken truck driver. Really? Really? Yeah. Yeah. Wow. What a specific claim to fame. He's, he's, kind of a, he's a cool guy. That's cool. I'm glad he wasn't a dick. He was a diva about being the chicken truck driver (laughs) (laughs) i was i was like i recognize you Uh, stupidest thing to say to an actor like of course like of of course you recognize them if they you know whatever (laughs) but i was like i I was like you're the chicken truck driver from from no country for all me he's like yeah (laughs) (laughs) yeah that's me um you want to the one thing that that leads me to talk about that we've talked about the like the movie stars that they work with but we haven't talked about like how every one of their movies mainly the ones set in the south Every single actor is like pitch perfect for their world and their dialogue. Like absolutely, like, like yeah. Gene Jones or Sir. Uh, we can't give out no information. <laughs> <laughs> and the That's little lady who's like, "It's got two double badge." <laughs> <laughs> or the guy, I uh, uh, the guy I'm thinking of, Mister Arthur from uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. Every like, bit part is so like everyone. Yeah. Every they are is... so good at like. Whoever they use, where uh, whoever they regularly use for casting, because obviously they don't handpick every actor, but whoever right. they use for casting, a plus, a plus for their job, because they. And this is a common actor. criticism of movies that they've written but haven't directed. They are so good at getting specifically whatever they want from their words, because I remember uh, reading and seeing reviews of Suburbicon. Didn't see Suburbicon. This could have been pulled out of the writer's ass so I, I can't speak to it but but they're like you can tell when it's cohen words not being directed by the cohen's because it just doesn't have the same kind of uh yeah, it doesn't have the same effect yeah and that may not just be the actors that could be the editing you know it could be the framing even but uh like I'll they're just them. so good at getting sp- specifically what they want I'll call a little bullshit on that just because I have seen Suburbicon and I do think that is, um, it's not great, but I think that's kind of a fun little Crom- movie. It's cromulent. If anything, the problems <laughs> yeah. in that movie don't come from the, uh, from like the Cohen dialogue. It comes more from like, there's a uh, subplot because it takes place in the 50s and there's a subplot about a 
black family moving into a white neighborhood and all the uh, protests around that. And that feels more like uh, kind of political commentary by Clooney being uh, hit, like kind of shoved into this uh, fun little crime drama. But I think Suburbicon's pretty fun. Uh, I want to watch some of the other movies that they wrote but didn't direct. The big one is uh, Unbroken because yeah. that seems nothing like anything they've ever done. And I really want to see Brad the Pitt touch. Except for that movie, were... maybe. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> now, but how is the climax of Suburbicon where they go to the, like, convention? The suburb convention. God damn God damn it. We don't have time. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> I got to keep it moving along. I'm sorry. Yeah, do you um, want to vote? Uh, no country. Uh, yeah, we can. <laughs> yeah, no we can talk more about it in the next round because uh, I still have more to say, but we got. Oh, I'm sorry. Did no, you it's okay. even talk no, we have, about we it? Have other, we have other chances. Talk yeah, about did it. you even I, talk about it? Wait, did I you talk yeah. about it? Yeah, I said some uh, stuff because Javier okay. Bardem. Uh, I said some stuff. Uh, it's like Blood Simple is great. I just think that's it's a great actually matchup because you can just see the jump in those like 24 years to no country you're like oh these guys are just all around better writers and directors at this point even though blood temple is still great but you know it's no country for all men so yeah i'm gonna vote for yeah. that one too so <laughs> mark i assume you're on board uh <laughs> you so, are correct okay man this this is truly i feel like the elite eight like this is an amazing these matchups are great uh number four inside lewin davis versus the lowest seed that made it this far number 12 true grit so, wait, what? Sorry, I missed. What was the number going up against True Grit? Uh, inside Lewin Davis. Okay. <laughs> All right. Well, I, I'm here in silence, so I'll talk first. Uh, <laughs> yeah, look, we, we talked about Inside Lewin Davis, and I said I was afraid to talk about it again. And so I'm not going to talk much about it. Like I said, the main reason I come to movies is for entertainment. And uh, I feel like, in terms of the Coens, always bring something more than just entertainment. But um, in terms of like bringing that that Cohen element on top of just simple entertainment, like few things are as good as True Grit. Like I I love Inside Lewin Davis, but that's not a movie I think about as much as I think about and just quote True Grit. Like so many quotes from True Grit. Like uh, I do not know this man or. Uh, <laughs> Just you want to talk about actors like bit parts that are perfectly. Cast. I treated him for a bottle of expectorant. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, the uh, the defendant's lawyer in the trial at the beginning, who's always Is that like Lou Temple. Maybe I don't know. I think, I think it's Lou Temple. I gotta look that up. But he's just like Mist Cogburn. Just such a great line delivery, and Jeff Bridges is like. I always walk backwards when I'm backing up. Let us restrict it to killed so that we can have a more manageable figure. See? And then when she finds Josh Brolin, she's like, I'm taking you in. Well, I won't go. There. (laughs) I love how he's like, everything is against me. (laughs) He's Lewin. Dude, he's Lewin. (laughs) Also, Barry Pepper. Shout out for Barry Pepper. Oh, yeah, Barry Pepper. Barry Barry Pepper is incredible in that movie. See, if oh, we yeah. keep going on, all I'm going to do is just quote the entirety of True Grit or the entirety <laughs> I can remember. So uh, I'll Real stop quick, there. what's your favorite Lewin Davis song? Uh, oh, that's right. Uh, man, I feel this is so embarrassing. I feel like the one I listen to the most is the Ald Triangle. Oh, dude, it's great. That's It's that's great. 
Yeah, it is great. I think the weirdest thing about that is that's like all sung all because it's clearly not them singing in the movie, but that song is sung all by people who play different characters in the movie. Yeah. Like it's uh Marcus Mumford and Justin Timberlake and like and the guy from the Punch Brothers. I forget that ain't them singing that on stage. <laughs> and uh uh he makes a joke about it, but they do have great sweaters. <laughs> they do. They that do. movie made it on my great sweaters list just for that hell yeah, yeah. but um uh matt you want to go or do you want me to go I'll, I'll 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 try to say some stuff uh i feel like uh we talked a lot about inside lewin davis i don't know what else to add to that one <laughs> like well first uh, you gotta say your favorite song although we know it already i mean i'm trying to remember <laughs> i feel bad when one sticking out is the uh the outer space song i don't think just it's go with the, that man you i don't think it's the to. best song but outer it's space it's i mean it's kind of goofy but i kind of like it um i i don't know i uh yeah i'll go with that one um i don't know this is tough because i oh boy i <laughs> i almost feel like inside lewin davis i would say is the better movie but i'm more entertained and more likely to rewatch true grit and there's more i like in true grit overall i think um oh boy this <laughs> i don't think either one of these is quote unquote better than the other i think they're yeah both i think just they're incredible both, i think they yeah. they're both perfect for what they're going for. yeah they're very different too one's straight western and I don't know what you even classify it inside Lewin Davis. It's like a musical Lewin drama. Lewin Davis is not a fun movie in any way. No, no. I'll say that. It is not fun in any way. Um, I don't, you know, I, I try to think what else I didn't say earlier about these two. Uh, um, Hearing the Coens talk about Lewin Davis is very fun because oh, they're like, uh-huh. like any interview with them about it is so funny. Uh, I think that's, yeah, that's the one where they did a sit down with Guillermo del Toro and oh, they just uh-huh. talk oh, man, I about it for watch like, watch that. It's fantastic because they're just like, they're just taking the piss out of it the whole time. They're like, you don't really have to, you don't really have to like do too much to make fun of these folk guys. Like they're, <laughs> he's like, they're kind of losers. <laughs> Yeah, I uh, hope they don't take this none of this seriously. It's amazing. No, one of um, my favorite quotes of theirs was they were talking about how they came up with the idea for the movie, and they just thought we just thought it would be funny to make a movie uh, that opens with a folk singer getting beat up outside of a nightclub. <laughs> we thought it would be particularly funny uh, for it be if it were Dave Van Ronk. We're not really sure why. <laughs> yeah, which Dave Van Ronk uh, actually had a mod- like a modestly successful career, oh, but uh, yeah. but. I my favorite song is gonna it's basic as hell. I if I'm gonna if I'm gonna be a hipster, I would say the Shoals of Herring, the song that he sings for his dad, because that scene is so sweet and then horribly funny. <laughs> it just oh my ends god! Really pathetically and depressingly. <laughs> it's but it's like a really like a sad punchline. That I feel is, like. it is. It's, yeah. That might be like Ugh. that's a defining Cohen scene. <laughs> it oh dude, it is. So if I was going to be a hipster, I'd say that, but I love fairly well Dink song. Like, it's I mean, great. I just sing it in my own head all the time. Cause but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and then true grit. I mean, I, I think they're both perfect. I will personally vote for inside Lewin Davis, but I know the, this, I just want to put it out there. I voted for Lewin Davis. Okay. <laughs> well, I, I have no idea where Matt's going. I mean, I'll go ahead and say I vote for true grit. That's what I'm leaning toward. 
vote for true crime. Okay, yeah, I mean that's then do I, it. Yeah. I, I also love. It's, true it's crime. not an easy decision, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I don't want you to right. think I'm just like ah fuck inside Louis David. Hold <laughs> no. on, let me cross it off my list. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um. Uh, yeah, I mean, I gotta go. I gotta go. True Grit. I uh, wa- that rewatch. I was like, this is giving me so much that I want, and a very emotional ending again, which I don't get a whole lot from them. I feel like when you know, she it's... sees the ghost of Tom Cheney like riding away, and she's like, he's getting away, and the little mm-hmm. pianos playing in the background. Oh, dude. <laughs> oh God. We talked about Cry like a baby. Burwell earlier. That might be his best score for the great true yeah. grit. The great score. Yeah. I'm thinking of like that whole yeah that whole ending is like the music there and her uh, voiceover. Um, oh, just the opening too. With it just opens with that little piano over her narration. Mm. Like it's oh, it's such a beautiful score. It is. Yeah. It is. All right. All right. Well. I think it's two to one then. RIP, <laughs> RIP to Inside Lou and Davis. Uh, had a good run though. I mean, it made it to the second round. Yeah, it yeah. made it further than some great movies. <laughs> it's a very tough competition right now. I mean, this is like, I wonder if of this eight that's left, how many are your, are your favorite seven? <laughs> uh, I'll re or unless you have it right there. Well, we've already one. lost some of them. Yeah, we've yeah. already. <laughs> so we've got one, two, three, four, five, six movies left. Uh-huh. Two, three, four. Four of my favorites are left. Okay, this is this is tough stuff. So, all right, okay, number twelve, True Grit, that underdog story, the real Cinderella story of the tournament. Dude, it is. Because <laughs> um, everything everything else is in the like the top seat. If so. True Grit made it to the end, I would be so happy to be. It'd be kind of amazing. I thought yeah, be the next fantastic. the next matchup is going to be tough for True Grit. I'll just say that. Uh, <laughs> we'll say, oh. <laughs> uh, we'll say so. Okay, uh, next matchup, man. Hey, this might be tough for you too. I don't know. Um, Number two, Fargo oh, versus number seven, Oh Brother, Where Art Thou? <laughs> Less hard than you think. Okay, actually, okay. Weirdly. All right, all right. Uh, um. uh, I'll, I'll, <laughs> I'll go first. Uh, again, I, you know, it's, trying to talk objectively about movies is so silly. You know, like, I mean, it's all subjective. There are no measurements to this. This is... This is not sports. There are not like, <laughs> there are not stats, you know, right. like, uh, but that being said, if the, if the objective here truly was to decide on the most Cohen's Cohen brother movie, it would probably have to go to Fargo I, because I genuinely do believe like it's, it's their whole, uh, what's, what's the word? Oofra? <laughs> I mean, I mean, like it's their whole vibe. It's their, their whole, whole thing. Yeah, thing in one movie. I do think it's. I mean, I don't generally like. Again, I'm sorry. I, I know I'm speaking in circles here, but like, I don't generally go to the AFI top 100. I don't really go for the like the the however many movies you have to see, because I, I don't agree that's how you should go about movies. That being said, some of them are just undeniable. Fargo's an undeniably great movie. That being said, I mean, we're not talking about these things that way. We're talking about favorites. And <laughs> yeah. Oh Brother Art Thou, out of the ones left, that's my favorite favorite, baby. So, wow. like, uh, that's top of the mountain. So, I'm going to have to vote Oh Brother. I, I'm sorry I gave away the whole game right here, but uh, <laughs> I already, yeah. I mean, I gave away my favorite earlier too. So, I feel like we're, there's no suspense left here. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> But it's going to be how we vote because there might be a we get to the end and it's like your favorite's gone and then who do you side with you know it's like I do want to say in Fargo yeah. one of my favorite 
side character performances out of any of the movies. Steve Buscemi as like Wiley Coyote is one of the funniest <laughs> things. Oh yeah, he's great, Matt. He uh, yeah, he's. I don't want to say I don't know how to put it. I feel like because he's been a, in a lot of Coen Brothers movies, a few Coen Brothers movies. I feel like he's always kind of never like the standouts he's like the low-key mvp like he's very low-key in big lebowski because he mm-hmm. barely speaks right it's like he doesn't do much mm-hmm. and then the fuck in... up, man. <laughs> at first but that like, scene where that last scene uh, with like him bowling podcast. yeah that last scene with him bowling and there's the one pin standing up and he can feel that like it's like an omen yeah and you just see it on his face you're like uh-huh. Steve Buscemi, you do so much with so little <laughs> it's true i mean he's a great actor he could do a lot with a little and uh um yeah, so no, he's he's wonderful. Um, I guess I'm talking now. Uh, so Fargo versus Brother Where Art Thou? Um, Sorry, can I just say one yeah. thing? I've seen The Big Lebowski so many times. Like mm. maybe like one of the movies I've seen the most. Never once thought of that as an omen. I always just thought, oh man, Hot Shot makes Hot Shot gets a strike every time. All of a sudden, he doesn't get a strike, and it like crushes his world. I'm throwing little, rocks tonight. Little. I always I always took it as he's like, oh, something is off in the universe. Well, and Mercury is in retrograde. Yeah. <laughs> obviously, something was off, and I'm just not a smart movie watcher. That's but we'll false. be talking about Big Lebowski. That's false, because you because you understand Hail Caesar when I'm like, what? <laughs> um, yeah, I God, Fargo is so good. And like again, just such a Coen Brothers thing. One, it's funny that to me they had their two biggest like I don't their biggest commercial hits but two huge hits and very influential in pop culture back to back with Fargo and Big Lebowski it's like they struck gold twice in a row was well, Lebowski a hit or was it Lebowski just well it was like... it was not I'm saying like ones that left a cultural impression more than okay, that's why right, I said right. I don't know if they were financially their biggest hits and Lebowski I think was not a huge hit it became like a cult hit afterwards yeah, it people definitely people rented wasn't it. a huge hit yeah yeah but it's like it's funny that i would think if you ask people on the street like about they would about these movies they would know fargo and big lebowski would be the most like yeah. quotable most they left the pop culture impression For i would sure. say. probably definitely. no country too but um but yeah just back to back with like fargo and, and lebowski um I, I can't say enough good things about francis mcdormand Sparge gunderson like honest to god like one of maybe the best character I've ever created and one of the best movie characters ever. Like, I just love her. And she balances out this second only to Ulysses Everett McGill. (laughs) There you go. Um, I think she really helps like ground the movie and like, you know, really, because it's pretty bleak. It's a dark uh, crime movie. Otherwise. And she comes in like a, like almost like a ray of sunshine or something. Yes. So (laughs) when I was a, um, uh, I want to say more cynical, but when I was like more of a hip youngster, hip, cool, edgy, I'm just like, man, they introduce her 30 minutes into the movie. Why is she the main character? This is clearly <laughs> William H. Macy's movie. Why do we even need her in this movie? Oh, God. This is a fun. This <laughs> is a fun. I hate her. Crime <laughs> Worst character. And all of a sudden we're getting the like nice character. I, I mean, I didn't dislike her. I liked her in the movie, but I never got like, why is this the character and performance being singled out? And it wasn't until this most recent watch, which was like probably 10 or 15 years after my last watch, when I was like a edgy youngster, when I'm like, oh yeah, I was a stupid kid. It makes edgy perfect youngster. sense why this is, the, uh, <laughs> this is the performance of the movie yeah. and it is oh, necessary yeah. to the movie. 
William yeah. H. Macy is really good too, is that just they always have like a real put upon, multiple put upon characters. Too. Oh god, the so the, put upon it's like, so, like Fargo is so quietly sad. Like it is yeah, it is a oh very funny god. movie, but it is also so sad. Like, <laughs> watching this is the saddest I've ever been. Watching like his wife in that movie is like so yeah. like chipper and lovable when you first see her, and to just thinking about what happens eventually yeah. it's just like a gut punch yeah. and the fact that like the movie has that sadness and can still be as funny as it is you know like I'm, like people always talk about like the great korean crime thrillers and how like koreans juggle tone like no other i feel like those are kind of like i don't know i'm not an expert on korean cinema the oldest one i know is old boy but i feel like they kind of owe a debt to the cohen brothers for like paving the way for those kinds of movies to be made like no one boy was the first korean movie right (laughs) (laughs) it's the only one anyone knew about yeah uh (laughs) i'm not i you know i don't know i don't know much about korean cinema either mark so i don't know but it does seem like there's something there with the tone thing um i yeah i don't know like and i again this kills me i didn't get to watch her brother again because uh i definitely think it would have gotten better for me on a rewatch uh yeah. uninterrupted rewatch without Geico yeah. commercial stuck in but uh oh you know but i don't know i love fargo a lot it's uh it's yeah i don't know i don't know what else to say mark do you want to speak on fargo versus oh brother yeah sure i'll speak my piece on uh fargo quickly because i didn't really get to say anything before but fargo is i mean it's like no country it's a monumental movie they honestly in my personal Cohen ranking, I've kind of got them tied because they're both so good at do it. Like, do it. They're kind of the same movie, just with slightly different tones and different settings. But essentially, they're both trying to say the same things about America and about our world. And they're using the lens of genre filmmaking to do it. And it's, they're, they're because of that, because they're equally good, they're kind of tied in my book for which one, like, I don't know where I would have them tied, but they're in the top five incredible movies. And Fargo in particular is just like, there's such a mastery of tone in that movie, like opens with just like, I don't know, this goofy interplay between uh, Buscemi Stormare and uh, William H. Macy. And it ends with uh, Marge just delivering this kind of heartfelt monologue to Stormare after he's like, just done the most, horrific things imaginable like oh my god the journey that movie takes you on it's just Mm -hmm. it is so good it's so powerful it's this is gonna be so pretentious but it's cinema baby (laughs) (laughs) so fargo baby baby objectively (laughs) and subjectively a masterpiece oh brother where art thou i think is subjectively a masterpiece i think it's a masterpiece oh is <laughs> breaking my heart well maybe i'm not because at the end of the day i gotta go with my heart <laughs> oh boy what's happening well, those are happy I mean, tears now have we all, wait, have, we all now. have we all talked about them yeah yep yeah. time to vote uh-huh Look, fargo i love you I gotta go, oh brother. What is go? What is happening? <laughs> I don't think. Oh, I, I mean, no. maybe I didn't fully articulate. <laughs> no, how, no, how no. I, 
other means to me. Uh, here's the thing: is like Fargo masterpiece, Fargo Cohen, Fargo great, Fargo number one on AFI top 100. Oh boy! But <laughs> can you say Fargo is pure joy? And not that movies have to be pure joy, but this is a subjective list. We're yeah, all coming at this different. We don't give enough credit to how important joy is in the movie going experience. And if a movie brings you as much joy as Oh Brother brings me, and I believe it brings Hayden, I think there's something really powerful to that. Absolutely. Man, I'm just I'm sorry, Matt. <laughs> shot. It's okay. I thought something this might happen, but I just didn't. The funny uh... thing is, is I bet Hayden and I knew this about each other. Like we knew how much we loved Oh Brother. You know how much we you... quote Oh Brother. Don't we quote Oh Brother all the time to each other? I feel like we quote that pretty or often. Or is that me and someone else? <laughs> that might be you and someone else, but okay. I, I definitely uh... quote that a lot. Okay. Wow. Well. <laughs> this is like this is a stunning upset in my mind in my mind it's a stunning upset uh, this is the point where your listeners leave <laughs> no that, they're probably fascinated now because they don't know what's going to happen so i mean we could take a vote it feels almost like a, <laughs> like a oh point. i already that's voted. what we've been People doing sorry. okay sorry i, <laughs> I just, already voted. I felt like to really make it official like i'm voting hold on i'll say it i'll say it again oh brother warth though <laughs> Mark said, oh, brother, brother. Where are thou? I feel like I have to be on the record that I voted for Fargo. <laughs> absolutely. Like, uh, I tried. Absolutely. I tried. Um, I, wow. Amazing. Okay. Number seven, oh, brother, beats number two in Fargo. Well, now I don't know what the fuck's going to happen because now it's num- next matchup is number three, uh, Big Lebowski versus number six, Miller's Crossing. Oh, boy. <laughs> well, I, I know what's going to happen. I know what's going to happen. Uh, I mean, I feel yeah. I have a feeling we, I know where this we got. Is we got someone who likes Miller's Crossing and loves the other. We got someone who doesn't like Miller's Crossing. Well, that's true. That's true. Okay. The I, now and, I'm just scared after the Fargo incident. I, I'm going to call from now on the Fargo incident. Uh, it's just uh, I didn't know. Okay, but I mean, what else do we want to say? Mark, do you want to go first on anything else you want to say about Big Lebowski and Miller's Crossing? Sorry, I feel like I'm hurrying um, us sure. Well, now. you did know. say earlier we could like go through and say our like funniest moments from Big Lebowski. Yes, you guys mean. seem yes. to have yours in mind. I can't. There are so many moments I go to. I think off the top of my head, it's the uh, the first shut the fuck up, Donnie, where he's like, <laughs> um, what uh, when they're talking about the Jesus and he's like, when he moved to Hollywood, he had to go door to door to tell everyone he was a pederast. The Donnie's like, what's a pederast, Walter? And it's just like. Oh, by the way, voiceover. We're hearing this in voiceover as we're seeing a flashback of the Jesus walking door to door. And you just hear, shut the fuck up, Donnie. (laughs) And it kills me every time. That one, I guess that's probably tied with when they're interrogating Larry Sellers, which I already quoted. The guy in the iron lung in the background. Oh my God. It's like, and a good day to you, sir. Oh, Matt, like, what's your favorite part? Oh my god! Well, f- I feel like it's almost like an obvious one, but I, I saw this movie like first time like ten years ago with a group of friends, someone's house, and like none of us had seen it. I don't know how we. I think it was like on Netflix or something. We all like, well, let's watch this big last we've heard about it for so long. Uh, I remember crying, laughing when John Goodman is smashing the car, saying, "This is what happens when you fuck a stranger in the." <laughs> Wait, I thought it was uh, find a stranger in the Alps. <laughs> That's the TNT version. Uh, it's. <laughs> 
when you God, when he just is like destroying, just keeps screaming, you want to fuck a stranger in the head? <laughs> over and over. Because he just, I mean, it gets funnier. I think he just keeps going and then he smashes the wrong car. It's this whole like we were just losing it. Me and everybody. I just friends. bought the fucking car last week. <laughs> it's my God. fucking car. Oh my God. I mean, yeah. And then I know my friend like literally fell out of his chair because uh, he also hates the Eagles. So he loved the line about like, it's just a small. I've had a long fucking day, day. and I hate the fucking, fucking Eagles, Eagles, man. <laughs> That's <laughs> it. Get the fuck out of my cab. <laughs> he like immediately <laughs> pulls over. Yeah. We didn't know why I was laughing. Easily annoyed cab driver ever. <laughs> yeah. We were like, Rob, why are you laughing so hard? He goes, I hate the fucking Eagles too, man. Like, he's just, he's, my friend Rob is very much like the closest I have to a Lebowski character in my life. So, um, <laughs> yeah, he, uh, I mean, I, I just think it, it's funnier. It's so funny and it gets funnier the more you watch it. Like, it's a movie that really, truly rewards multiple rewatches. And uh, yeah, I just, I don't know. It's funny. I love it. Um, Mark, what's your favorite funny or funniest moment? <laughs> Well, I mean, I already said it. Yeah. Oh, sorry. 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 I will occasionally wake up and just like start laughing so hard that my sides (laughs) hurt. Whenever I remember the part where he's at, uh, is it Jackie Treehorn? He's at Jackie Treehorn's house. And like, he's kind of snooping and he's like uh, trying to overhear on the couch when Jackie Treehorn's on the phone with someone. Jackie Treehorn like scribbles something on a post-it note takes the post-it note and like goes into the bedroom so he's like trying to act all cool and he like <laughs> slides over there real quick and he takes a pencil and he shades over the uh, post-it note that was underneath the other one to see what he wrote down oh yeah and you just see it's a it's like a amorphous stick figure with a giant boner and <laughs> <laughs> he's like oh. what <laughs> and then he like speeds back <laughs> over. i that is the funniest thing i like i to, I don't know. I, I can't properly describe it. I mean, it's just obvious why it's so funny, but like, I will cry laughing whenever I think about it. <laughs> oh, I mean, yeah. And then I, John Goodman is so good in this. I always, I'm worried when I watch this, that I, it's, it's obviously it's not going to happen, but I'm like, he's so high strong. I'm worried he's a heart attack. Like he's so fully wired. Yeah. <laughs> I know he's fine, but I'm oh. like, uh, I'm like, oh my God, John Goodman, don't die. But the uh, great thing about movies like this that you can watch over and over again is like, you'll notice the broad strokes the first time, but then you'll notice the like little moments in between them. Like yeah. you're all, you're so focused on John Goodman pointing the gun at Smokey. <laughs> like, <laughs> The like low key, you don't notice, but like how low key the dude is like, Walter, they're calling the cops, man. <laughs> <laughs> I uh oh. I will say also, um it's one of the few movies with an obnoxious fan base that is not annoying to me. Like I, I agree. The, yeah. the fan base is obnoxious, <laughs> but like I don't care. Like you I mean, would, yeah, they're fine. I watch chill. This, yeah, I don't I mean, feel like, like it's movie. a very. I don't feel like it's a very vocal fan base. Yeah, I like I don't really. Right? <laughs> it's not something. I. It's not a movie I see tweeted about all the time. Right. Right. Uh, uh, did we want to go through our list of funniest moments from Miller's Cross? I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, John uh, Polito slapping his son when he's so <laughs> excited for something that is or the moment they took out of on the criterion cut without telling anyone oh my god i didn't Where, buy that. Uh, Sorry, what's his did. name martin star what's oh, his mike name? star mike yeah not martin star when mike star's like <laughs> tom after he hits him <laughs> oh my I believe god they took yeah. that out why why would they take that out <laughs> i don't know 
Um, I don't know. Again, Miller's Crossing. They're Lucasing us. <laughs> Why are they Lucasing us? Um, Miller's Crossing one. I uh, I wish I'd rewatched it. Uh, I want it to work better for me. I feel like I'm really playing my hand on the vote here, but I just. I mean, I don't know. I, I, I'll give it another chance someday. And I, you actually mean that, not in the way of like, oh, I'll watch yeah. it again. No, I really will. <laughs> it's still on the yeah. Blu-ray. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. Anyone want to say anything else about Miller's Crossing before we vote? Or um, I, I love it to death with all my heart. But I mean, we're I'm picking between kids here, so uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll say uh, Big Lebowski. Okay, Mark. Uh, yeah, I gotta go. I mean, I already gave it away, but I gotta go. Big Lebowski. Okay. Yep. Um, Big Lebowski for me too. I, I can't, uh, I can't go against it. So, um, all right. Number three, Big Lebowski moving on. We're in the final four. So we are moving along now. Um, I'm going to recap right. this, this final four. I want to, I'm, you guys should be happy with it, but it's, uh, no country for old men, true grit. Oh, brother, where art thou? And Big Lebowski. Well, it's let's pretty see solid. what's going against each other. Three favorites in there, but they're calling the cops, man. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay. I mean, I'm going to keep moving along because it's been like four hours already. So, Oh, my word. This is bananas. Um, it's going to be a fun listen, guys. <laughs> they're going to love it. Uh, okay. Let's. Okay. Number one, No Country for Old Men versus number 12, True Grit. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. I mean, you got, finally, we have like two westerns one of them's kind of a neo western but going up against a true blue western mm-hmm. i think it's finally good to have because they have so you know they have a lot of western imagery in their filmography it's nice to have two of them going up against each other mm-hmm. um yeah we've already said a lot about both these movies they're both great um how was how, how were uh Dan and uh, the other two guys able to keep coming up with stuff to say about movies over and over. Again. I, I know. I think near the That's end, they started just kind of voting, didn't they? Okay. I don't remember. I feel like the farther I, it went on, they were just kind of like, yeah, it's good. I or remember. I like this one better. It's more about what you prefer at this point, right? It's not really what else is there to say. It's like, right. You know, well, yeah, I don't have anything else to say about either one of them. I, Maybe I, if uh, I, do I do have something them. to say. I Let's do see. have something to say. Here's the thing is no country for old men is, is a perfect movie. But the, the thing is, like, True Grit is a perfect movie, you know? <laughs> <laughs> this piece of gold or this piece of gold? Which one will I choose? It's, yeah, I mean, yeah. it's tough. Um, I, I actually have more to say about No Country for Men. I think I forgot. Uh, when I first watched this, like, when it first came out, I had this, like, perfect viewing of it. You ever have those, like, you, like everything was perfect. Oh, yeah. The setting you watched it in. I had cooked like mm. steak for dinner and that smell was hanging in the air. So like, this is, Oh pretty- my God. Is- I know it was like it, the lighting was perfect. It's such a weird specific thing, but like the movie hit me in the absolute perfect way. And that I will never forget. There's so many great scenes, but that scene when Josh Brolin's in the, ho- the hotel um, and he's, it's the, he turns the lights off. He knows um, Javier Redem's coming. He hears footsteps. And it's like the tensest scene I've ever seen in my life. And the dead quiet, all you hear like footsteps Whoever fucking did like the the sound, like the miking on like boots and like little mm-hmm. sounds and no country men deserve the an award. sound editor on their film. <laughs> the I'm sound. guessing because I've paid attention to the credits on all their movies, but it's a gentleman named Skip Leavesay. I probably butchered that name, <laughs> but yeah, sound like one like obviously horror is my favorite genre. Or skip, yeah. <laughs> and one of the reasons I love horror is because it often features, you know, extended sequences of suspense. And I love suspense and tension in movies. Who doesn't? If you don't <laughs> like suspense and tension in movies, I mean, 
fuck's wrong with you? <laughs> um, and that is one of the most intense sequences I've ever seen in a movie. It's just, it's God tier film. And, and a, a smaller moment. I mean, not, not, not at the same level, but even whenever Woody Harrelson's going up the stairs and silently behind oh him, you just see yes. Anton Sugar coming up behind him. Oh my God. It's like now, the boogeyman just, yeah, <laughs> appeared. Now, I, uh, Matt, I don't want to cut you off. It's okay. <laughs> Did, uh, I just uh, want to say I do have yeah. a I do have a reasoning why I'm why I'm uh, I will vote the way I will. Okay. Okay. Again, uh, which both, way that's going to be? No, you're not. Both perfect <laughs> movies. The only thing going against No Country for Old Men for me because while it's not a fun movie, in this case, it doesn't it doesn't harm. Okay, for old men because it's a freaking thriller you know what right, i'm saying right um so the thing is like the only thing going against it for me is i'm a big rewatcher. i love rewatching movies uh the thing about cat and mouse movies for me is their rewatchability goes down a little bit whenever so much of it is hinging on you don't know what's going to happen next you don't know if they're going to turn the corner and see another guy like i uh, Mark knows this about me. I'm not the biggest stalking, stalk and slash fan when it comes to horror because I'm like, y'all are both just sneaking around, get to it already. <laughs> Probably why I love Halloween Kills so much. One of the reasons why I love Halloween Kills so much is to get rid of all this uh -huh. shit. But uh, so for me, I, I mean, like, that's not really an issue with True Grit. I'm tuning into True Grit for uh, a great story filled with great characters and uh, wonderful dialogue and like, and, and I'm going to cry by the end of it. So I'm voting right. true grit. Oh, okay. Okay. Uh, Mark, what do you vote? Is that now? I don't know. You know, before <laughs> I vote, I got a question for you guys. Something I want to ask. There's that moment in no country for old men where uh, Anton goes to the uh, Steven roots office and kills everyone there. Uh -huh. And there's that one guy who he's having the conversation with. And he's like, are you going to kill me? And Anton turns around and is like, that depends. Do you see me? <laughs> think he killed that guy? <laughs> I you think, think that was uh, like, you think he pulled a coin? Do you think he pulled a coin toss? Do you think he just up and shot him? Or do you think that he actually let him go? That guy, I feel like he might have let go. <laughs> I don't know. I was thinking, does he let anybody go? But he does let. He lets the... Um... Yeah, let's Gene Jones go, the... Uh... The gas tender. Gas, yeah, the gas station guy. That's yeah, but that's amazing. because fate, the coin toss. Fate, fate uh, yeah. yeah, fate shows that. Guy. Well, that's what I'm saying. Do you think he might have done a coin toss with the uh, with that guy too? No, I think he killed him. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Why I was being like positive on that one. He probably killed him, but I'm like, I want to hope that somebody made it. Well, that's uh, a different, like, because that's a different. I don't know. You leave that scene feeling differently than you like leave the guy with the chickens on his truck. Like that scene, you leave. Yeah. You're like, well, even and even the ending. Like, I mean it. It's so quietly oh, sad and horrifying that you just see him like checking the bottom of his shoes. When oh, my oh my gosh. Oh my God. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't yeah. know why I won't say exactly what, but I thought something different happened in the ending. And I was like, no, it's very clear what happens at the very end of the yeah. movie. <laughs> like, I don't know All what right. I would. Um, so I've drawn it out long enough. Yeah. I'm voting no country. Oh, no country Goodbye. too. <laughs> hey, you, you know what? True value. grit made it this far. Yeah. Had a, a very good run. I mean, True Grit made it to the top four. Right, He's a twelve seed away. made it to the uh, <laughs> to the top, the top four. Um, okay, no country. This whole on. world is against me. 
Oh, I think I have a few more things to say to the movie too. So we'll, but it, it's going to move on. So, um, oh boy. Okay. This, like, I have, a, I'm just going to say, I have a vague suspicion. I know what's going to be in the top two. <laughs> and it's exactly what I thought was going to be in the top two before we started this. Well, I don't know because you guys have already thrown me for a loop. And the next matchup is number seven, oh, brother, where art thou versus number three, Big Lebowski. Sorry. Um, well, I, no, I know how this is going. I'm mad. <laughs> Hayden just get. I should I should have played a game earlier and been. I shouldn't have been honest with myself. <laughs> Again, it was going to be diff. I'm surprised. I I shouldn't have been honest about the Big Lebowski, but like, there's no way for me to talk about it. I'm ruined. It. <laughs> <laughs> like, like I said, uh... the Big Lebowski might just be my favorite movie like ever made so of course i'm going for the big lebowski it's it's just like it's the easiest movie it's like the easiest watch ever and i think they're <laughs> even if it might not be you know as objectively good as some other movies in this i think the like energy that movie puts off and it's the ease with with you with which you can watch it how mu- how hard i laugh every time like I think that's all pretty important and got big Lebowski. Okay. I'm, I'm look, mo- we got to start splitting here. Although actually I should say <laughs> these are my top oh. two. This big Lebowski is my number one Cohen movie. Oh, oh brother is my number two. Oh wow. Okay. So this is painful. Even though you. it's still <laughs> easy because I know which one is my one, and which one is my two. It still hurts to say goodbye to, uh, well, maybe say goodbye to, Oh brother, maybe probably. But no, it's definitely don't <laughs> stop stop beating around the bush here. We know what's gonna happen. Look, now I, I love Oh Brother again. They're they are the two funniest movies ever made, in my opinion. They are just perfect comedies, perfect characters, just everything about them is perfect. But at the end of the day, I just find Big Lebowski a little more rewatchable and I get a little more out of it. So I gotta go Big Lebowski. It's not all about rewatchability, Mark. No, I'm joking. <laughs> but no, no, no. Okay. We got to split hairs. I got to defend my movie because I know what's yeah. going to happen. Because Matt didn't get a rewatch in. <laughs> <laughs> I know. It's all because uh, I get a rewatch in. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, here's the thing. I love, I mean, I, again, Big Lebowski is the easiest movie to throw on a watch. It's perfect. I love it. It's hilarious. One of the two funniest movies I've ever seen in my life. I'm just re- restating everything. However, if I were to be flipping channels and I got to, I'm sorry, Mark, I hate to do this to you because I know this is one of your favorite actors in the world. I do not, if I, if I flipped it and it was on one of the Julianne Moore scenes, oh. I would change the channel. I do not like the mod stuff. Like I, it, like all, all those <laughs> scenes really do nothing for me. I They're funny, but I find them, Again, I've got to split hairs. I've got to split hairs and try and defend O Brother Where Art Thou. There is nothing in O Brother Where Art Thou would skip. I I think it is perfect from beginning to end. I love the entire journey. And I'm not just going to, again, I'm not just going to laugh whenever uh, I watch O Brother Where Art Thou. I'm going to think. I'm going to cry. I'm going to get hungry i guess uh, all, all, all every emotion every emotion you could feel uh so th- th- there's my piece uh both great movies 
<laughs> but I'm just telling you why I'm voting for the one that's going to lose. Fair enough. I feel like everyone's now just gotten retired or it was like five hours of podcast. You were like, I don't know. They're both good. Uh, it's only four uh, hours. Oh, <laughs> oh, because okay. we technically didn't start recording till like 1130. Oh, that's true. Okay. Well, I hate to break your heart again. <laughs> I didn't get that rewatch in. I don't know what to tell you. No, I, Big Lebowski is a movie I love. I've seen now multiple times. I, I got to go Big Lebowski. I feel bad I voted against a brother. I feel like Lewin Davis right now. <laughs> Look, Hayden, <laughs> Oh Brother beat out Fargo. Yeah. That's that's, that's a pretty big. good run. That's a big run right there. I, I, I feel bad I voted against our brother in every single matchup from the start. Like I was like oh, raising Arizona, Fargo, <laughs> Big Lebowski. <laughs> If you had gotten that other watch in, you might be voting differently. Possibly. <laughs> now you'll be mad, I think, if I like message you and be like, oh man, I rewatch a brother. It is better than I-, I I hate that Raising Arizona was only able to go up against a brother. Yeah. Because that's Raising tough. Arizona is just that's it's another one of these in, pure joy. I thought it could have made it like to the final four, honestly, or at least like I think it could have made it to number one. Under different circumstances. Um yeah. Wow. Well, we're at the final two. It's a championship, baby. This is uh <laughs> hold on. Is... I gotta take it off my list. <laughs> right. This is uh and I, I think this is funny that we're with the matchup we have because this is I think is two very different sides of the Cohen brothers, because it's number one, no country oh, for old yeah. men versus number three, Big Lebowski for all the marbles. <laughs> this is, I mean, it's basically like picking which side of the Coen Brothers do you like more, or which one you think is a better movie? I don't know how you're going to vote for it. But it's just, it's. Will you get in trouble so, if I Google and play the uh, Who Wants to Be a Millionaire, the intense music? I think that's quick enough that no, I don't think anyone would give me a hit for that. I hope not. Okay. I'd hate to lose a five hour podcast. I'm not, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going <laughs> to okay. do it. But in the back of my head, I have it playing to oh, make this see, even more intense. This is tough. I mean, this is not an easy decision. Look, this like, is easy for me. I just want to okay. go on a limb say Look, for the record, I've already given it away. But let me say, when I'm ranking about? the Coen Brothers movies, the like Hayden, my top, there's my top seven are basically my top one. They're all incredible movies. But at the end of the day, there are like, I like some of them fraction, like a fraction of a level more than I like others. And that's very much the case we've come to here. These are both just all-timer fucking masterpieces. Well, one's One's a masterpiece, and then one's just like the funniest movie ever made and claims the title of masterpiece just by being that. <laughs> I would say it's a masterpiece for what it is. For what it is, absolutely. But then I think back to like the fact that it took me a few viewings to really view it with the level of affection that I do now. Whereas No Country for Old Men, uh, well, I gave it away, didn't I? No Country for Old Men. I went to see it and immediately I'm just like, that's a masterpiece. Big Lebowski, I watch it a handful of I watch them like, I don't like that. Oh, okay, I like it. Oh, I really like that. Holy fucking shit. I love this movie. Wait a minute. Didn't I just watch this movie yesterday? Why am I watching it again? I'm probably going to watch The Big Lebowski tonight. Only reason oh, I'm not is out of I lost spite. my headphones. <laughs> I can't hear a word you're saying. Damn it. <laughs> Okay, I'm back. I said the only reason I'm not going to watch The Big Lebowski is out of spite. <laughs> but, I mean, yeah, I mean, I, I kind of, I'm sorry, Matt. I gave away, I gave away my, I showed you guys my cards way too early. Like, No, no Country World Men is the best 
version of that kind of movie that they made. I mean, yeah, no, that I, <laughs> but, but I have, but I have seen, I have watched No Country, maybe five or six times in my life, and and I'll watch it a few more. I have watched Oh Brother Wartha, or uh, well, yeah, definitely. I've watched Big Lebowski, <laughs> uh, maybe fifty, maybe more, mm-hmm. and I will watch it a hundred times more before I die, maybe more. Holy I don't know. shit! So, uh, as much as I hate to vote for the movie that knocked out my favorite movie, I, I gotta, I gotta go Lebowski, dude. Wow. I, I know what I'm doing now. So wait, so, okay. Uh, hold on. I want to talk about this a little bit more. I want to yeah, absolutely, take a moment. Absolutely. Uh, Cause we're at the end here. Uh, I do think it's funny. The Coen brothers I saw had this quote about big Lebowski that, that they think it's interesting that everyone else is more interested in Big Lebowski than they are. Have you heard this quote or something to that effect where, the, you know, they move on from it and it's had this lasting impact. And they're like, even they're like, we don't really get it is what it sounds like. Yeah. Cause they I mean, haven't like, gone to any of the Lebowski fests or any of the like midnight screenings of the nor movie. Nor should yet. they. <laughs> they probably, probably shouldn't go like, there. I, they would probably be, be like, this is insufferable. We want to leave. <laughs> I just thought that was funny. This is a lot about them. I think where they're like, we made this thing. I'm sure they're proud of it, but they're like, we moved on. We we just surprised everyone so right. obsessed with it. I mean, there's like college courses taught on Big Lebowski, the dude or what, you know, oh, like it's like, yeah, there's books, like a religion, a religion based, based on, it. on it. I mean, it's interesting. Uh, um, what was I going to say? And there's all, uh, this is the thing about them. I was watching the interview on the Big Lebowski Blu-ray where I think their sense of humor is so specific where they're talking about, because it's all about his rug. He wants a new rug and Somebody, there's a real magazine. I looked it up. I thought they were joking. There's a real magazine called Floor Coverings Weekly <laughs> that wanted to interview <laughs> them about the rug in the movie or something like that. Or and they and they really want. They said we really want to do the interview, but they never got back to us or something. And I was like, what a missed opportunity! <laughs> like, oh and they God. seemed genuinely bummed they didn't get to talk. I think they thought it'd be really funny if they were in Floor Coverings Weekly talking about Big Lebowski. But right. I was like, that's so. I feel like that's a small nugget of like who the Coen brothers are. But um, ah, God, this is uh, and also I've been saying this way earlier, but I forgot. Uh, guys who are great at both aspects writers and directors like usually i feel like tarantino got the knock a lot where it was like oh he's a better writer than director uh, and there's a lot of people i feel like you say they're if they're writers and directors they're usually maybe better at one or the other i really they're probably slightly better writers but i think they're amazing filmmakers mm-hmm. too mm-hmm. um i don't know i think they're it's tough i mean they're great at both that's what i'm saying <laughs> yeah they're great at both I, I think that knock against tarantino is ridiculous maybe in the earlier days when his movies looked a little more indie but once he started working with robert richardson like that's just like his movies look as incredible as they sound just oh, like yeah, the yeah. coens the coens are masters of writing and masters of directing like the movie some of the best looking movies out there yeah, I was yeah. trying to think of like a joke where it's like, now there's so many jump cuts in one spot time in Hollywood. It's like he, it's like he doesn't know how to edit. Oh, <laughs> I was gonna I, say something stupid. Uh, oh man, so I don't know. I just had to make a couple points. Uh, so okay, Hayden, you're voting for Big Lebowski. To my own chagrin, yes. Yes, Mark begrudgingly i feel like you played your hand but i have to ask for just the official I feel like this worked out just the way mark wanted i feel like he was playing a sneaky little game this whole time <laughs> i wish no, i had uh, that much control over my life uh, both just 
top tier movies, but at the end of the day, I got to go Lebowski, baby. You know what's funny? I mean, it doesn't matter because it's two versus one, but I would go No Country for Old Man. I, I, I figured. Uh, I Because uh, it's, I, I kind of, I don't know if no, I played my hand at any point. Is but that I, yeah. your actual vote or like Fargo where you're like, I want it to be on record that I voted for Fargo. Is this your ass? Well, Fargo vote? was my actual vote. I mean, I was like, I was going to vote that no matter what, but I just wanted to I'm, put that I'm down. I'm just giving you this a is, hard time. This was when we started the tur- the whole bracket. I was hoping no country would win, even though it's kind of like an obvious pick, but it is, it's weird to say it's my favorite because it's a very dark, not like, it's not a fun movie by any means, but like, I, I, you know, I don't know. I love it. I think it's, I think it's the best thing they've done. It may not be the most Coen Brothers thing they've done, but uh, it's just one of my favorite movies in general. I think it's an amazing movie. Um, yeah, I don't know. I love No Country for Man. I think every time I watch it, I, I don't watch it too much. Like, I don't, it's not like a, I'd probably rewatch Lebowski and Fargo way more, but yeah. No Country for Men has like a real, like a real power to it. I feel like, and like it's not. You could take every scene in that movie, almost every scene is like just an incredible thing, and like it's not like it's a vignette style. It's all cohesive, but I'm saying like that scene, just that scene alone with like Javier Bardem in the gas station, you know, with the whole heads mm. or tails thing, like uh, the scene I said in the, the motel that's so fucking tense. I mean, there's just so many. And people shit on like the oh, ending. God. The, let's not forget. There are two motel scenes in that movie. We keep talking yeah. about the main one, but <laughs> know, that I other know. one where he like kills all the guys waiting in that uh, other motel. It's so fucking good. God, that guy's well, and the last motel off. scene. There's a lot of motel scenes, oh my God. but Jesus I mean, Christ. yeah, I just, the ending is, yeah, no, I don't know. I, people, I think people should that Tommy Lee Jones ending, but I think it's the perfect ending for that movie. And oh no. Called. Yeah. That, incredible. That, that is because I could see where people are coming from with the the purposeful uh, um, ambiguity. No, no, the uh, uh, subversion of expectations in terms of what happens to a main character. You know, like yeah, something. You know, it's a very Cohen thing. You know, I feel not, like not everything gone... is tied up neatly. You know. <laughs> And and so like I kind of understand that because it is it is not satisfying, but then the the true ending with uh, with Tommy Lee Jones makes it all better in my opinion. Like I, I mean, yeah. like yeah. I, I I love the ending with Tommy Lee Jones. So I feel like we're going back and forth between <laughs> not spoiling things and spoiling the shit out of things. I didn't stuff. say it. I didn't say anything. No, I you didn't say it there, oh. but earlier we revealed what happened to another character in the movie. Uh, there are other movies oh, where we okay. have absolutely <laughs> revealed them. So it, I just love how like kind of fast and loose we're playing with uh, that Just rule. put a spoiler warning for every single Cone. Yeah, I think people did. might even in five hours get lost of what we said and what we didn't say. Yeah, <laughs> like, I just hope people go and watch the Coen Brothers movies. So I, I think people well, probably like uh, angrily uh, stopped listening whenever Fargo didn't. Uh, <laughs> I even as... No, I think they still yeah. held out hope for uh, No Country, which... Sorry, boys. <laughs> <laughs> this just did not go the way I thought it was. I really... I don't know why I was so stupid and thought, ah, I think that the last match is going to be uh, No Country for Man versus Fargo. So I thought the last match. No, nope, I knew. I knew it was going to be No Country versus Lebowski. I See, just I thought it would be Lebowski and Fargo. Oh, yeah. The brackets, man. But uh, I guess I, I didn't really say it. Big Lebowski is the winner of this whole thing. <laughs> like, and I'm okay. I'm totally cool with that. I just. Uh, How'd you know Lebowski was going to win? I deduced it. 
when you walked in. I would have been uh, happy with a lot quote. of things. Like, I mean, geez, if Raising Arizona had one, I would have been stoked. I would have been mad if uh, Oh Brother Rock had one, even though I'm not as in love with it as you guys are. But like Look, Fargo, Lebowski, I feel like all these things could have, no country, they all could have won. It would have been would have been fine. <laughs> so, look, I, I, I know, well, nobody thinks or talks about me, but if they do, <laughs> I'm assuming I have a reputation for being kind of a troll. And let's just say oh. this is not this is not a Halloween Kills is the best movie of 2021 sort of. Uh, <laughs> that's not that's not a that's just that's real. Yeah, that's just a straight up fact. No, I I well I would agree with you. I'm just saying more people will be happy with this conclusion than I'm assuming they would be going in assuming what the conclusion would be with Mark and I here. <laughs> they may have been like, oh, fuck, Hudsucker is going to be number one. <laughs> well, that's the fun thing about the Coen brothers. Like, the bracket I don't think is super obvious. You have ones you think will make it to the end, but you don't know a clear number one winner, you know? I definitely did think it was going to be Fargo and Lebowski, though. I mean, yeah, that's understandable. That it was a two and a three, so it was like, you know. I don't I'm know. The funny True thing, Grit, out of everything, I'm glad True Grit made it as far as it did. That's That was pretty good. True Grit I'm sad that Raising Arizona was killed immediately hurt, i'm not super surprised though because i knew we were all big fans of true grit coming in here yeah that's I, mean, fair. I i didn't know where matt stood on true grit i did not know i did not know yeah i think it's i think it's great i don't know like um yeah well wow this has been an epic my longest podcast ever Dude, i'm guys- tired <laughs> Is, I'm i know i'm exhausted this has been for a lot. everyone listening it is like 3 40 where we are and i am tired <laughs> we've been doing this for quite a while i mean everyone listening but yeah we've been listening for a while i'm like should i break it up in two parts well the conversation off the mic nah. uh but uh uh i don't know what else to say big lebowski one i'm totally cool with that i'm sure most people will be fine with that it's a it's a favorite um yeah well that's just like your opinion man <laughs> And mine too. Perfect. Use I don't know that, about but... you, but I take comfort in that. <laughs> <laughs> the beef. I guess I was <laughs> yelling the beef. Um, oh boy. All right. Well, anyone have final thoughts? The... It's like Jerry Springer show now. Final thoughts. I mean, <laughs> they're the best. That's all I got. <laughs> Look at lazy old moon. <laughs> oh yeah. Yeah. Mark's I got hail Mark has <laughs> watched two and a half Coen brothers movies <laughs> or like maybe a two whole. I don't know. A lot. He's, We've seen three We're halfway through movies. my third or uh, third Cohen Brothers. Movie He's watching right Hail Caesar now. That's in the background how long now. This is going. Um, oh boy, this has been incredible. Well, thank you guys for doing this, ladies uh, and gentlemen. Absolutely. If here are my final words, watch the Hudsucker Proxy. <laughs> Just here are watch. my final words. Yeah. Consider the lilies of the goddamn field. <laughs> <laughs> but also, okay. So what? What's the movie y'all most want to rewatch after talking about all of them? Oh, brother, we're right there. <laughs> I mean, running joke. Uh, Big Lebowski. Um, well, there was oh, Miller's Crossing. Hang on, let me look at the list. There He's was a lot go through their entire filmography again. Yeah, I'm gonna go through. I mean, I watched. I looked on Letterbox. I watched 14 of the 18 films just this year alone. <laughs> so um, <laughs> I watched most of it. Yeah, probably still want to watch Lebowski, Miller's Crossing, Oh, brother, we're right there. Those are the top three. That's what I think I would say. And real uh, quick, what did y'all think of uh, Macbeth? Still haven't seen it. <laughs> because because <laughs> when it was coming out, I was like, are we going to include that? And then y'all were like, no, no, no. The, the, the brothers. 
Right. It's got to be both of them together. And it would have made it 19, which would be really awkward. I'm like, yeah, that would have been awful. We would have had to perish Jatimit. Jatimit. <laughs> oh, um, but yeah, I, I know. I love yeah. Macbeth. I loved it too. Is, is that. Uh, I already know the answer to this. <laughs> of course, they're going to make another movie together. But what are the chances uh, that they uh, that Buster Scruggs is their last movie as the duo? What's going I on? I mean, did Ethan Cohen like a break or what was happening? I have no idea. I was I wanted to look into it and I didn't. I thought I heard something where he just said I he heard, wanted a break. <laughs> I heard uh, secondhand through a podcast. I heard that he's done with filmmaking. Wow. I don't want to believe it, really? but he, uh, someone had heard that and they recounted that on a podcast. Uh, I know he's writing again and I know out of the two of them, he's the bigger, Ethan is the bigger writer. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah. So I, I <sighs> actually fun fact, when I went to, um, the trailer for that movie sundown with, uh, Tim Roth and Charlotte Gainsborough played uh, when I went to see a movie. And for some reason, the friend I saw that movie with said, oh, my God, Ethan Cohen's directing that. And for like an entire afternoon, I thought Ethan had gone off to direct his own movie. And it was the most uncohen looking movie imaginable. <laughs> <sighs> but I hope we're not done. But if they are, if if Ethan's done. You know, what a run they have. I mean, Buster Scruggs, <laughs> since it is such like a kind of cornucopia of all their themes it, it'd be a perfect note to go out on yeah honestly. absolutely the, yeah. which is why like again i loved macbeth and i this may not make sense to anybody but it is confusing me like i i ask myself anytime i think about it i'm like why macbeth <laughs> like why a straightforward <laughs> macbeth adaptation it's such a strange trajectory to me for for joel uh, yeah, like it's weird and then I, I listened to an interview with him or read an interview with him. And he was like, uh, Francis wanted to, I mean, Francis had, had done Macbeth on stage and she wanted to do a, a, a film adaptation of it. And he was like, okay. <laughs> uh, also learned for doing this podcast. I knew Francis McDormand and Joel Cohen were married. Did not know they've been married since 1984. Oh yeah. Yeah. It's been that long. I was like, Jesus Christ. I thought they got married like, I was gonna say it's kind of sad that she's not in the movie that like I was I was because I was thinking Lebowski has so many heavy hitters you know for for the Coens and then I was like ah oh, but no Francis McDormand <laughs> yeah that's I don't know that's interesting I, I oh I meant to ask you guys this question in the middle of this we've gone long enough why not uh, I was who is your favorite actor that's like a recurring Coen Brothers part Goodman. of their troupe because my answer I will just say is John Goodman it's my yeah, favorite mine too yeah okay um. I love him. Feel like this is gonna be the squarest answer. I think I gotta go Clooney. Okay. Hey. I mean, they, they use him so well. It's like he is such a perfect idiot in their Ulysses Everett <laughs> McGill, dude. He is. He's the. He's the man. Like, <laughs> one of my favorite movie characters, up there with oh, Montgomery God, he's, Wick. <laughs> <laughs> he's he's one of the best. Oh. They've got so many of the best movie characters, though. Mm-hmm. They do. Oh, yeah. Man. Yeah, I got right. one more question I want to ask, Caden. <laughs> we discussed yeah. the Inside Lewin Davis soundtrack, but favorite song on the O Brother soundtrack? Oh, death. No, I'm joking. Uh, <laughs> I, I uh, That is a tough one. I should have... Uh, you know what? Um, Big Rock Candy Mountain is up there because it's such a good opener, but I got to go Angel Band, the one that closes it out. Jesus such Christ. A, I think that's mine, too. Dude, it's such a perfect little coda. 
It's so sweet. It is. I think it helps that they're like singing it too before it actually plays. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. And, I, and I like the Stanley Brothers a lot. So like, yeah, I, I, I yeah, I'm gonna have to go Angel Band. All right. I don't have oh, an answer. Yeah. I'm sorry. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I just gonna keep, I'm gonna keep saying. Gotta do that rewatch. <laughs> I can do that for the whole year until our like just pull up me and be like, oh yeah, I gotta rewatch that. I'll get around to it. And I think it's so like, like that, whenever you're in the mood for a good comedy, that would be a good night to rewatch that. Oh yeah, that's yeah. a good eating movie. Throw it on while you're eating. I'm, yeah, that's good. I uh, I think I make this a running joke all year till like, our best of 2022 episode and be like, I still gotta rewatch a brother where. <laughs> <laughs> I'm due for a rewatch of that one. And by um, the way, can we go ahead and record that episode soon? Because um, otherwise, Uncharted's not going to be able to make it on my oh list. Oh dear God! <laughs> Could be an honorable mention. <laughs> there you go. Uh, I can't wait to see what chaos unfolds in that episode. Uh, I don't remember what's coming out this year, so we'll see. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, there's Halloween definitely. Ends. We don't have to worry about any Halloween movies making it on there, or do we? I, I mean. Halloween ends is coming out this October, right? Yeah, that's right. Uh, we'll see. It all ends, baby. I don't know, but uh, well, this was a ton of fun. Thank you, guys. I have become a bigger Coen Brothers fan doing this rewatch, honestly. Where now I'm like, I should really start saying that amongst my favorite filmmaker. That makes me if more you want, happy. You than should anything. do that. if you want to just like force yourself to watch more movies from directors. Just do director centric episodes. Well, that's true. Yeah, <laughs> I would love to do this again in the future with a franchise or another director. Um, Oh, hell yeah. Well, yeah, maybe not like every... It's a very big undertaking to watch a bunch of, you know, watch a ton of movies, but... Uh, Franchise might be easier. I'm yeah. free on Saturdays. Let's do it every week. <laughs> you know what's funny, too? And Mark, you probably, I mean, hey, you might appreciate this, too, but you know who has a perfect number for a bracket of 16? Tony Scott. Really? <laughs> 16 Ooh, movies. Right. And I was like, maybe Tony that's Scott how... fan I know on here right now. I know. Maybe that's how we should end the... Uh, Unscottable series is do a bracket or something. But oh, dude! I get a bunch like, of pe- get 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 everybody who's guested on, on this. Oh, the Uncottables. Uncottables. Yeah, yeah, the, the Uncottables. My team, the Uncottables. Um, okay, well, we got to wrap up because this is gone for a very long time. Yeah, uh, but uh, yes, yeah, so you guys want to plug anything? Mark, do you want to plug anything? Uh, no, I mean, I'm gonna gonna be on some podcasts soon gonna be on a schlock and all gonna be on a cobwebs keep your ears peeled for that follow me on twitter at the shape 14 capital t-h-e underscore capital s-h-a-p-e one four all right good stuff uh hey do you have anything to plug ears peeled (laughs) no i I, i'm also gonna be on schlock and all in the future uh you can find me on letterboxd at hayden comes alive and uh that's the only socials i have so hey you can find me on letterbox too just find it through my twitter <laughs> just go to my twitter and find it <laughs> it's like uh but yeah people should be following you especially on letterbox you guys write very fun reviews so Thank and you. i feel like Thank i you. miss them sometimes i go back and like catch up on like five reviews you guys have written and i'm like oh god what have they been watching <laughs> yeah i watched too many movies to be completely well that's that feels like me lately pounding these coen brother movies down i'm like <laughs> watching like three a day before the podcast like i got them all in um but uh yeah everyone thank you for listening for this very long podcast i hope you enjoyed it uh it's like it's very different for us but i had fun um and uh I, you know what i won't even say our stuff people know where they can find us i say it every week so uh i'm just gonna wrap up thank you guys for listening we'll talk to you next time bye everybody